Greetings, blessings, and a very happy New Year to everyone. This is Cheryl, and I'm so pleased to be here to welcome you to the first program of 2022, Tara and Rama's Saturday afternoon program, the True Planetary Galactic History, History of Nasara, and the Planetary and Galactic History, History. And here we are at the start of a new year, and I know it's going to be a very exciting one and an exceptionally blessed one as well. So peace, love, and healing to everyone as we go ahead and do our meditation to bring heaven on earth. We're going to do some classics here, but we're going to start with our opening. So set aside the rest of the world and go into your heart center. And as you do so, please join me in calling forth for the full full emergence and integration of your soul, your higher self, your monad, your mighty I am presence. As we call forth the mighty I am presence, we acknowledge it as the planetary Christ presence. This is our Christed being. And it is at the level of the I am presence that we can connect with every man, woman, and child, and we do so now. So please affirm with me. I am my I am presence. As my I am presence, I am one with the I am presence of all humanity. I am one with the I am presence of every man, woman, and child. I am one with the I am presence of all of my family members and loved ones. I am one with the I am presence of all that is. Take a nice deep breath and feel your connection with all those that you love and all those on the planet, all of our brothers and sisters of humanity. And feel yourself in your pillar of light and feel that pillar expand. Feel it fully connected to source and fully connected to the center of the earth, to Mother Gaia's heart. And feel the empowerment in that connection as you open your heart further and expand your pillar, holding within your heart center this planet and all upon her. As we take this time to call in heaven to earth, and we recommit ourselves to that service, affirming that we are indeed the bridge between heaven and earth, the anchor for the new golden age, and the open door that no one can shut. Allow yourself to connect heart to heart and high heart or cosmic heart to cosmic heart with every man, woman, and child, with Gaia and with Source, the cosmic heart of all that is. We include everyone and everything on the planet in our work. And thus, for one and all, we call in all soul extensions, planetary and galactic, all of our ancestors, all of the genetic lineage, the ancestral lineage, all the generations past and forward, 
our spiritual lineage, our soul family, and soul pods. We welcome at this time all of our guides and teachers, our healing team, our beloved guardian angel, our beloved twin flame, our ascension council and mission council. We welcome all of the kingdoms and their assistance in receiving this as well. We welcome the plant kingdom, the tree kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the animal kingdom, the diva kingdom, the elemental kingdom, the fairy kingdom, all of the kingdoms of nature, the whales, the dolphins, the unicorns, and all magical kingdoms. We welcome at this time all of the angelic realm. So from the angels and archangels through to the cherubim and seraphim and all angelic healing teams, we welcome the ascended masters. <clears throat> if you're hearing rain in the background, that's the rain of blessings coming down to us. <laughs> we welcome all of the ascended masters, the brotherhood of light, the sisterhood of the Raisin Rose, the order of Melchizedek, the radiant ones, all of the enlightened masters, all of the divine mother emissaries, divine father emissaries, all of the planetary and cosmic hierarchy of light, and all Ascended Master Healing Team. We welcome our precious friends in the Galactic Federation of Light, all of the healing teams that we normally acknowledge, especially the Arcturians, the Pleiadians, the Syrians, the Andromedans, the healing teams from Chiron and from Venus. And we include everyone and everything in the circle of support, everything that's been added this week, everything that is held in our intentions. And we call forth all of the energy of the holiday season, all of the energy of Christmas and Kwanzaa and all of the celebrations this week including New Year's, in our collective cup of consciousness to be utilized for the transformation of this planet and all upon her. As we, again, call in every aspect of heaven on earth. We call in all the rays, all the flames, all the universal laws and ascension waves. And with every energy and frequency, every prayer and evocation, every blessing, every grace, every dispensation, every activation, we ask that it be received individually and collectively through every cell, chakra, and meridian layer of our work field multidimensionally, through the conscious, subconscious, superconscious minds, the maximum that we can receive in ascension energies, again, for both our individual and collective ascensions on a planetary and cosmic level. We call forth Gaia to receive all that we receive through all of her chakras and meridians and layers of her orc field multidimensionally, through every ley line and song line, every portal, every all the grid systems, the love grids, the light grids, the unity grids, all of the multidimensional grid systems, through every portal and vortex, and monument and sacred site and place of power, every stargate, every city of light. As we continue up this spiral of evolution, 
with Mother Gaia as she takes her rightful place as Freedom Star. So we're going to begin today by doing the World Healing Meditation. And this is traditionally done the morning of New Year's Eve day. So we're just going to turn ourselves back to that time, 7 a.m., the local time, to go ahead and activate the World Healing Meditation for ourselves and for the planet. In the beginning, in the beginning, God. And just see a white and gold light coming in. Pure, pure ascension frequencies of white and gold. With a little bit of pink for divine love as well. As we work with this. In the beginning, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now is the time of the new beginning. I am a co-creator with God. And it is a new heaven that comes. As the goodwill of God is expressed on earth through me. It is a kingdom of light, love, peace, and understanding. And I am doing my part to reveal its reality. I begin with me. I am a living soul, and the Spirit of God dwells in me as me. I and the Father are one, and all that the Father has is mine. In truth, I am the child of God. What is true of me is true of everyone, for God is all and all is God. I see only the spirit of God in every soul. And to every man, woman, and child on earth, I say, I love you. For you are me. You are my holy self. I now open my heart and let the pure essence of unconditional love pour out. I see it as a golden light radiating from the center of my being. And I feel its divine vibration in and through me, above and below me. I am one with the light. I am filled with the light. I am illumined by the light. I am the light of the world. With purpose of mind, I send forth the light. I let the radiance go before me to join the other light. I know this is happening all over the world at this moment. I see the merging lights. There is now one light. We are the light of the world. One second here. The one light of love, peace, and understanding is moving. It flows across the face of the earth, touching and illuminating every soul in the shadow of the illusion. And where there was darkness, there is now the light of reality. And the radiance grows, permeating, saturating every form of life, 
is there is only the vibration of one perfect life now. All the kingdoms of the earth respond, and the planet is alive with light and love. There is total oneness, and in this oneness we speak the word. Let the sense of separation be dissolved. Let humankind be returned to Godkind. Let peace come forth in every mind. Let love flow forth in every heart. Let forgiveness reign in every soul. Let understanding be the common bond. And now from the light of the world, the one presence and power of the universe responds. The activity of God is healing and harmonizing planet Earth. Omnipotence is made manifest. I'm seeing the salvation of the planet before my very eyes as all false beliefs and error patterns are dissolved. The sense of separation is no more. The healing has taken place, and the world is restored to sanity. This is the beginning of peace on earth and goodwill toward all. As love flows forth from every heart, forgiveness reigns in every soul, and all hearts and minds are one in perfect understanding. It is done, and so it is. And we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. Can it is traditional to use the Great Invocation on January 1st? Let the forces of light bring illumination to mankind. May man of goodwill everywhere meet in a spirit of cooperation. May forgiveness on the part of all be the keynote at this time. Let power attend the efforts of the Great Ones. So let it be and help us to do our part. Let the Lords of Liberation issue forth. Let them bring succor to the souls of humanity. Let the rider from the secret place come forth and coming save. Come forth, O mighty one. Let the souls of all Awaken to the light. And may they stand with masked intent. Let the fiat of the Lord go forth. The end of woe has come. Come forth, O mighty one. The hour of service of the saving force has now arrived. Let it be spread abroad, O mighty one. Let light and love and peace and power and death fulfill the purpose of the coming one. The will to save is here. The love to carry forth the work is widely spread abroad. The active aid of all who know the truth is also here. Come forth, Almighty One, and blend these three. 
construct a great defending wall. The rule of evil must now end. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of all. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love, which is the heart within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of all. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of all, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of humanity, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the, the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. So be it, and so it is. And now, the affirmation of the disciple that is traditionally used with the great invocation. See that light blazing, that gold, that white, that pure pink of love. Let it activate every man, woman, and child as we do this work. I am a point of light within a greater light. I am a strand of loving energy within the stream of love divine. I am a point of sacrificial fire, focused within the fiery will of God, goddess, and thus I stand. I am a way by which all may achieve. I am a source of strength enabling them to stand. I am a beam of light shining upon their way, and thus I stand. And standing thus, resolve and tread this way, the ways of humanity, and know the ways of God, and thus I stand. I strive toward understanding. Let wisdom take the place of knowledge in my life. I strive toward cooperation. Let the master of my life, the soul, and likewise the one I seek to serve, throw light through me on others. In the center of the will of God, God, as I stand, not shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn toward the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow humanity. I am a messenger of light. I am a pilgrim on the way of love. I do not walk alone, but know myself as one with all great souls and one with them in service. Their strength is mine. This strength I claim. My strength is theirs, and this I freely give. A soul, I walk on earth. I represent the one. I am one with my group of brothers and sisters, and all that I have is theirs. 
May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. I know the law and toward the goal I strive. Not shall arouse my progress on the way. Each tiny life within my form responds. My soul has counted has sounded forth that call, and clearer day by day it sounds. The glamour holds me not. The path of light streams clear ahead. My plea goes forth to reach the hearts of all. I seek, I try to serve your need. Give me your hand and tread the path with me. The sons and daughters of humanity are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love which underlies the happening of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all humanity love. We know, O Lord, of life and love about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love that we may too may love and give. And so it is. And so, my friends, I hope you enjoyed our activations for today. Just be that beacon of light. Be the radiation of divine love in the hours, days, and within this whole year, this new year that we have of 2022. Please plan on joining us tomorrow and Monday as we proceed with our Ascension Meditation and Activation Calls. We begin the calls at 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time, 5.45 p.m. Pacific Time. There's about 25 minutes of greetings. Tar and Rama will be with us to give us an update, and that at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific Time, we will begin our work in earnest of transforming the planet and all upon her. If you haven't joined us, this is a teleconference call. Please take down the main number. It's area code 425-436-6260. Area code 425-436-6260. The access code is 946-7441. 946-7441-POUND. And we hope you'll join us. Thank you for your divine service here today. I want to wish you each um, an exceptionally wonderful and blessed new year. That's from Rick and I, because he's the one that came in back into the car here where I'm at. And so many blessings to all of you. 
And with that, I'm going to thank Karen Rama for their service, and I'm also going to thank Rainbow for her service. Happy New Year to each of you. Infinite blessings and um, much love and gratitude for being with us here today. And we'll see you on tomorrow's call. So with that, I'm going to pass the talking stick that's filled with that golden white and beautiful pink light to my sister Rainbird. I'm just seeing lots of pink roses around it as well. So blessings to each of you. Passing the talking stick, Rainbird. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. I'll take that talking stick. It's beautiful. And Happy New Year to you and Rick as well. And happy trails. I know that I know that trail. <laughs> and I've been it many times. Uh so yeah, you're you're getting there. <laughs> Making good time. And appreciate you taking the time to do this meditation today. Lots of gratitude for you. Okay, so I'm here to do the housekeeping as we are a listener support radio program. It's each of us that makes it happen. So uh, what we need this week is uh, for the radio, we need $300. We need $300 each week, so we're even. So thank you for keeping up with it. And then for Tara and Rama and something, I'll talk about how we make a contribution to our account at BBS Radio. First, go into your heart space and see what is yours to give. And then go to bbsradio.com and click on Radio Station 2. Or you can scroll down to Radio Station 2 and see the menu there you're looking for on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday our our, <clears throat> our program listings. Um, so on Thursdays is night out, a night at the round table with the panel. And uh, as you click on that icon there, that will take you directly to our account. So that's at the 6 o'clock hour. You'll find it there in the Pacific time zone are the times I'm getting here. So, um, yeah, click on, on that icon, and that takes you directly to our account where you can make a donation using your bank card. And any amount, thank you for taking the time to do that, and thank you for your generosity as well. So, uh, the, the program on Friday is the hard news on Friday nights with Tara and Rama. And... That is also at the 6 o'clock hour, and you'll see that icon there. You can click on that, and that will take you to our, our account. And then on Saturdays, this program that's the 1.30 hour is True History, Hershey, and the Sarah and Our Galactic Origins with Tara and Rama. And so that's how I make it happen. So thank you. Thank you for taking that action and contributing to this cause and our cause. It's our way of gathering each week, and it's definitely become quite the family. <laughs> it's definitely a good thing for all of us to do as we, we magnify the energy together so well. Okay, so we're also assisting Tara and Lala with their needs, and we so appreciate them, and at this time, it's holiday time, let's be extra generous and and show how much we appreciate it. We we do it every week. So this week, um, oh, well, first I want to say much gratitude for that that being paid um, yesterday, and in such a good way. So lots of gratitude for that happening and all your contributions that made it happen. 
and and so all we need this week is $250 for a bill. One of them is due on Tuesday, and that's $130, and the other one's $120. So by Tuesday, they need to have that $130. And then, of course, they need money for their food and gas and such. So another couple hundred dollars for that, and that should probably be 250 as well as inflation comes into play. So $500 this week, and I think that's good. That's all they need. <laughs> but the gratitude uh, for all the good ways we we take care of these things. For Tara and Rama, they do so much. And Rama has such amazing contacts and such a connection for us with this. For uh, Faction 3 information. So we all appreciate that. And we all know that it's Nasara now time. So we've got work to do. <laughs> So here's how I make a contribution to Tara and Rama. You want to access Rama's PayPal account at at the web address, which is rainbowroundtable.net. And there on the home page, as you click on that menu grid, your your the the window will drop down with that uh, all the listings of everything on the site. And at the bottom, there's the donate link. As you click on that, that'll take you to Rama's PayPal account. And uh, that's where you can make a donation in any amount using your bank card. So thank you for taking that action. If you have your own PayPal account, you can access Rama, uh, the friends and family option by using Rama's email um, to gift. And so that email address for Rama at PayPal is Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 9999 at Hotmail. Dot com. So there you go, Korean49hotmail.com. And um, that just uh, makes it your money go a little further. <laughs> That's how that works. So thank you. Either way, it's just perfect. We're grateful. And then as you're sending something, please let Rama know his email address for letting him know that you sent something is... Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 999-39 at Comcast.net. So shoot him a note, let him know. And then as you need it, the uh, physical address for Tara and Rama or the, the post office address is Ram D. Berkowitz, R-A-M-D Berkowitz, B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z, post office box 280. 280, and that's in Santa Cruz, New Mexico. 87567 is the zip code. And again, Santa Cruz, New Mexico, New Mexico 87567. So there you go. All the information for making a contribution. And as you want to participate with the Fremark Project, that um, Address to go to to join Fremart so that you can set up your own account is https colon forward slash forward slash www.shopfreemart.com forward slash T-A-R-R-A-M and that is the username there. So that's how we make that happen that way. It's account number 7000 so you know it's the right program in the right place with a number like that. So... Thank you for all the ways that you participate. This is a good one. 
uh, lots of good products and for the environment, for our health, for our bodies, and for our for our abundance. So that that's all there as well. So uh, we've been working with uh, Fremont people since 2016. So this is going into the sixth year of that. It, it does. It seems like it's been longer than that. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so with 13, thank you, honey in the heart. Long life, no evil. I'm passing this talking stick. And again, happy new year, everyone. <laughs> and now this, this talking stick, it's, it's got that golden ray and it's got the, the pink and the pink roses and it's just gorgeous. And, um, there's just lot, lots of little people and feathers and fairies with it. Um, so still celebrating. Happy New Year. Greetings, Tara and Rama. Here comes this talking stick. Greetings. Greetings. Everyone, Happy New Year. We're in the new year. Happy New Year. We are so grateful. Everyone is here. Yeah. And, um... There's some folks that have a lot to say today. Our brother Matthias has got a two hour and 24 minutes something to say today. Yeah, and Cryon's still talking. Yeah, it's on for going on two hours now, right? Yeah. And he's not done talking. <laughs> and um, we have something from 8 Manly Palmer Hall. Uh, unpublished pages of the secret teachings of all ages. And so we thought we'd start with that. The yada yada on the yada yada stations are just that. <laughs> they are. On right, left, and center, or always living on the edge. They were talking about the unfolding drama going on ta talking about the holding the people who did the insurrection and high treason on January 6th accountable and it is getting bigger by the hour and the day it is yeah we're going to see a lot of miraculous change this new year um, yes. There really aren't any miracles, but what it's about is as we persist with determination to live a higher conscious life and remember who we are. And I wanted to just say a few things about that because, um, I mean, my father was raping me for 10 years or, yeah, from four and, from four and a half until, three and a half until I left home at 13 and a half. Um, and, uh, that was a bit challenging. Yet, what I am to say here, and I'm saying that to everybody else, and I, I'm taking responsibility for myself too, is that I chose my father to be my father. That means in an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent state, which everybody is in before they come into the incarnational pattern. 
we are in that perfect state and we choose our parents. And that's the fact. And the whole design of this is for both personal clearing and planetary clearing. Now that we volunteer, not just on a personal level, but for planetary and interplanetary, galactic, intergalactic, universal, and interuniversal level. And we make choices. And that's the way it is. And the old timeline, how gone is it, Ra? I, I, (laughs) what I could say is that the talking heads, the media, you know, uh, they were today talking about uh, conspiracy theories and Dr. Fauci, Bill Gates, and QAnon are some of the most dangerous stories out there, along with what Mr. Joe is doing on the border of the Ukraine and Russia. Yet Russia and China are moving forward with not playing with the U.S. dollar. And the U.S. dollar's in the toilet. Somebody's got to flush it. <laughs> I'm not going to push that lever. Why not? <laughs> yes, we can. Yes, we can. Somebody else will flush it, I'm sure. The dollar's already not here. Folks. Yeah. It's all an illusion. It, it, it really is. And, um, um, we must, uh, Realize <coughs> there is nothing else except love. And justifying anything else, okay, this person did this and that person did that and therefore I have some reason to do something besides love. What? Yeah. No, nada. Tit for tat went out the window with the old paradigm. Now, we have made agreements, ancient, ancient, ancient agreements. And this incarnational pattern, we came in to mitigate those agreements, which means we came in to bring in more light than any incarnational pattern, past, present, or future. Then what do you mean future? You know, and they're asking like, Ranamu came from 175 million years in the future where we had already destroyed two third or no one third one third of this Milky Way galaxy with war and she made a decision to come back to you know her past our present because this moment, in this moment, this moment is the most important and the most possible and probable time where that mitigation that she saw of one third of the Milky Ga- Ga- this, Galaxy could be changed. This, uh, this is about the multiverse. There are multiple timelines converging right into this one timeline, which is 
the new timeline, a new heaven on earth. Hope. So what we're really saying is that the, uh, the <coughs> moment that we're in has never really been so poignant than ever. And so, again, um, anything before now is already ancient history. So it's really important, and it's not easy. No, it's not. Nobody said this was going to be easy. But we do everything with love. We do not harm anything. Not. I mean, I lived with some... Uh, East Indian family for a couple of years, they wouldn't even step on an ant. Now that gets a little wild. Yeah, I met some folks like that as well in my travels. Yeah. And we didn't eat with utensils. We ate the way the East Indian people eat. They eat with their hands. And if you ever saw the the movie, The Ant-Man and the Wasp, (laughs) ants are telepathic. They come from Orion, the good guys, not the bad guys. They are very, very intelligent beings. Yes, they are. And so that's another story. People think, yeah, boy, la cucaracha, huh? (laughs) <laughs> we do place diatonaceous earth over the entrance to our doorstep in the summer. And that, if they have to walk through that and get in the house anyway, it's a bit of a treacherous path. Uh, yet, you know, stay outside. Please. Thank you. Uh, the, the point we're making here is that, and we played something on Thursday by Greg Braden where he said, again, we didn't evolve slowly. And that's another thing because we came in here with a bang 200,000 years ago. We had all the gifts. We had our cosmic light body and we knew all about it. We had our spiritual body we had our mental body our emotional body and our physical body and we knew all about it and some of us decided to play masters of the universe and got caught yeah just because we could yeah we used the gifts for malintent and we didn't forgive ourselves and we accumulated more malintent and more and more and something called greed, got really out of hand. Yeah. Sex is not sex. Money is not money. It is always something else at this point in time. Because we have money and we use it to violate another person's right or to violate... Our own. Yeah, in relation to. Rights. In relation to that, I heard the story about Mr. Donzinger today and Sevron and yes, 
we have heard that Mr. Domsinger has some dirt on him as well. Yeah, and they're not saying that. They weren't saying that, did you? No, they weren't saying that today. This is on Counterspin. But what they were saying is that when you try to do something good, like what he did to sue Chevron, Chevron calls out their armies, and they find a way to eliminate you. And that is where... Money is not speech, and corporations are not people. Well, they are until they're not around anymore. That's right. He's still breathing, but he's in jail still, right? Right. And Chevron is basically just saying, we're not going to clean up the mess in the Ecuadorian Amazon rainforest. Screw you. That's what they said. And you're lucky you're breathing, you're in jail, and if you get out and you try to mess with us then, well... Yeah, good Take your chances. And this is where divine energies come in called the goddess that levels the playing field because corporations are not people. And when you're messing with the vital fluids of the mother, she will do what she has to do. And I'm not invoking violence. I'm just saying she does what she does. Well, we got a good dose of that yesterday. I actually it started on Thursday. Uh in the suburban areas of Boulder and somewhere between 500 and 1000 homes were burnt all the way to the ground. Climate disruption is what this is called. I mean, this is unheard of. And it's about talking to the elements and when you talk to the fire elements, the salamanders, tell them to calm down. <laughs> well, I mean, Don and Doug, our mm. hosts of these shows, had an experience in Paradise, California, until there's yeah. nobody that has nothing on them in terms of the direct experience. They didn't even, they came away with their lives, not even a toothbrush, just with their lives, and lost everything and pick up and do it again and uh they lost everything one time before in lovely little texas and they're back there and uh i believe because we have moved now into this new year of magic and miracles let's not look the gift horse in the mouth and It's the hardest part of living the beingness that we know about. Knowledge has got no value whatsoever unless we apply it. Uh, You know, that famous little bit of uh, uh, saying, use it, lose it, or reduce it. And it has to do with applying. And, you know, the emotional body is the Biggest hair trigger ever. And, you know, anger, rage, hate, uh, uh, covetousness, uh, uh, what else, Rama? As Master Yoda said, these are paths that lead to the dark side. 
their paths to nowhere. That's right. There is no blame. Blame does not exist. When we make up some kind of an issue about this, that, and other that justifies doing something we know better to do or not, that's not love. Love, I mean, that's that love is life. Yes. The absence of love is death. As we project any kind of quality that's not love, even that, oh, just a little bit. I can have revenge of the Sith just a little bit because I blame this, that, and the other. And go back to that primary statement. We are omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. Before we choose, in every time we choose to incarnate. And now we're in the time where no more in reincarnation on this planet because this planet is now ascending into higher vibrational frequencies of love. This is really important because as we continue to live in old paradigm unconsciousness where we can think that we can use the revenge of the Sith a little bit because we're blaming something on something or someone or some situation we are bypassing an opportunity never to die. And, you know, we've heard some things about who wants to live here forever. <laughs> it's not about that. Now you're giving your power away to the old paradigm. You come here to set an example of how to live immortally. How to live and to live, you might say, the most challenging path ever. To live love in every thought, every word, every deed, and praise, respect, thank, and love. All the other excuses we give ourselves. Praise, respect, thank, and love them because they're the gift that keeps on giving as we rationalize reasons to do something else other than love. And knowledge about this without acting on it, that's the worst crime there is. That is the worst crime here. The higher the level of awareness of that truth, even as you do something even a little bit, you cause more harm than anybody else. Because you know better. And you do it anyway. There's no such Thing as part-time love it is not a thing okay let's play Manny Palmy Hall and see what he has to do these are unpublished for all these years and now they're going to reveal them let's see what he has to say okay here we go As we see society losing its bearings in terms of discernment and truth, we can find sanity in some of the ancient mysteries of times past. Manly P. Hall dedicated his life to the preservation and perpetuation of the great teachings in his book, The Secret Teachings of All Ages. 
Our guest today, Stephen Ross, spent time with Hall and had the profound gift of being allowed into his private vault of documents. So um, let's start in the late 1970s when you went to a Friday night lecture at, in Los Angeles yes. where Manly B. Hall you know, centered his work. Correct. Um, I really was introduced to the esoteric metaphysical um, information in 1974. And in 1978, someone had mentioned to me about a great philosopher, Manly P. Hall, and his Philosophical Research Society, an incredible place, 50,000 volumes with materials dated to B.C. So I wandered down to the center on a Friday night lyceum, and there were about 70 people in this room. Now, I was not the bravest of individuals with my math science background and sports wandering into a philosophy place right. and esoteric. So I did what I did in that time. I went way in the back. Yes. I sat in the last oh, row. A little all coward the way. in their 20s. Okay. There you go. Just a fly on the wall. Mm -hmm. And in the front of the room was a blackboard. Mm -hmm. There were six sentences written. And in the front were three individuals who were the moderators. There was two gentlemen who I later would find out had followed Mr. Hall for about 35 years. And then a woman named Pearl Thomas, who was the personal librarian at the PRS. And they would answer questions of this previous Sunday's Mr. Hall lecture. Every Sunday he lectured. Right. Then Friday, and they the following would, Friday night. They would discuss mm -hmm. six or seven points. So the meeting was going along, and somebody in the audience asked the moderators, what about point number six? And all of a sudden, Pearl Thomas raises up her hand and points into the audience. And she was pointing right at me, and I could see people shifting their positions so she wouldn't be pointing at them. And the next thing I remember... So the, the crowd parted and the fingers pointing at the you. The seas parted and there <laughs> it was. The finger pointed to me and I'm thinking, what what is this? But um, I ended up speaking. I did not remember what I said. But when I finished, everybody was looking at me. And it just so happened after that, the group broke up. And I was looking to leave Pearl Thomas, who I found out. She was in her late 80s, had been with Mr. Hall for 60 years. She says to me, how long have you been studying Mr. Hall? How many books have you read? I said, I've never read any of his books. Well, how many lectures have you attended? I've never heard him lecture. And she said to me, young man, because I was young, yeah, you're, <laughs> so you're in the 20s, 70s, yeah. um, please visit me tomorrow, Saturday, in the library. So the next day I go into the library. Magnificent. Regina, 50,000 books all behind glass. You would find a book, talk to the librarian. She would open it with a key. You would read it, and then it's returned. So I spent that day in this incredible place. And then after my third visit, Pearl Thomas said to me, um, you just open up, you take the books out, I trust you. Well, that night I had a dream. 
and I wrote the dream down, and you and I have had shows before talking about dreams, and dreams have guided me. So I brought the dream to Pearl, and she gasped. She goes, oh, I think Mr. Hall should see this. So she apparently gave it to Mr. Hall, and three days later, he calls me up and invites me to visit him. Now, Mr. Hall was in such demand that nobody really could get appointments with him. Right. And it was very funny because people, I was told, would would call and say, this is Plato, this is Jesus Christ. I would love to meet Mr. Hall. So they were screaming (laughs) and nobody was getting in there. But he calls me up and I meet him. And just as you and I are looking at each other, he looks at me and he goes, who are you? That's the big fat question, isn't it? Who is Stephen Russ? Well, we have some idea. I have some ideas, but you are a unique human being. And I said, I am a student. And he said, why have you come? And I said, I want to get into your personal vault. And he said, okay. <laughs> just like that. Just like that. And the reason he did was because... His Philosophical Research Society was built in 1934. My dream was how he wanted to build the PRS, but he did not have enough money. And he, of course, this would be in the 1920s. I wasn't born until 1949, so he knew there was no way I could know. It was a calling card for my spiritual sources that allowed me to go into his personal vault, not the 50,000 books, but his personal vault, and Xerox what I wanted to with the proviso. I would never sell any of those books that I found in there while he was alive because his society was reprinting old books. But the point was that he saw you, he saw you, who you really are, and and trusted you because of the ethics of your being and also the deep, deep, deep knowledge that you bring through. And you have. I mean, you've been doing this your whole life. I mean, what's amazing is, and we'll get to that later, but you now possess what some would call the new Manly P. Hall modern-day library because yours is very similar. It's an incredible library that you have that, you know, we were talking off camera. Uh, we've been friends for a long time, but uh, book merchants will come around and start salivating when they see what you have in there. Some of it under glass also. Right. Very, very ancient. And um, so do you think that it was your exposure to Manly P. Hall's library that really gave you kind of the impetus and imbued you with the desire to create this library of your own, this amazing material? Before we get into this, what you were able to photograph in the vault, has much of it come out? Because we're going to talk about a major some major information that was in that vault that's just now coming out literally 92 years after it was written. Right. Was there quite a bit of that in there? Well, there was some of the old alchemical books have have been reprinted now. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I did the Xerox in 78-79, we just didn't have that. Now, quite a lot of reprints come out of India and they come out with beautiful leather binding. And they're very inexpensive. And and it's good because I'm a very firm believer. I would rather have 
a photocopy of ancient information if I can't have the original. It's not about the right. original, it's about the information. Right. And quite a few of those have been reprinted. I might have jumped, Manley Hall died in 1990. Uh -huh. um, I might have jumped on a lot of reprinting of, of some of the alchemical texts, but that's not where I was coming from at the time. But what really attracted me was none of the books, but a little notebook that said, last second material arrived too late to be included in the secret teaching book. The book, The Secret Teaching of All Ages, which is magnum opus, was the greatest book of all the books Manley Hall wrote. So that really attracted me. But I've got to say that my spiritual sources that led me to say, I want to go into your private vault, right. directed me to... To that notebook to for that. a reason. Exactly. First of all, let's let's just take the big boy up, you know, Secret Teaching of All Ages, okay? So here we have, and this book is it's so beautiful. So this one, this one we found, for example, is um, the image of as above, so below. And the way he was able to depict this in the magnificent artwork embedded with the symbolism is as important as the text. And, and uh, in this notebook that the information was not included, <clears throat> people have bought this book, which was published in 1928. Right. And... They have just read it straight. But in the series of lectures that Manley Hall gave in 1928, which were not included in this book, he speaks about how he envisioned people. <clears throat> Ramat. The results strongly support that these beings are not closely related to any known organism on Earth. He was able to detect the fetus of some creature. It is not human. People reading this book and how they were to approach this book chapter by chapter, symbol by symbol. And that's what makes this material very, very important that I did find in his vault was that he was talking about the true intent of the book. Now, when a book comes out, you would believe the true intent is somebody is sharing information. And we're satisfied with that. But when somebody has writings about the deeper reasons why the book has been written, you would really want to know that. Well, yeah, it's the key. It, it is the key. Yeah. And that is what... I found in these materials is his key of saying not only how to approach the book, but within here saying the italicized words are leading to a mark and part of the inner teachings of the inner teachings. And that is very, very profound from an individual who had the awareness and knowledge the Manley Hall had. You know, he would give lectures that he charged $1 the first time he lectured until his last lecture. When they're typed out, they're 15 
pages single spaced, and he never used notes. Yeah. He would just get. That was like Steiner, just streamed it, just yeah. streamed it. And so here, when he's talking about the big book and these materials, uh, for those individuals who are not only into him and have got the book, but people who are studying and learning in this field, it, it's very important to have. So essentially what he was saying is that if you read this book with the understanding that when you see italicized words or phrases, you're being given a symbol. Exactly. And then he goes deeper by saying people are not really understanding what symbols are meant to do. There is a little bit more to symbols than people realize. The ancients set up the symbols in their time to evoke things having to do with the mind, the spirit. Access between dimensions. Exactly. And what's happened is over time, when people start attaching their analysis of a symbol, it starts changing from what those original symbols really were meant to be sharing with individuals who would be gazing. Because it's about how we observe anything that is very important. And basically what these pages were, Manley Hall intended to put the, the pages um, here into the big book. But when they wouldn't, they, they weren't able to get in because they arrived at the printer too, too late. late. So then he thought, okay, I have some pages. I might as well turn them into lectures. So here we have 20 lectures elaborating further upon where he might have had one page in the book, there's now three or four pages with, with a more full-blown lecture on a particular topic. This is not edited. This is in his original typewritten, typewritten documents. Yes, exactly how yes. I found it. Yes. Um, what I did was I, I put an introduction. I have not even commented on any of the materials other than what you and I are doing now, purely because I don't think we should always accept somebody else's analysis, what they believe something is saying. Um, it, the book is only a gateway. Yeah. This is only a gateway. Now, it's interesting, again, would have been nice if he had put that in the introduction of his actual book. But he, he says it in 1928 to this group. I don't know how many people were in attendance for these 20 lectures. He did it over 21 days, one night after another. I mean, it's really remarkable. But he, he said, don't expect this book is not going to give you the immediate answers. It is merely a gateway. Yes. And that is what... I hope my life will mean to others is it's only a gateway. And we're allowed to do this when somebody comes and says, Steve, why is it you and I buy our shoes at the same shoe store, but your feet don't seem to hurt? What they're saying is, why is your philosophy, what is your philosophy when you are going through the same things, but it doesn't seem to bother you? This is when people open a door. And then we can share, for me, it's more level, which yeah. is laughter, excitement, fun, and love. Yeah. But to get people there, 
you, you have to kind of convince them because they think everything is ended because of the politics right now. I'm going to say it's challenging, but people should not lose who they are and where they are and what is truly going on now. This has been a big wake-up call. Maybe it wouldn't have happened if all of the tumblers didn't come to create what we have now. And the substance of spirit. Explain that a little bit for us. What uh, Manley Hall went on to say here is the understanding that one's mind is not really who they are. People just assume, all of us, our ego, our mind, is who we are. Our thoughts. Our thoughts. That, that is who we are. And the substance of the mind is physical. The mind and the spirit are vastly different. And the mind can be looked at If you have a phone anywhere in the room right now, in your hands or on your desk, wherever, check this video out. This iPhone right here emits harmful levels of EMF radiation, and this here is an EMF radiation detector. So, so multiple stuff that as clothing that we put on in a particular living, along with the ego that we accept. And ego, by the way, is not a bad thing. It's there's, just a sense of identity. Right, and there's people who've said, I'm getting, I've got to get rid of my ego, and I have to share yeah, with them. Yeah, that's a sense of what you collectively have become. Exactly. What you what yeah. you really are asking is you want to spiritualize your right. ego. Right. But if you didn't have an ego, you wouldn't be existing. Right. So the substance of, of the spirit. Now, again, the symbols can be accepted just by the substance of the mind. What the mind has been conditioned to uh, remember, what it has observed, then the mind will look at a symbol and quickly interpret exactly how you've just said it. Oh, black hole really means this. But the substance of the spirit is more encompassing. And when we observe from our spiritual essence and look at things that we look at all the time with our mind, it is vastly different. Uh-huh. When one is perceiving or not perceiving the essence, the light beings that we are, they are not as inclined to look at the substance, which is the color, uh-huh. the hair, yeah. or no hair. They are looking at pure essence. The substance of the spirit is bringing us to essence. The substance of the mind is generally physical, the size, the color. We want to look beyond that. And if we were looking at that, this world would be quite different than than it is right now. Because we have actually taken 10 steps backward, in my opinion. There is more segmenting, more separation, more taking it away, forgetting that everybody bleeds the same color right now, which is not the light of the spirit, but that is still a physical substance. Hey, we're the same blood, but we're just far away. So the substance of mind, the substance of spirit are are vastly different. 
and we can arrive there. You'll be able to access this information for yourself in Stephen's new book he just mentioned, Unpublished Pages of the Secret Teachings of All Ages. Now, if you enjoyed this conversation, you're probably going to enjoy our other talks here on Gaia. One of our more prolific friends, Mitch Horowitz, is back with us today with his newest ancient work, The Secret Teaching of All Ages. Thank you, Richie. I love it. And I love the fact that you're writing about Manly P. Hall. I love that you're writing about the secret teachings of all ages. And, you know, Manly P. Hall, it, is, he holds such a dear place in the heart of people who knew him. And he ended up having in a sense, kind of a tragic story toward the end, but that was driven by the fact that this um, amazing body of work, everyone should have a copy of it, was now when he was 27 years old. That is really one of the mysteries of the 20th century study of the occult and esotericism, how a 27-year-old man with no formal education was raised by his grandmother in the American West, the Dakotas and other parts of the West, uh, really had maybe just a, a few months of formal schooling, could have assembled arguably the greatest compendium of symbolic, mythical, and occult wisdom ever assembled. And that was Manly P. Hall. Okay, so now we're going into some of the basic concepts. First of all, uh, Manly P. Hall lived comfortably with the understanding that there was once a place called Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the fact, well, the the notion Mm -hmm. that Egypt could have existed up to 100,000 years ago, 200,000 years ago, then you would think it would be very interesting to people that these societies ran concurrently. And so what could have been any kind of exchange of knowledge, culture, and information? Because the Hermetics argue that their their information is passed on from Atlantean times through the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. So it, it brings up another area that I think would be very interesting to dive into if someone cared to. But there are certain axioms that remain true for both. And that has to do with one of them, as above, so below, which we're going to get into. But know thyself. Yes. This is a big one because people think, what's there to know? Yeah. Well, I know that I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. I make, uh, you know, $750,000 a year. That is about as far as people go in knowing thyself, but it's a very complex, breathing, living, growing concept. Please take it away on that. Absolutely. You know, one of the dangers of these principles like know thyself is that they sound so familiar to us, as you were alluding, that we walk past them. We think, oh, I get it. I know that already. Or it sounds like a slogan. But if you really take up the question of what does it mean to know thyself, and you really ask, who am I? What do I stand for? What do I want in life? The individual may come face to face with things that are difficult, that are embarrassing, that raise questions about different corners of our psyches that we don't really want to go into. You know, we, we really internalize peer pressure. We internalize what we believe is expected of us. And even when we're talking to ourselves within the confines of our own private mind, it's rehearsed. It's rehearsed. We're reciting yes. things to ourselves that we think we're supposed to believe, that we think make us look good and sound good to others. And I ask people, give yourself a, a moment in time. Give yourself a moment in time to tear up that script and ask yourself, what do you really, really want? And it might really mean coming face to face with some things that are very difficult because we may not be who we think we are. And always building this, in, in intelligence terms, this legend. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> this yes. legend right. of who we are, uh, and then going on to social media and putting our sizzle reel up, right, right, uh, right. <laughs> about how right. perfect our lives are and our teeth and everything, yeah, yeah, <laughs> everything else. And the reality is, in the journey of coming to know thyself, what you say is so true, and and one of the ways it's overlooked is by watching our own reactions to life yes. and stopping to reflect on, geez, where'd that come from? And these are the parts we may not want to own. These are the right. parts that may not be flattering. Right. But the subconscious, which is with us always, and from lifetime to lifetime, the embedded information of everything our soul has ever been through is there. To not stop and even take time to say, why am I reacting to this in this way, to this in this way? Mm-hmm. That, to me, seems to be a really good kind of beginning place at knowing thyself in more dimensions than just the sizzle reel. Yes, yes. And I think that, you know, we're divorced from the things that make ourselves happy as well when we're not able to ask this question. And I would say to people, even if it doesn't seem like you can act on it, don't fall into the tragedy of not knowing. Make a note of things that you'd like to be doing at different times of the day. And even if you say, well, that's futile because I can't act on it, it doesn't It doesn't matter. There are strange connections Absolutely. and tendrils in life, you know. And, and and if you can identify something with clarity, you might suddenly find yourself in proximity to it in ways that you never would have expected. Well, and this gets into your whole body of work that is often reduced to the, you know, the idea of... Uh, law of attraction, Mm -hmm. which is reduced even further. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, uh, it's that discovery, that discovery point of where, don't the secret, this is what I really want. It's It's amazing amazing the forces that come into motion. There was a very famous uh, saying by Goethe around that. Mm -hmm. Everything will sweep in to lift you and help you once you're really clear on what you want in that passion. Yes. And we don't have faith in life with a capital L. We are a hologram that was created from the sixth dimension. <laughs> With a capital L enough to provide for us. Right. Get to make the observation that what you wish for when you're very, very young comes upon you in waves when you're old. So be careful. And a lot of people hear that and they want to argue with it because they say, well, wait a minute. You know, I have all these unfulfilled dreams. I haven't experienced all the things I wanted when I was very young. And again, I counsel people, take time to turn back the pages of your life. Think of your earliest fantasies from 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 the earliest period from which we're cognizant, maybe age three, maybe age four. And see if you don't detect the symmetry. It can be uncanny. Absolutely. And if you do take the time to go back, even if it's something, oh, I can't, I wanted to be a singer when I was little. You can sing in the shower. Mm-hmm. But you, if you stop singing altogether, that's a problem. And I often tell people, you know, we ask ourselves the question, is this goal realistic? If you could take certain steps in its direction, however nascent and however mm-hmm. incremental are, they are, then it's realistic. You know, it is. You know, certain concrete steps, and, and watch for those as well. I, I couldn't agree with your underscoring this issue more. If that's one thing people take away from this conversation, really take the time to stop and look at what you want, how you react, where it's coming from. Is there something similar that's happened in the past that's inspired this in you? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that's brought forth the same feeling, even if, you know, if it's, it can be a little challenging. And I, I always like to tell people, 
I did not write my first book, which was A Cult America, until I was well over the age of 40. I think I was probably right. about 43 at the time it came out. And I always like to remind people of that because, you know, I was in what would be considered middle age when A Cult America came out. Yeah. And I had all but given up on the dream of being an author, of being a historian, of being a public speaker. And that dream came to me in middle age. And I just always like to remind people. I think that's really important. So, the whole thing about the unexamined life is not worth living. Well, some people examine it to death. Come on. You know, it's just boring. <laughs> yeah. Sitting and, and, and constantly obsessing over yourself. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about genuine and quiet at night reflection. Yes. And that reflection can also be very private. You don't have to share yes. it with anybody. It may, may be good not to share it. Yes. In a certain sense. There's yes. power in silence. So let's get to some of the deities. We've knocked off a couple of the maniacs. Let's get to some of the deities because you talk in the book about how we can go into relationship with what were some of the famous deities or, mm-hmm. or gods of the ages. And if you look at it through the hermetic lens, these gods represent the heavens. They represent the planets. Yes. And this is where the as above, so below really starts coming into play. Mm-hmm. So talk about that for a little bit before we get into set. Oh, yeah. The bad boy. (laughs) (laughs) The the ancients had a much deeper relationship with with nature than we do. And, of course, uh, likewise, death was a more palpable presence. Life was more precarious. They lived and died by the seasons, by the hunt, by the cycles of planting. They were tapped into nature with a certain urgency in ways that we are not. And I think that they were able to identify energies within nature. They personified these energies. They gave them names like Minerva or Set or Jupiter. And they sought relationships with these energies or deities. And this was true for thousands and thousands of years in antiquity. And today we think of ourselves here in the West as living within a a monotheistic society. But the fact is, you know, that has represented just a a little glacial peak of, of human history, the broader uh, uh, facts of human history have really been this very rich, different, diversified relationships that our ancestors had with different deities with whom they felt an affinity and they sought relationships. Well, if you go to astrology, if you take into account the notion that many of these deities were aligned with very specific planets, yes, and you take into account the astrological effects on our lives, wouldn't it make sense that people would feel a connection with these particular entities that are representing these very planets that we're a part of, the the moving and the energies emanating from them we're always a part of. And so they had not just Earth connection, but they had a sense of the cosmos and a connection to the cosmos we don't have. We don't have, and you know that really is one of the areas that as above, so below shines a light. The great dramatic yes. dictum tells us that you as an individual are intimately connected to the cosmos. Your psyche is intimately connected to the cosmos. It's all one thing. And so when you hear an expression like as above, so below, it's about the correspondences that yes. make up the whole of life. And these correspondences, they're endless. They're everywhere. They're omnipresent. You can't separate yourself from yeah. them. And so, now this gets us to, you named a few entities, and you talk about Set in your book, and you said you have, and everyone thinks, the people who have studied Egyptian history at all would would say, Set, oh my God, that is one nasty guy, that's a bad (laughs) boy of all of the gods, and you say, no, you you have a particular respect for Set. So let's talk about 
who Set is historically, and then his relationship and the big drama with Osiris, Isis, etc. Right. Well, uh, Set within the Egyptian lexicon of gods is the god of desert, the god of storms. There's a fierceness about Set, and Set, depending on which storyline you're reading from. Uh, was either brother to or uncle to uh, the god Horus, who was kind of a savior figure. And Set got into a dispute with Horus's uh, father, Osiris, and dismembered him, and, and Horus reassembled him. And so Set, uh, for those reasons, is sometimes regarded as a kind of underworld figure, like a satanic figure. But as you've alluded, Set is also, he's the rebel. Mm-hmm. He's the usurper. Mm-hmm. He's the revolutionary. He shakes things up. He keeps things from getting stayed and calcified and just cemented in place. And, you know, when we talk about Egyptian civilization, you know, as we've been alluding, it went on for thousands and thousands of years. People didn't just have one attitude and one outlook for those that are yeah. of history. They changed their minds about things. They had different outlooks, different different points of view. Lots of different politics intervened. Different Priest politics. Cross, rose, fell, rose, Absolutely. fell, so forth. I saw a base relief in the Egyptian National Museum in Cairo that showed Set and Horus in an embrace, yes. basically. And it was so fascinating and so wonderful because it's telling you that you, you need both sides of yourself. There's the more domestic peacemaking side, which might be considered... Horus, and then there's the side that just needs to shake things up and to philosophize with a sledgehammer, and that's set. And they can both be joined, and according to As Above, So Below, they must be joined. Yes, and so this brings me to this thought I've had for quite some time in studying all of this, right? Mm -hmm. And again, As Above, So Below, and let's take it even further, right? And I have in my own mind put together an idea that Osiris is the Logos, mm-hmm. that, Os- that Isis is prima materia. Mm-hmm. So, and you can explain what those terms mean for people. Mm-hmm. And that their offspring is Horus. Mm-hmm. So now, um, and we'll go back and reconstruct that for people, but as a potential, then bringing Set into it mm-hmm. becomes very interesting. Yes. Because if the Logos right. impregnates Prima materia, the baseline matter that all things can create from. Right. What happens when you put Set in there? Set's role becomes something very interesting. That's beautifully put. Set, I think, is the snake in the garden. Set is the one who intrudes into paradise and says, you know what? You're not going to be fully human unless there's friction. This might all be wonderful, but we don't get anywhere without heat. We don't get buildings without cutting stone. We don't get fire without burning sticks. We don't grow ourselves unless there is friction, unless there's a need to overcome something. Otherwise, we remain emotional children. So you have Isis, kind of the earth mother, or in Christian terms, you might use the term Mary. And then you have Horus, who might be seen as a savior figure, like a Christ figure, but who is also the the manifestation of creation here on on earth, the logos, the word spoken, Mm -hmm. the word made flesh. Mm -hmm. And here comes Seth. Where does he fit in? He's the intruder. He's the usurper. He upends things. But again, if we are in conditions where we're not challenged, we stagnate. He comes to challenge. That's what I was thinking. Because if there is first the word Mm -hmm. or first the concept, which we're doing, we're in this process of creation every day with every thought. Mm -hmm. So this is as the below part, right? But if you're looking at it from the very largest sense, first is the word or the thought that impregnates the um, uh, prima materia Mm -hmm. to then create into the... 
Please, whatever you do, do not buy an electric car or invest in any of the electric car or self-driving companies until you see this. Hi, I'm Whitney Tilson. Into the flesh, this manifestation, what would be the thing inspiring the creation or thought to begin with? Because as you say, you can't have stagnation. Um, necessity is the mother of invention. You have to have something driving all of the cosmos, all of nature, all of the greatest creative minds in the universe have to be moving forward because there's something to challenge us forward. Yes. To put some new potential creation yeah. in the mind of the creator, whether it be us or whether it be the great creators. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so seeing it that way, the pebble in the shoe would be set. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if we, if things were too easy for us, you know, we would remain physically and emotionally and intellectually stagnant. We'd be children. We wouldn't be humanity. Humanity, if humanity hadn't been expelled from the garden, so to speak, how would we know ourselves? What would there be to know? There would be no challenges in life. There would be no, be no differentiated contrast. psyche. Right. There'd be no contrast. Right. Set provides the contrast, you know, that's why yeah. he was the god of storms, the god of the desert. You know, he was the great usurper. He shook things up. So I think it's fair to say we should not be afraid when we hear or see the image of or hear the word set any longer that we're going to directly to the underworld because that's just another concept as well. Yes. Okay, and it's all connected. That's yes. so and, and it's all life. connected. Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to sh- talk with you about that because. You're the only one really um, I've read anyway that's set, set up in this way. And it's something I think we need to look at in ourselves even right now in this period of modern history. Mm-hmm. We've got some major challenges mm-hmm. that we're facing right now. And I want to go into that. Ethics uh, has become uh, something that you can call a very fluid state mm-hmm. uh, right now. And, it, you know, there have always been... There's always been manipulation mm-hmm. from on high, mm-hmm. every kind of on high, whether it's institutions or whether it's churches, so forth. Um, but now we're looking at something entirely different. Uh, people still were playing essentially by agreed upon rules of society. Yeah. Yeah. That's coming unhinged now. Mm-hmm. We have this extreme bifurcation of consciousness that I was quite depressed over for several months. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm reconciling with it now. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about ethics and some of the old, one of your favorite um, books is The Art of War. Yeah. And so I'm looking at this because this is where ethics and our idea of how we contend with life kind of come up in, in stark contrast. Yes. The Art of War versus healing versus revelation of truth versus gaining advantage over someone. How do you feel something like The Art of War factors into this world today? Mm. Well, the, the Art of War is an ancient Chinese work. I call it an ancient Chinese ethical work. And it is about warfare. It is about prevailing over your adversary. And it is about how to win armed conflict. You know, it's not some yeah. cute perfume title. It's very literal, <laughs> right? But at the same time, it's also a book, a very wise book, that understands that conflict and friction are going to be part of life. There's never been an epoch of human history in which they were not. And accepting that fact for what it is, if there are times you need to prevail in an adversarial situation, this book provides a guide not only in practical ways to do that, but also in ways to return to peace, to return to stability. 
the book speaks again and again about how the point of warfare is not to be an extended or permanent state of affairs. It's a real state of affairs. It may be a necessary state of affairs. But afterwards, you should return to normalcy as soon as possible. And don't raise barriers so high that make it impossible for your adversary, for example, to capitulate, that make it impossible for your opponent to give in without suffering total humiliation. Don't raise barriers so high that you can't return to some state of stability. And that's one of the things I value about the book. Again, Mitch's book is titled The Seeker's Guide to the Secret Teachings of All Ages. You can also check out The Art of War, Landmark Edition. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Open Minds. The mic was a bit out of balance there, wasn't it? I hope you could hear the softness of the story. Okay. We're not going to get to finish Matthias's, uh, uh, sharing with us, but we're going to start. This is called our nine dimensional existence explained from memory with Matthias de Stefano and Aubrey Marcus, uh, is the interview and it's a podcast. It's two hours and 27 minutes. And we don't have that much time, but we're going to do everything we can, and then we'll finish the rest on the other side of our astrology little talks today. And I'll just read this before we start. As someone claims that they can remember their past lives and everything that happened in between, my skeptic alarm lights, my skeptic alarm lights up like a Christmas tree. Yet I started listening to Matthias de Stefano, and I, it wasn't just what he was saying, rather how he was saying it that got me curious. With humor and precision, he explains our nine-dimensional cosmology. And that relates to the nine stars above our crown. Starting uh, right above our seventh chakra, nine more stars above our crown. And those are all levels that we can see in the aura as we perfect that ability to see that. So we'll go on. After podcasting and spending a few days with him, it was settled. I believe him. I invite you to listen with an open mind and enjoy the ride. The portal you are about to experience may take you places you didn't remember you had seen, had been until now. He may be the most profound, underappreciated resource we have on this planet right now, and I am grateful to have access to his remembering. So, and then he adds a little note, check out the Yosoy four-day event in Egypt, and you can do that by going to https colon forward slash forward slash Yo Soy, Y-O-S as in Sam O-Y, 2022.org. Let's get started. Okay. Here we go. There are attributes of the creator that you can activate within you. Like, I am the medicine, I am the protector, I am the light, I am the path, I am life, I am who said that? Jesus. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. He was trying to embody every one of the names of God. Mm. He was not saying that he was 
the only one. He was saying that that's wow. the only way you can embody God. Yeah. When you realize I am light, Uriel, I am the power, Gabriel, and so on. What would you know if you could remember all of your past lives and everything in between? Well, you'd probably know a lot about the universe, about our world. But, of course, that's not possible for us, except perhaps there's an individual or maybe several individuals who have access to that information. Now, when I heard about Matthias de Stefano, who makes that claim, I was skeptical. I don't believe that that's possible. But then I started listening to what he had to say about our nine-dimensional existence, and it correlated with everything that I have figured out through my own 22 years of psychedelic and plant medicine explorations. So I thought to myself, hmm, maybe there's something to this. And then after spending two days with him, podcasting with him, not only is what he's saying resonating deeply with my own truth meter, it's also how he's saying it. He just comes across with that radical authenticity and humor and candor that really makes me question, wow, Maybe what he's saying really is exactly like it is. So I invite you guys to come to this podcast with an open mind and see for yourself. See if what he's saying makes sense to you. I can't wait to share this episode with Matthias Stefano. The truth is, is that we're all the master. We're all the healer. We're all the mystic. Give it up one time for Aubrey Matthias, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So I always default to things a little bit skeptical. You know, I like to, I'm open-minded, but I'm always skeptical because I've seen a lot of people who pretend they have access to a lot of information. They claim to be a certain thing and I listen to what they say and it doesn't sound quite right. But every once in a while there's someone who what they say just resonates and I feel it as truth in my body like if someone was playing a guitar that was in tune and it just sounds right. And when you describe the nine-dimensional cosmology, <laughs> it mirrored everything that I felt in my bones from 22 years of psychedelic journeys, especially the last 12 years of ayahuasca experiences. What you were saying made sense and I had corollaries to visions that I'd had and experiences and a felt sense of things. And I was like, all right, maybe this guy Matias is telling the truth. Maybe he really does remember his past lives. So tell us about that. When did you first realize that you could remember existences beyond this current one as Matias de Stefano? Well I'm glad that you could feel it. <laughs> yeah. That you could resound. Um well what you say about the dimensions, I, um, there are many ways of explaining uh, things. Uh, so sometimes depending on the people, you explain them in one way or another. I used to say that I don't have the truth. I have seen one slice of it and I share it. And no one, re no one really has the complete truth. It's impossible. <laughs> um, this is a puzzle. And, uh, well, because only everyone and everything can have the complete truth. That's the, exactly. reason, that's the reason for the whole thing, all uh, the different perspectives, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, so um, that's why we need to share them so we can complete the puzzle. 
the thing is, uh, well, I was also born in a family that it was skeptical, uh, no religion at all, nothing, uh, all atheists, um, no spirituality, nothing. Mm. Um, so for me, for my family, for my environment, it was always me being very creative, creative, very imaginative. Um, I was telling these stories that I remember from other times, from other dimensions, from other places, but I didn't call it dimensions or lives or I just was telling what I knew. Mm. And for them it was like, oh, so interesting. And just a really creative yeah. boy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that, that was it. Uh, so in my family, no one ever told me, shut up, don't say these things or don't share that because there was no uh, cultural um, background to tell what was wrong. So it's almost better that your family wasn't religious or Catholic yes. because they would have probably tried to smash yes. what was yes. happening. And it's probably why you chose them as a family too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I, I just had that environment that was nice, was good for me. So when I started to, to explain, to share uh, what I had was um, natural for me to tell to my mom or um, also to my companions in class uh, at, at school. Uh, there was a teacher that saw the aura, so I was talking to her all the time. So it was um, it was not a complicated thing mm-hmm. for me to accept. Uh, really, what I felt was that that was normal, that everyone was like this, but nobody could remember mm-hmm. that they were like that. Yeah. Um, and when I was growing up, I I understood that I was different, but not because I was special, but because I just had the environment that allowed me to keep that alive. I don't know, man. I had the environment that would have allowed me to keep that alive. I can't remember <laughs> any past lives. You know, it's... Why do you think you, you know, and why do you think you had the access? It seems like that's part of the agreement. Part of the agreement is yeah. we forget so that we can remember. But you were like, nah, I'm not signing that agreement. <laughs> I'm coming in and I'm remembering. And, they, and I think that's important because we need, we need this information. But, well, I but guess, why you? Uh, I guess that this is something um, we usually put a very heavy weight in a cultural aspect and religious aspect regarding if someone makes us forget or if we should remember or something like that. And um, my guides, my inner self, usually try to tell me reality is much more easier and the best way to understand the universe is to know how works, how biology works. Mm-hmm. So if you go to your body, you will understand what is happening in the entire cosmos. It's almost the same. So, like what Rumi said, you know, we are not a drop in the ocean. We are the ocean in a drop. Yeah. So if you want to know the ocean, look at your drop. Exactly. Yeah. So when you look in yourself, you will see that you are made by many cells, thousands of cells, and each one is specified trillions in different cells, yeah. trillions, and and each one of them is specified in specific actions. So there is one in the liver that is acting to process some food. Uh, there is the neuron to share information and so on. So there are specific neurons dedicated to memory and there are specific neurons to dedicated to the heartbeat. 
mm-hmm. uh, sorry, uh, and also cells. So cells, neurons, everything inside the body is specified in different stuff. What would happen in, if every cell once they say, we want to be like the heart. So you die. Mm-hmm. You don't exist anymore. So we need to be different. Some of us need to remember is in our nature. And mm-hmm. for others, their nature is not to remember so they can work in what they are doing in their organs. So what you're saying is you're looking at all of life as one organism mm-hmm. and the specialization of the cells, just like we have in our body. Some are some cells in this organism of the universe are designed to remember and yeah. some are designed not to remember. And so, that's how it all works. But we all have memory. Form. Right. That's for sure, because the cell regeneration, the cells know know what to do. They know the path. They know inside the inner truth because we all come from the same cell, the mother mm-hmm. cell. So all the cells has the entire information, but they know how to activate a specific information. Otherwise, the organ will die. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is a lot of people that need to hold that organ uh, in order for the rest to work. Um, that's why not all of us can remember, just some. But the thing is that there are many that remember. There are thousands. It's not me. There are thousands, thousands of neurons dedicated to memory, but maybe thousands of them, they don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. They They are not in programs, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but they are there. Interesting. So tell us about specifically, when did you start realizing and remembering specific lives, not just the stories, but you started to have an understanding like, okay, I lived here in Chem, mm-hmm. and I lived here in, in this place. Tell us about some of these existences that you started to remember yourself existing in. The first uh, time that I started to remember was when I was 11, 12 years old. I don't know exactly, but um was that age, and I started to... Uh, it was history class at school. I, I, I was in, in school in Argentina. And, um, and the teacher gave us a paper with ancient civilizations, uh, 3000 BC and so on, uh, origin of Egypt and mm-hmm. that. And so I was looking at it and, and I started to have a headache. Um, and I couldn't see the pyramids as it was in the picture. I could, I, I saw it in a very different way. Uh, I couldn't see the things as, as it was. Um, I saw everything completely different. And I was standing at it, observing that in the body of a woman. And besides me was my partner. And I was worried about something. So that was my first memory. Mm-hmm. And... Almost like a flashback experience. Right? Yes. Yeah. It's like when you realize that you had a trauma and suddenly you said, Oh, this is why I yeah. cannot do this yeah, or yeah, that. Yeah. You yeah. know, it was like that flashback and very heavy headache. So it started like that and, and all was emotional, emotions, emotions that sometimes people think that I, started to remember ancient civilizations. No, I, I remember my son, my husband, my mother, my grandmother, mm. um, my family, my, my friends. And through them, I could understand the environment. Right. So it was not that I was just remembering data. I was remembering emotions. 
the first thing that I remember was emotions. Mm. And through the emotions, I could understand the culture, the language, everything that was happening there. And since I was 12 years old, I started to live like parallel lives, like this life here and the other one that I was remembering like every day, like if it was alive, like wow. if I was living that life in parallel. But sometimes I remember when I was a child, sometimes when I was an adult and suddenly some flashes came from other ages, from other times that I couldn't really understand or explain. Uh, Norway uh, 900 years ago or suddenly other planet in other completely different system. And, and it started to be worse and worse. I say worse because I couldn't, focus in this reality. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't um, keep going with my studies normally. Uh, sometimes I, for, I, I was forgetting who was my mom, her name, uh, because if I, I knew so many others. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was really confusing uh, and chaotic. And mm, that was the first life, which was in Khem, uh now called Egypt. And... Um, after that, when I was 16 years old. And, how, and what, and what time period was Chem? Chem was around 12,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before the flood? After the flood? Um, it was in the middle because yeah. it was a Atlantean colony before the flood. Uh-huh. And then it became a country by itself, uh, after the flood. Yeah. So yeah. first, that was the first. And a lot of the information that you have was from from that civilization because that's the civilization that actually you went to history class in that civilization like you did in this civilization to learn about Atlantis, right? Yeah, it was, it, everything in the universe is so aligned. So it was prepared for me to see that image in that moment specifically because when I was 12 years old in that time, in that life, my dad died and I... I was in charge of his work, uh, in basically with 12 years old. So that's why I was so worried because I was only 12 mm-hmm. and I was in charge of a village completely. And, and, um, all that situation there was like, um, pushing me to, um, to, to understand the whole, the whole civilization, the, the whole thing. And um, uh, the um, the main thing that 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 uh, that that happened for me here is that at 12 years old I see the image of the same thing that I saw when I was 12 years old mm-hmm. worried. So it's like a memory cell of something that tells me uh, this is the story you need to remember. This yeah. is the story that will help you to understand what is happening now. Also because in time, 12,000 years ago and now, today, is a, is a straight line in time. So it's easier to connect with that timeline to know what is happening now because it's the mirror time of what happened 12,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So also because of that, I had to remember that moment or I was able to remember that. Yeah. When <clears throat> we're about to dive into the nine dimensions, when you under, as your understanding of the nine dimensions is, is that largely from this life that you had in Chem and the, and the teachings and the understandings you had there? Or is it pulled from many of your different other different lives? Well, it's, it was like this. 
when we were in camp, we were taught about all this, but in a very different way because it has a very cultural and religious point of view. So mm. uh, the nine dimensions were called the nine tiers of Mahas. That was the main universe, the main God. Um, and uh, the, the way in which they were spread was through sound and music. And the explanations were very human. Mm-hmm. But when I when I started to remember all this, for me it was like, I had no idea what is happening. I had no idea what is all this information about. And when I was 16 years old in this life, um, I was so lost, so scared that suddenly I, I started to feel my higher self coming inside the room and everything started to change. And he said his name, his vibration and touched my third eye. And that moment I could feel the dimensions it, mm. like everything and expanding everywhere. It's like, like having ayahuasca, mm-hmm. uh, taking ayahuasca, but without ayahuasca, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. just with the higher self. Yeah. And, um, it was a, it was a trip. It was, it was immense. And in that moment, beyond time, beyond lives, beyond experiences mm-hmm. in my past lives, you just had the truth. I could connect, uh, that and, it was the network. It was like connecting the dots. So I could. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily from a memory of a particular no. existence. It was your higher self downloading basically this information to yeah. you, giving you access to it. When you say the higher self, what does that mean to mm-hmm. you? And we might, we'll probably land there in our nine, in our nine dimensional map. Mm-hmm. But to you, what is the higher self? What is that? Well, to put it in a human word, um uh religious people say god um and science people say the sun so let's call the god sun mm-hmm. <laughs> so both both of them is is the same thing but both of them is only one thing that shines so this shiny thing has many rays of light that goes everywhere so every ray of light is what we call um, what we call higher self, mm. which is a high expression of the divine, but in different perspectives, mm-hmm. different articulation. Yeah, so it's like the rays of the sun. Then the rays of the sun, they are made up with information, which are the photons, the particles of light. So that's what we could call the souls. The souls are the ones that brings information from one place to another, going through everything. So photons. And then when it finds um, crystals like water, like some um, uh, carbon or something like this, the ray of light divides itself in different harmonies, in different um, frequencies. Mm-hmm. So you can see the rainbow. So the rainbow is like different lights, like different aspects of the self. Mm-hmm. For example, me, Matthias, mm-hmm. is one of them, one of those colors. One frequency, one color. Exactly. Yeah. So I am one of those colors, but I have six more around. Mm-hmm. Let's say more. Let's say 11 more than me because it's 12 colors, actually. So um, there are 11 people that are part 
of my higher self, which is one ray of light from the sun, which is God. So if you multiply that for every ray of the sun, you have millions, trillions of higher selves that express themselves in different personalities or frequencies that we call me mm -hmm. <laughs> or you. Yeah. So um, what we are is basically a distortion projected from the light, distorted projection from the light. And that's the higher self. You say, I mean, we have some connotations around distorted. It doesn't mean bad. Distorted no, it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean wrong. It means just a, a rainbow way, is beautiful. Yeah. A way in which some obstruction, some obstruction, the light hits it and then it like a prism almost. Exactly. You yeah. know, that, that we actually usually creates call, that. We usually call darkness to the things that distort because darkness is like the, the structure that allows the light to be different. So mm -hmm. the light goes straight and something, some heavy structure divides it in different parts that creates what we see. Yeah. So, um, the distortion is usually, uh, seen like, like something bad, like, like darkness, but actually is part of the light is a part of the system that allows the pure light to understand itself in different levels. Yeah. So to get this, to get this clear so far, you are a particular frequency or a particular spectrum that has been projected after it's been, you know, splashed into some density, which creates this distortion, this projection. Yeah. But you're also the photon, which is the messenger that actually comes and splashes into the prism to create, to create that. And then you're also the ray of light that's coming from the source. Or yeah. God or the sun. And so this is how we're ourselves and then also higher self and then also God as well. Because yeah. we're all connected to the same Thanks. sun. We're all the, like Atman is Brahman, they say. And, yeah. and, and certain, like, we are the Godhead and also physical body. You know, I'm, Ab I'm Aubrey, you're mm -hmm. Matthias. We're all, we're both of those things at the same time. Yeah. Which I think creates a lot of paradoxes for people because they try to pretend that Okay, this is the truth and this is not the truth. Well, it's all the truth. It just mm -hmm. depends on which dimensional reality exactly. you're looking at. Yeah, it's true. Like, this is me right here. If I clap my hands, it makes a sound. Like, I yeah. get it. And also, you know, I'm my higher self. And also, the, my higher self is also a part of probably what you would call maybe an oversoul or archangels mm -hmm. or part of bigger, bigger constructs. Exactly. And then that's part of also the divine. Mm -hmm. So this is a great segue to now explain where all of these things like through the nine dimensional map, because mm -hmm. that was really helpful mm -hmm. um, for me. But I think it's, it's nice that we started, you know, personal yep. with that. So where would you like to start? Would you like to start with the, uh, the ninth and go back down or would you want to start with the first and go up? Well, it's easier to start, I guess, for, from the one we know, which is the third. Mm -hmm. And then we can, We can spread. Okay. <laughs> sure. Um, the first thing as a concept that we have to understand about dimension is that dimension means two measurements, uh, two measures. That's the word dimensions. D from Latin, two. Mm -hmm. And mention, which is measure in Latin. So this means two ways of measure one thing. That's a dimension. Mm -hmm. 
meaning that only one thing splits in two. So now you have two points of view of the same thing. So a dimension basically is different perspectives or at least two different perspectives of only one thing, meaning that every dimension is not separate from the other, but it's a different measurement of only one thing. Mm -hmm. So we usually say this is the third dimension and there is a fourth dimension and there is a fifth dimension. So we have to leave the third dimension in order to leave the fourth or the fifth. Mm -hmm. But it's not like that. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. um, a dimension is basically um, like staring at the world. You have the planet and uh, the states here where we are. We are watching it towards one dimension. And then we have Argentina in the south watching another dimension or in the other side of the planet in Australia, another. So... We have different points of view of only one thing. We are staring at different skies. Um, the, some of the stars that we see in the south are not the same stars that you see in the north. And um, this doesn't mean that if someone from the north goes to the south and says, hey, Polaris is the star that shows the north. And we in the south would say, where is it? We don't see it. It doesn't exist. <laughs> right. Okay. So a different dimension is basically two points of view that never see each other, but they are part of the same thing. Right. So, believe or not, if there is another dimension, for me it's weird, because uh, it's actually, um, we all have different points of view, um, and we can see it like that, like in this, this car, this mm -hmm. guy. So, um, the third dimension is not a different thing from the other dimensions. The third dimension is basically a dimension where everything has three points of view. So mm -hmm. we have um, here we are calling we call this the third dimension because we have we have high, depth, and wide. Mm -hmm. That's three. And high, wide, and uh, and deep um, are uh, Called like this in space and in time, we call it past, present, and future. So only in the third dimension exists the concept of past, present, and future. Mm -hmm. Only in the third dimension exists the concept of high, wide, and depth. Because we are three. Mm -hmm. We have three points of view. Yep. But when you add a fourth, a fourth vision of that, you have eternity. Because there is a fourth line that connects past, present, and future. Timelessness. Exactly. That's the fourth dimension. So what is the fourth dimension? Add one line to this triangle, and you will connect the three. So suddenly, there is, no, there is an easier way to connect what is wide and depth, for example. Uh, so it's very difficult to understand uh, the fourth dimension uh, from the third dimension. The only way is a dream. When you dream, things happen without time, without space. Sometimes you just turn around and you're in a different country, in a different place, and in a different time, mm. with a different body. So the fourth dimension is like that all the time. It's like if you are dreaming. So when you dream, you are living the fourth dimension. 
your mind is prepared to understand the fourth dimension, but we are not um, designed right now to live it. All right. So let me let me explain an experience I had and let's see if this resonates with what you would call the fourth dimension. So I was at Burning Man mm-hmm. and at Burning Man, I do a lot of psychedelics. I do a lot of party that party and have fun. This night was my night off. Right. So I was not doing anything that night. I was like my body was tired. I was just resting and I was actually near Vailana, my wife at that time. She wasn't my wife at that time, but we were sleeping in the same bed. And there was this activation that happened. And I was actually uh, in, this, in this, it was a very interesting activation. I won't go into details, but that was, a, that was a part of it. My past partner, Whitney, was a part of it. Sobriety was a part of it. But in any case, in that moment, I felt my, my consciousness travel to a place where it was like I was, in, I was in the black. It was in like the black, almost like the void. Mm-hmm. But anything that I wanted to come to me would just come to me. Oh, yeah. If I wanted to be in a place, the place was there. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to talk to someone, that person was there. What, it was like I was in this quantum reality. That's how I would describe it, where the moment that I thought of something, that thing was with me. Mm-hmm. And if I thought of something else, that thing was with me. And everything was accessible in this one place. And it felt like a place that I would go maybe when I died, like I, mm-hmm. I didn't understand. So is that, is that what an experience of the fourth dimension where you can call visions and, and, and experiences that would be like in the third dimension, but I could just bring them to me instantly in that place? There are two things here. If you, if you felt free on calling yeah. them, you were connected, connected through the fourth dimension to the eighth dimension. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But if you are not free to control that, you are just in the fourth dimension. Uh-huh. Because the fourth dimension is controlled by the third dimension. Uh-huh. Uh, and the eighth is not. Um, I was free. Yeah. So that connects you to any link of information in the eighth dimension. In the eighth dimension, you can understand anything. Because just by thinking about it, it's there. Just by... Um, but you can understand the point of view of yourself, but also the point of view of a fly. Okay, so check this out. This is this is interesting. Um, in this experience of Burning Man, <clears throat> I felt like I was free to choose what experience that I wanted to have. But it was maybe I didn't have the awareness that I could choose something more extrasensory and a bigger choice. Like mm-hmm. I want to understand the universe. I want to understand. I was yeah. just, tra- I was just talking to people. I was just going to cool places. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder what the Aurora Borealis looks like. And be like, Oh yeah. <laughs> fucking cool. You know, like I was free to do that, but it was very like, it was very much like third dimensional experiences in my Iboga journey. So Iboga is another powerful psychedelic from Gabon in Africa. Uh-huh. And it really seems to vibrate your whole body at a much, much higher frequency. And this is one thing that you use to explain access to these other dimensions mm-hmm. is vibrating at a higher frequency helps you understand and access these other dimensional realities. In that experience, after I went through like a lot of personal, emotional stuff and things about myself and difficult experiences, I had about five hours where I could literally ask any question and understand it impeccably. And you said that about a fly because I asked, I wonder what it's like to be a bee. Mm-hmm. And I went straight into bee vision and I was seeing the world like a bee and I was 
going to collect pollen, but all the time I could feel the queen. It was all about the queen. I was serving the queen. Like I was so connected to her. And my entire life purpose was to serve this yeah. one being. And I was like, whoa, that's what it's like to be a bee. You know, and I could feel all of these interesting, yeah. they were far beyond what my knowledge of the third dimension could be. So that sounds more like what you're saying in the dimension. Also, I could understand like what's God. And it showed me this amazing vision yeah. of God as this blue being. And obviously he was trying to explain it to me. So it had to yeah. use what it used to That's explain. That's what I mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> so this blue being, and then it was this blue being, and the blue being was still. And then the blue being decided to move. Mm-hmm. And it decided to like move. And the blue being started running in an elliptical, an elliptical mm-hmm. shape. And then all of a sudden it split into all of these other blue beings and mm-hmm. all of the other blue beings were going and then everything was whirring around and all of them were making a sound and co- collectively it made this deafening like all sound of all of these different yeah. fractal gods and I was like whoa <laughs> fuck <laughs> you know this is yeah that was like it was this amazing explanation of like what to the, my answer of what is God mm-hmm. you know and so that to me sounds like maybe either I had the awareness and the time and the patience to access real eight dimensional knowledge, or maybe I was accessing it in just a, 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 a cleaner way or, or something, depending on the experience that I had. Yeah, it's dependent on the experience and, and the culture through where you are heading to, uh, that you will access to the same data, um, the same feeling because what you felt about these blue beings running around is protons and neutrons. Yeah. So yeah, it's the same, <laughs> yeah. but it's not that magic when you explain protons. Right. 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 If they would have shown me protons, I'd have yeah, been like, yeah, come right. on. Okay. I want, I want a blue guy that looks yeah, like right. Zeus. Exactly. That's, yeah. That looks like God to me. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, and so this, these different points of view are all in the eighth dimension, which tells you everything is true. Every point of view that you could have is true. So, so it's the free way to understand the fourth dimension. Mm. Usually people wants to go, I don't know why everyone wants to go to the fifth one. Yeah. <laughs> it's good marketing. For the yeah, it's a good marketing it's like for the fifth dimension. You know? It's pretty cool, <laughs> but it's got great marketing. <laughs> So, so the, the thing is that everyone wants to go there somehow, I don't know, but, um, the fifth dimension is the expansion of, uh, light of, or awareness of the third and the fourth. Uh-huh. So you cannot be in the fifth dimension if you don't enjoy the other two. Right. So it's impossible because and it's that, the full awareness of, people, of the other two. A lot of people try to escape the third because they don't enjoy it and go yeah. to the fifth. But you, what you're you saying is that doesn't work. You cannot be in the fifth dimension if you don't enjoy the third. <laughs> sorry. <Yeah. laughs> I'm so sorry. To say. But, yeah. but that's how it works because, yeah. uh, because the fifth dimension is the awareness of every vibration and light of your molecules in this body. So if you don't feel your body completely aware you will not feel the awareness of the fifth dimension. That's why enlightenment is not going to the sky, it's to shine. Mm. That's ascension is another thing, is another completely thing. So to, to go to the fifth dimension, you have to shine from the third yeah. and to understand every possibility that you have in the fourth. So um, 
which is the time and all the things that you are in the third dimension. For example, third dimension is this. As, as I said, wide, depth, and wide, um, high, past, present, and future. So when you are in the fourth dimension, for the fourth dimension, you are not anymore your body here and now. You are the first cell. You are a reptile from millions of years ago. You were a fish. Mm. You were a dinosaur. You were... I was a triceratops, for sure. For, <laughs> good. <laughs> I, I love triceratops. Yeah, me too. They're my favorite, too. Yeah, yeah. See? So, maybe we were in the same family. <laughs> yeah, for sure. In the same herd. Yeah. <laughs> in the same herd. Yeah. So, uh, so the thing is that you were many things, and your water was in many trees yeah. through thousands of years, where rivers in the ocean, and then they end up being your blood, the every drop of water. So you were so many things that in the fourth dimension, you can access to the data that your cells had about all that. All your evolution through millions of years is encoded there in this body. So in the fourth dimension, you can feel it. You mm. can be that because there's no past, present, and future that you have to follow. Mm. You can go through all of them at the same time. There is no need to go up or down or make any effort in the fourth dimension because going down, going up is the same because there's no high depth and wide. Yeah, there's no time. Uh, and no space. Mm -hmm. So what happened in the fifth dimension is when you locate yourself in the core of all that, see around and say, oh, this is all me. Mm. So I can feel, be, and become aware of all that. That's why the fifth dimension is called the dimension of the masters. Mm -hmm. But it's not because people that study a lot and they accomplish to escape the third dimension and all the matrix and all these kind of things and they are free in the fifth dimension guiding humanity to become whatever. No, they just realized that they were everything. Mm -hmm. So they accomplished to be in the fifth dimension because they are, simply are and acknowledge that they are that we are that cell, the drop of water, the leaf of the tree, that we are. So I had an experience with uh, one of my, the only time I've ever experienced someone who felt to me like a living ascended master, you could call him mm -hmm. a, an enlightened being. And that was with uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's written some books like The Four Agreements, Master oh, of yes, Love. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I went to go to a workshop with him in Mexico and When I went to see him, the moment I saw him is one of the moments that changed my life forever because he looked at me and he looked at me like he'd known me and loved me his whole life. We'd never met, never even talked. He'd known me, he'd loved me his whole life and he hugged me like it was a reunion with his long lost brother or son or, or who's somebody, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was this, this warmth and, and expression of life. And every moment that I saw him throughout that whole week, Yeah, he, he talked about a lot of interesting things, but I don't really remember all the interesting things. I remember him, the hug that he gave me. I remember when every night he would sip a little glass of his red wine and he would look out at the sunset and the way that he would look at the world was like he was looking at it for the first time. Mm -hmm. And there was this inner radiance that was just like pure bliss, yeah. you know, in this pure bliss. And I guess that's what you're kind of saying, which is this acceptance of 
all of life. And he'd gone through, you know, some different, like I think a, a serious heart condition and, and a bunch of, you've been in hospital. He's not had always an easy existence, you know, mm-hmm. he's gone through his difficult things and beautiful things and his sons and his divorces and marriages and lived this life. But the way he was living was in such rapture of existence, such, and it was like unshakable rapture of existence. And a lot of people who talk about Ramdas say the same thing. It's, he says amazing things, of course, but it's the presence of yeah. that. And, and so that, I guess, is what that sounds to me kind of like what you're describing about fifth dimensional consciousness mm-hmm. is just absolutely being in love yeah. with life. With That's this being life. the fifth dimension. Yeah. yeah. Being in, I describe being in the fifth dimension like being an electron inside a cable. It's, it seems weird, but it's the most incredible feeling. <laughs> yeah. Because, because you, you don't care about what is the information that is going through you. You feel the wave. Uh-huh. And, um, when you, when you are here in, in this reality and you cannot see how the microcosmos works, uh, everything is about this or that or going there or going away from somewhere. It's preference, judgment, craving, aversion. Yeah. It's all of these different things. Yeah. But it's, it's normal for this dimension yeah. because in this dimension, we are meant to do that to experience because here we polarize things in order to create things without polarity. You, you cannot create. So mm-hmm. that's why we need to learn a lot about polarity in the third dimension in order to manifest, to create what mm-hmm. we are doing. Um, but when you, we, when you go to the tiniest dimension, we go to the first dimension, the one, uh, then I will align them. <laughs> yeah. uh, when we go to the first dimension, the one dimension, what happens is that uh, you recognize that um, it's not about this or that. It's not about going somewhere or doing something. It's about just letting be that something. Mm. Um, become that and without the judgment uh, or the discernment of this or that because there's no second dimension it's one unity so because you cannot see those two things you stare at everything as as it is as perfect Mm -hmm. and that feeling is what you have in the fifth dimension once you accomplish to understand, uh, fully understand and enjoy the fourth and the third. Um, and it's not about leaving this world. It's not about ascending. It's not about leaving this matrix. It's about becoming the matrix, becoming this world, becoming this creation. When you do that is when you are able to feel like what you felt yeah. from those people. So, so free, just so free because they're beyond this, this fear, yeah. the fear that happens of, oh, I'm not going to get this thing that I want yeah. or, you know, or the craving, I really want this thing. And then the fear that you're not, you know, all of these different things that we're saddled with that we think are important. There was just, they were just there and it, it felt like it wouldn't have mattered if a storm came or whatever, you would have dealt with it and, and handled it. But nonetheless, like there was just this just love love for love for being for being you, you, you could know who is close to the fifth dimension when you see 
someone staring and smiling at the funeral. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, there's no sadness, like, oh. And even <laughs> staring, staring and smiling at their own, at their own impending funeral, right? Uh-huh. Because it's like, oh, yeah. this oh, is perfect too. Perfect. Yeah. Right. There's a story that Krishna, uh, East Forest is his musician's name. But he tells of Ramdas for him and when he first met Ramdas, they just sat across from each other and he was waiting you know, for a long time and mm-hmm. Ramdas just looked at him and it's just peaceful bliss. And this was after his aphasia. Mm-hmm. And and then finally, like twenty minutes later, just says, Just this. <laughs> like just that silence was perfect. Yeah. You know? And that was again this profound like yeah, like yeah. this. Mm-hmm. This is so rich. Normally for us, we sit, if me and you sat for, looked at each other for 20 minutes, we'd be like, okay, like, what are we going to do here? Can we get some drinks or what's the plan? But, but to be in that level of acceptance, it's just, it's anything, anything can be perfect. Yeah. And I have to say, it's amazing, but it's boring. (laughs) That's why we live in the third one. (laughs) Yeah. So. It's, it's, it's good when you go there. Yeah. When you, because, oh, this was it. Now let's go back. <laughs> yeah. I, I want another round. <laughs> um, yeah, I get um, that's why we reincarnate all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we are constantly in the same uh, system. And uh, there's a lot of people that, that usually think that it's because we are trapped. And we are trapped because you feel that you are trapped. If you, just decide to come back because you enjoy it. You are not trapped. Mm-hmm. You are creating all the time new, different things. So the fifth dimension is basically a state of understanding in which you can feel the sun and a proton in the same way. And you can see a person and a tree in the same way. And you can feel the same love for your mother or for a tree. Yeah. So there's all these beliefs that there's all these beliefs that are in our culture about, like you said, like we're trapped and we're trapped by our karma and we're going to have to keep re we have to keep reincarnating yeah. until we learn the lessons yeah. and we're trying to ascend and this is our goal. Yeah. And it's, it's very like very much there's judgment in all of those different ways yeah. in which that this isn't perfect, mm-hmm. that we're trying to get to a better place. We'll be a better, a better person. If we get to that better place, we'll be better if we get to the fifth dimension. But all of that is actually what prevents you from getting to that consciousness in the first place is, mm-hmm. is making all of these judgments about where you are. Yeah, uh, I guess that we can talk about dimensions here, but I, but I think that whoever, that the person who explained better was Freud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are mammals. And, um, mammals, uh, we grow inside a mother. For, and we humans, we are nine months inside of the womb of a mother. And when we get, get out, usually the father is expecting. And we see the light. So if you start to understand how biology works, you will see that you have been trapped inside a mother for nine months, expecting to see the light of the father. It's not about God. It's not about this reality. It's about mammals. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, um, if you go to another planet, or not to another planet, you go to a seed, to a plant, 
they have a completely different view from what we right. understand. If you go to the mineral uh, system, um, they don't have this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, only mammals have this issue because we were inside a mother. Mm-hmm. In Latin, the origin of the word mother is matrix. So when we say matrix, matrix is matrix means the the is the veil that covers you. Mm. Okay, so that would be the matter. It's matrix, matrix, uh, and then is atar, father. Um, the father, who is the pater. Pater means, means the path is the one that leads. So it's a line that leads you outside the mother. It's all vocabulary mm-hmm. from a family. So that's why we call the father God and mother earth. Mm. Because we are mammals. But when you leave this planet, this planet, Nobody understands what we are saying. <laughs> so, so um, the concept, the concept of uh, the interdimensional concept of there is a mother, there is a father, um, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when you um, project the third dimension into the other dimensions, you are creating this idea of we are all trapped mm-hmm. and we have to go through a long process of trying to be free from something that is holding us. And once we are free from that, we will be received by the light of the father mm-hmm. and then we will be free. But suddenly the father says there are rules. You have rules because this is a home and you have to take care of the home and then you grow up and you have and you are acknowledged that the mother is just loving you that's why it's trapping you in in, in, in her love and so you have uh, some conflicts in psychology with that <laughs> and and then you understand that oh it's not that my mother was possessive it was that trying to protect me from something from the outside so i love my mother and i forgive my mother forgive my father and suddenly when i just start to hate my father too because the rules of my father are aren't allowing me to do my life mm-hmm. i decide to start my own path and stop believing in god and start to look within and look my own truth and suddenly i became that mm-hmm. and i have my own kid and I am mother or father and the own creator of my own reality with my own rules. And, and it repeats and again and again. So um, sometimes we project into the universe things that only mammals have issues with. Sounds like almost all the time we do it. Yeah. Not just sometimes. Yeah, we're, constantly, we're constantly doing Because you basically described most of the world religions, especially like the yep. monotheistic <laughs> religions, uh, from this paradigm. Yeah. Right. Like this is this is why we project, and also we project all of our judgments onto mm-hmm. you know onto God. The way that we judge the world, we think that God is going to judge us. The Father is going to yep. judge us, like our Father judged us, and like we imprinted in ourselves. We're always projecting all of these things on our deities, mm-hmm. on our on our ideas. We do it not only with 
God, but we do it with simple things too. People do it with ayahuasca. You know, people will project all oh, types yeah. of feminine traits and just, she's going to punish you for this. And I was like, no, like that's not our consciousness. No, it's not. It's, but we'll project that because that's our idea of mm-hmm. you've been a bad boy. You get punished. The mom's getting a wooden spoon and here it comes, you know, and it's going to sting for a while, but she loves you. But you know, you get the wooden spoon for a little while. Yeah. And then you arrive to the ninth dimension and you realize that there was no one there. (laughs) It was only you all the time. (laughs) Like what, (laughs) what should I do now? Um, so, um, that's why there are many ways to explain these dimensions, these realities. We can see it from the way of a human, of a mammal, or we can try to take away all the ideas of um, emotions that we project from religions, from culture, from our family, from our biological point of view, um, and start to see it in a very neutral way in which there is no God, there is nothing, and all that it, that is there is creation. Mm-hmm. And that the perfection of all this is simply that it is. It's not that it is meant to be or it was something. Um, and um, and no God and only God are the same thing. Yeah. Right? Like it just depends on how you're using the word. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, it's um, the, the word God, um, it was meant to be something that described um, the light, uh, gush, and, and for the Spanish is um, Zeus, the god of light. Um, so all the 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 origin of the word God comes from the only one word in one ancient language that was jihe, and jihe means day. So. The ancient people said Jihe or Jiheu, um, it's the day. And during the day, you can see. So whenever there's the sun, you can see and you are protected because you know the horizon, you know where to go, all that. So it's good. The, the skies are good because the sun gives us light. Mm-hmm. So everyone was following the light, was following Jihe. That became God. And Dios in Spanish. So, mm. um, but they were following light. They were not following any God. They yeah. were following just what exists, what you can see. Uh, and there was the opposite of it, which was the night. And so they call it in a different way. And, and, and they had these two balanced things that tells you during the day, you can see, you can hunt, you can eat. During the night, you are, the animals can eat you, you cannot see, so you have to take care. Mm-hmm. So, during the day, you are brave, during the night, you are scared. And that, in our biology, in our cells, got stuck as the good and the evil. Mm-hmm. And we create all this idea of good and evil that nature doesn't have. Because you see nature, they don't have. Because if you think that evil is is the one that kills, you shouldn't have cats, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, uh, or or you would hate lions or right. stuff like that. Um, yeah. 
because they kill. But otherwise, no, it's nature. So why we accept that that's nature and we don't accept that we are creating something that doesn't exist as good and bad as a system in the universe? Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, it's not that it doesn't exist as practical things. I mean, as a structural thing. Mm-hmm. As a structural thing, it doesn't exist. It just seems like we're, <clears throat> so we're all building our own understanding of God. You know, so there's a word, but there's mm-hmm. a, um, probably as many meanings of that word as there are people. Of you course. Know? So, so we create this idea. And so we could talk about God and just totally not be communicating with somebody else at all because we have a completely different definition than somebody else has a completely different mm-hmm. definition. And there is a way to say about God that God is the good. God is the one that cares about love. So someone intentionally hurting somebody else is not acting in accordance with that version of God, mm-hmm. right? But because if God is love, loving and aware and, and good, then hurting somebody on purpose, you know, which actually animals, you know, pretty much don't do. They just do what they do. They're not intentionally malicious, but humans have that unique ability because of our free will. Of the side, yes. Yeah. But still, you have to be in delusion. Mm-hmm. You have to be unaware. To actually hurt somebody on purpose, mm-hmm. you have to be blind because you have to see them as separate from you. That's why you cannot see the light right. because you are not in the day because you are not able to see. So you so are in the dark. You're blind, so that's why you're not with God, the exactly. God that we're talking about. We're mm-hmm. blind to the fact that, you know, if I hurt you, I'm hurting me living a different life. Exactly. And that's why you're not in God because you're not, you're not able to see. Mm-hmm. This actually might segue a bit to the sixth dimension mm-hmm. because the sixth dimension is where we get the, a lot of some of the delusion and some of the shadow that, that actually allows us to learn to see yeah. the perspective comes through. So why don't we go into that explaining yeah. the sixth dimension? The sixth dimension is the creator itself as creator acting as a creator. Um, the sixth dimension is the one that takes all the ideas, all the feelings, everything, and starts to manifest a different thing from it. It's like manufacture. When you take the main material from, I don't know, a rock, the, the sixth dimension would be the guy sculpting the rock to make a shape, a sculpture. Okay. So, um, the process of the sixth dimension is not really like, uh, lightning for us because it breaks the shapes of the original shape. Um, takes the light and in the sixth dimension turns it into a rainbow, mm-hmm. which means also takes a being and divides it into different beings. Mm-hmm. Takes a body and divides it into different organs. So, uh, takes a triangle and divide it in fractals. So you have a sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so the sixth dimension is the one transforming the main things into completely different stuff, which means that is the creator and also the one that distort mm-hmm. the main thing. So that's why the sixth dimension is where if we could use very human religious uh, words, is this is the dimension where the archangels exist, and they are 
working in the light and in the darkness at the same time. So they can see and also they can transform the shapes that they see into something completely different, like the, in a distorted image. Mm-hmm. We are a distorted image of an archangel. We are a distorted image of a cell. Without distortion, we wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. So it's because of the sixth dimension and its way of, distort- of distortion of the main truth that you can see the universe and enjoy the reality. So <clears throat> one, a, a great ayahuasca shaman, Maestro Alberto, who taught Maestro Hamilton, explained to me that the demons, mm-hmm. all demons were simply delusion. You know, sim- that's all demons were. They were, they were delusion. They were the way that they, they fogged your sense, clogged your mind, didn't allow you to see the light or the truth. So in this sixth dimension, there's the archangels working in the light. And maybe is it the same archangels that are the deep, that you would call the demons that are working to distort? No, the demons are in the, in the fourth dimension. The demons are in the fourth the dimension. The demons are equally lost like we are. So the demons don't know. The demons don't know what they're doing. So they're doing their job no, without they're knowing. No, they're like dogs. They're taking care of a house. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <for the demons. laughs> but in the sixth dimension, they it's all the archangels. They all know. Yeah. They all know exactly what they're doing. But the mm-hmm. fourth dimension are beings that don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're a little. They're lost. Yeah. And they're making their help. They're contributing to us being lost because they're lost, mm-hmm. and they think that they're doing the right thing, but of they course. don't know. Yeah. It's it's. Um, it, if we describe this as a house, as I said, the archangel would be like the lord of the house, the one, uh, um, the the one that is the owner of the house and decides how to build the house. Mm-hmm. Is the architect. So he says, "I want this here. I will put this here and that." Then has the housekeeping. Housekeeping is from the fifth dimension. Mm-hmm. Is the lady or, or the man that knows where everything is, that knows how to take care and clean everything. Mm-hmm. So, and is the one that advised, we would need to change these to these so it worked better. So yeah. that would be the fifth dimension. Then you have the fourth dimension, which is the dogs that takes care, the cats that eat the, man, the mice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? so, or rip up a couch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Dogs and cats in a house, they act by feeling and sometimes they do bad things, but not because they want to do bad things, but because they think that what they are doing is okay. Yeah, like the one of our cats, Cyrano, he took a shit in the washing machine and when I was taking out the clothes and I put him over my head, one giant shit <laughs> fell right on my head. He didn't know he was doing that. But it was normal. Yeah. Here you do the cleaning, so <laughs> it's, it's normal. Uh-huh. So so oh my God. that's how demons act. Like, uh-huh. oh, look, that's a shitty people. So let's put some shit there. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> So they're acting that's, with, they're acting with resonance with exactly. they're finding resonance with. And that's I think an important thing that people mm-hmm. people get very afraid. In, in, oh, yeah. in spiritual work, they are very afraid of the demons, very afraid of these dark energies. Yeah. But the dark energies aren't going to, they're not going to, and I, you know, really talked to my sister Blue, who's a medicine woman about this. They're not going to bother you if you don't have resonance mm-hmm. with their energy. 
it's like they're not gonna they're not gonna possess you like in a movie. Like you're all of a sudden you're this really you know yeah. pure, you know good person, pure being, and all of a sudden a demon you know possesses you. So the, the universe is all about frequencies. Mm-hmm. So imagine that every reality and every being is like a radio station. So you can tune yourself in the frequency that you want to hear. If you don't like some messages of someone that is constantly talking about bad things, so you just change the radio, and that's it. So, But in order to do that, you have to tune yourself into a new frequency mm-hmm. so you can hear new messages. But if you are always listening to the same radio station and you complain about what you hear, so... Demons are going to control your life because you are allowing them to control your life. Mm-hmm. Demons are not bad people. They are just doing what they are supposed to do, which bad is distort. Yeah. They are distorting everything. And their job is to distort light so we can have things. Yeah, delusion. Exactly. If you are in the path of putting the things together, demons will be against you, but not against you because you are you're in the opposite side but because you have something that they are supposed to divide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? it's, it's, like, it's like telling the DNA inside of your cells, I'm going to the unity, don't divide, don't divide. It's, it's impossible because they are meant to divide. <laughs> so, um, so the demons are doing that. They, they create division because they were meant to do so. Mm-hmm. They were meant to do that, that mission. So when someone starts to unite, unify things, or the demons is like, hey, what are you doing? You are ruining my job. You know? And the other one said, no, but we have to go all together again. Why? So, you know, mm-hmm. they, they won't agree because because they don't understand. So and that tension is part of creation, right? It's yeah, part of everything. Yeah, uh, of course. There, there's no the earth wouldn't spin if there is no polarity. Yeah. So this polarity of division and unity must exist in order to create life. There's no life without division. So um, the, the the job that, that they have is to divide, as for the people that works in the consciousness, is to unify. Yeah. And um, but when you under it happened to me uh, when I understood that, when I remembered that, I just start to thank every demon for what they were doing. And suddenly they stopped. Uh, fighting because they say, oh, so I'm doing fine. Because yeah. because I say, I will keep doing this here, <laughs> unifying these things, but thank you for all your job of dividing it because now I know what I have to unite. Um, Every, I've had so many experiences of this and <clears throat> fortunately I've had good teachers who help point me in this way. Again, Maestro Alberto, Maestro Hamilton said, like, you don't fight the demons. Like, you love the demons. Yeah. And thank them. And, and, and that, and, because otherwise you'll fight them perpetually. Like, mm-hmm. you'll never win that fight. That, that, that's what they're built for. Yeah. You know, they got, they got all the time. They're in the timeless dimension. They got all the time all in the, the world. Yeah. <laughs> eternity. <laughs> they got, they can bother you for eternity. <laughs> so, but, and, and in the experiences, I had a deep and deep, heavy ayahuasca encounter with a, with a huge demon. It looked like a world crusher. It was breaking worlds apart. Which very much sounds like what they do. They divide, it's yeah. pulling things apart. And it was really fucking with me. And, and finally, like, the resolution was I, I went up to this giant demon, demonic being, and I kissed him on the forehead. 
Mm-hmm. And his eyes went like emoji hard eyes. Yeah. And, his, and that was like the resolution. And in dreams, mm-hmm. I've had the same thing. I had a dream where I went into this house. I was like Van Helsing with all these witch hunters and we were slaying these demons. And there was the main demon that I had to, that I was supposed to slay. And I cut him up into a bunch of pieces and I threw his body into a fire and the fire was going, but I knew it wasn't right. And I, I knew that it wasn't going to work. And I was stabbing it in the eyes. It was a very violent dream. I was stabbing it in the eyes. I was like trying to cut it into smaller pieces, but, but it reformed and it reformed into this neon glowing being that I couldn't touch with my sword. And it was, I was like swirling and those upside down. I didn't know right from left. I was lost in this thing. And I like fought my way through with like through great like pain and, and difficulty and found my way and just embraced him with the most loving hug. And then it just burst. Yeah. And it burst. And there was this like loving, this like being that was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, and just that feeling of love, like you're, you're doing good. Like I love you. Yeah. And that it ended the whole thing. And that was, the, that was the resolution. So what you're saying is something that I've, you know, felt and learned. And again, this is going back to the beginning. This is why. When I was listening to you and it was like, yeah, this guy remembers his past lives. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then I listened to what you're saying and I was like, fuck, that's, I, I, I know this is true. You past know? lives is just one thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Right. Yeah. It was your higher self who came in and, and that, but, but ultimately like that's, you know, just to go back to that, what I was saying at the beginning, this is, this is why you're here now is mm-hmm. because of so many of these things that you're saying. Like I've had that experience, the mm-hmm. same thing that you're saying. Like I've been there and I've done that. And I know that's the only way. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're in the sixth dimension, the architects of reality. Yeah. The archangels. When we talk about the archangels, we talk about Michael and Raphael. Are we close? Are we close to like identifying them? Are, are some of the things that are in our culture like kind of right? Kind? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, um that we that we put a lot of christianism yeah upon them um and um this is a very old story from the hefer people and that was not even for catholics and they took it from <clears throat> from the jew people um they they were uh, archangel means uh, the powerful messenger. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. So it's a message of power. That that's archangel. Um, so what they are, um, what they were, what they are really are different attributes of God of the unity. So you have, uh, for example, the light of God. It's an attribute. You can say light of God, mm. but in the ancient Hebrew, you would say, Ur, light, El, of God. Uriel. Uriel. So, um, the, the protector of, uh, of, of God. Michael. So, the names, Michael. So, the names of the, of, of the archangels, like the medicine of God, Raphael, uh, are aspects. They are not people. They are not um, people with wings. <laughs> right. um, they are attributes or aspects that emerge from the unity. And so the medicine of God, the light of God, the power of God, the the protector of God, and so so on, are 
all these different concepts that uh, show so many attributes of the unity. Um, so these beings are actually creating with their power um, the, the, the frequencies, the messenger, messengers, the frequencies that creates everything. So their sound, their vibration are molding the entire creation. Mm-hmm. But it's not that there are people with wings mm-hmm. that we can, that we call archangels. There are attributes of the creator that you can activate within you. Like I am the medicine. I am the protector. I am the light. I am the path. I am life. I am who said that? Jesus. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. He was trying to embody every one of the names of God. Mm. He was not saying that he was the only one. He was saying that that's the only way you can embody God. Yeah. When you realize I am light, Uriel, I am the power, Gabriel, and so on. Uh, so um, the archangels are, are not beings from outside. Uh, we are within them. Could they be looked at as both, though, in a, in a certain way, like they're within us and also sometimes we it feels like we can encounter them as separate but no, is that, of course. but is so are they both they're both within us and outside of us fourth dimension yeah 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 <laughs> both at the same time yeah exactly. so all of this idea and i think this is this constant question like are the beings that you see in ayahuasca are they with are they from you or are they from somewhere else and like i've always said yeah i just wanted to say that i have been in the presence of Lord Michael and Lord Zadkiel, Raphael, Ariel. In the physical. In the physical. These beings are real. Yeah. Yet they are in those higher dimensions of interdimensional light. That's the only way I know how to describe it. It's false and drama. And Archangel Michael is the co-regent of this local universe of Nevadon along with Sananda Kumara. They may not talk about that at all. Well, they're going a lot of places. Yeah, they are. It's all good. Thank you for that, Rama. Thank you. Oh, there's no question. In the universe, it's difficult to say this or that. Right. In the universe, it's both, but for me right now, it's more this than that. Yeah. Uh, so that, that would be the answer because, because it's impossible. Yeah. When you have the, the entire creation, you, uh, you, you can see that there is no this or, or that. And you can see that the seventh dimension that we didn't mention is, is the enlightenment. But the enlightenment in the enlightenment, there are beings of darkness too. Samael, for example, Samael is 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 one of the the attributes of God that in this that from the seventh dimension load um loaded and make loaded all the information of the enlightenment to the sixth dimension and was the first attribute of the universe creating by itself uh, in a separate way 
That's mm. what we call Satan. Mm. It was Samael. And this being was one of the attributes of, of the divine that was called the most beautiful light or the one that carries the light with him. Lucifer. Lucifer. Lucusferus, who takes the light. What happened? That this being was the first architect, the first one that said, I can design something different from what we have done till now. And he created the sixth dimension that projected in the third dimension. So was the one that, that enables the life, basically. So what happened? Every being from the seventh dimension that said, we have to create, follow the path of darkness to create. Mm. But those who arrived to the creation and said, oh, but we were the creators, follow the path of enlightenment to the seventh dimension again. And that idea is like a torus. Mm -hmm. It's the shape of a torus. But that idea creates the concept that both paths were against each other. And actually, one was opening the path for the others. And for the others not to get lost, they create the path again, going back to the center. So, um, for the, talking about dimensions, this, even these beings that in religion they call, they were the bad ones, it's just one side of the story. So explain, <laughs> explain the, explain the role of the, the beings of the seventh dimension and then the roles particularly of the being that's called Satan. I don't think I fully understand it. He's, because he said basically, and we say he, but it's obviously not a person. No, it's, or, it's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It says basically, I, I know that I can create, like I can create something, but I need to use the darkness to do it. And I need to somehow separate myself from the everything in order to do this. What was, what was going on? How, how the, how the solar system was created. It mm -hmm. was not because a fairy came and they blah, 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 <laughs> like this with magic. Uh, it was a big explosion. The sun exploded, like mm -hmm. divided itself and created chaos, destruction all around and all the rocks, the parts, that remain without light became planets. So they cannot shine anymore. They are not light, but they were part of the light. Mm -hmm. Earth was part of the sun. Yeah, they were energy that turned into matter. Yeah. Waves that turned into particles. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and, and so much energy in the sun shining so much created an explosion that allowed the planets to exist. So it is because of that destruction and division that life on earth exists. Mm. But not only because the sun and its explosion, also because of the gravity of Jupiter. Without Jupiter, life would, wouldn't be possible here because we would have been consumed by asteroids. Right. So it's because of Jupiter that we survive. And um, all that system is the one that was created by the darkness because it was destruction, division, and turning matter that was shining into rocks that doesn't shine. Right. 
Um, and you're just using our galaxy as a as an example of the whole universe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and, okay. Yeah. No. Okay. So so um, when I say seventh dimension, imagine that the seventh dimension is like the sun, like this bright being that is completely shining and fully aware of the divinity that it is, and that within itself has the power, the light, the life, everything inside. But some part of it says, how can I be all this if I cannot experience all this? Mm. So a part of yourself decides to open your eyes and say, I will leave what I have within. Mm. And that's the explosion. I will get lost so I can find myself. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Creation of the sixth dimension. So it divides the power, the light, everything in different messages frequencies that we call archangels. The archangels become the architects of reality, creating awareness, the fifth dimension, awareness of what it is, that everything is eternal and that you can mold eternity into different pieces, which brings us to the third dimension, the pieces of time, past, present, future, pieces of space, wide, high, depth. Mm. And all that, the only way to create is by Duality, second dimension. So you need polarity in order to move time and space. Because if they don't spin, they don't create life. They need movement, love. So this movement will create that. So second dimension is the movement of polarity. Which brings us all to the first dimension, which is is the unity experiencing itself. Mm -hmm. But the only way to arrive to the third dimension is through the ninth dimension. which is God, is the one that is not only in the center, is holding everything and understanding everything. It's like you with your body being fully aware of the work of every one of your organs, of every one of your cells, of how your DNA works. It's like if you become fully aware of everything that makes you be who you are, that's the ninth dimension or God. What's the, di- I mean, there's, I have a lot of, we're going to have to dive in here because I don't fully understand it entirely. <laughs> so, um, first, I mean, one question I have is mm. what is, it seems like the first and the ninth dimension are very similar, mm-hmm. just the different expression of the same singular being yeah. or God, mm-hmm. right? So what is the, what is the fundamental difference? The way that I, that I've intuitively understood it is, like the ninth dimension felt like the the yin aspect of God, like the void, all mm-hmm. possibilities, all things, but nothing in form. And then the first dimension was like the word, like the yang expression of like the energy of 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 it expressed. But but, but, I, but I don't know if I'm understanding it correctly. Well, it's like it's like uh, it's like a circle. So one and nine they touch each other, like if they are the same. So one is like the core, it's like the center that cannot see everything, but can feel everything. Uh-huh. It's within. The one is within, is the one that says, I don't understand, and I don't even care to understand. So like the one would be the Atman, the the part of us that's yeah, the, the it's, divinity within. Yeah, it's the one that says, I am. Uh-huh. And... um what is this? I am. What, what is that there? I am. The unity, the first dimension says I am. It's the only thing that understands. I am. It's like 
brood from. <laughs> so, uh, so that's, that's the, that's the way. So, um, so the first dimension is like that. It's, it's, I am, I am, I am, I am all the time. Yeah. Goes to the center. And, um, the ninth dimension is the one that knows I am, but can see what I am. I am this organ. I am this organ. This organ is connected to this organ. This time and this line time is this and that. And it can understand the whole. The unity, the first dimension doesn't care. It's mm-hmm. like a kid that says, yes, I am. I feel it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like the person that says, I can feel what you say, but I can't get any word what you say. You know? So the ninth dimension understands every word, why you are saying that. Mm. Everything. Mm-hmm. And like the first dimension is a Pisces mm-hmm. and the ninth dimension is a Capricorn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like this. Yeah. Uh, so no, I, I get it. it's almost like the first dimension is I know who I am. I am. Mm-hmm. And then the ninth dimension is I know what I am, which is all of the different, exactly. all of the different expressions, all of the different understandings, the way it all works. Everything. Exactly. So they touch each other because they, they yeah. are almost the same. So, but yeah. One is fully aware of everything that it is, and the other one just it is. Yeah. So uh, in between that idea is how everything emerges. So everything emerges from the first dimension, of course, because I am. So it, this I am has a dream, and the dream of the I am is in the eighth dimension, which is everything is possible. Everything is there. Mm-hmm. So many things. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, so that's that's the dream, the, the the great dream where all the timelines, everything could exist there. So the I am in the first dimension, when it sees the dream of the eighth dimension that everything is possible, goes to the seventh dimension. So it goes from first to eighth and then yeah, down you, to seventh. Because it's all the same. It's not like right, linear. Right, right. right. Yeah. So we can explain from the first going to the th- second or the first going to the eighth. Yeah, no, I like this. Yeah. That makes sense. So the, so there's yeah. the dream of, whoa, opens its eyes in a way, like yeah. you said, and says, this is all of the possibilities that I am can be mm-hmm. expressed. It, every possibility the, the, the on every is, timeline. Yeah, the easy image is like you have one dot, which is the I am, and then it creates the infinite which is the eight. Uh-huh. So you see infinite the eight, symbol, you see yeah. how from the one you can go to the eight dimension. So it's like infinite. Everything is there. Everything is possible. Eight dimension. So then you, you say, Oh, I am this dream. I, I can feel that dream that everything is possible. And you become the seventh dimension. Seventh dimension is when you not only perceive and see it, but you feel. You feel what you are able to be in the seventh dimension. That's why is the dimension of enlightenment is where where you irradiate everything that you are. Mm-hmm. You say, "Wow, I I feel it. I know that I can do something with this." Is so, this you use the word seraphims? Is this the yeah the realm of the seraphims? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so explain. Now this is the part that I wanted to get back to because I still not I still don't exactly understand how religion has twisted the understanding of Satan as a, as a seraphim, I guess, right? 
Yeah. The, the, the fallen angel, he's called. Yeah. The seraphim. Mm-hmm. And like what that purpose was and whether there's other seraphims that are of significance that did different things mm-hmm. besides what Lucifer or Satan did in the seventh. Well, that would take us to another, to religion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so, just like understand, I know, I know religion, you know, no, no, I, no I, I will, I, I will reach there when we are in the third dimension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, so from the first one, you go to the eighth. The eighth says, Oh, this is what I can be? Seventh dimension. Oh, I feel it. I am yeah. that. Wow. Incredible. But what can I do with this? Sixth dimension. Oh, I can create. I can do stuff. And when I, when you do stuff, you learn. So you become aware of what you, what you've done. Fifth dimension. It's like, oh, now I get it. I understand everything. Um, and I know that I can do this forever. Fourth dimension. I can, change and create these things and these shades forever. But um, where can I experience? Uh, because I'm, I'm not experiencing what I can create. So third dimension. The third dimension is, okay, I will get inside the system that I create. I will become that in order to uh-huh. exist. But the only way to do it is to separate my parts because I am so huge that I cannot experience altogether. I have to divide myself in many. Mm-hmm. So people, realms, and blah, 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 all, all the things. Um, third dimension. The only way I can do it is through polarity. Mm-hmm. And because of this polarity, second dimension, is that I can create a third one, first dimension again. Mm-hmm. And once I created something new from all that path, I become fully aware in the ninth dimension that I am God. Mm. <laughs> so that whole system of the dimensions is how you see the universe in that perspective so what happened third dimension in the third dimension remember is about dividing mm-hmm. the sixth dimension was about creating fifth dimension about understanding the creation fourth dimension about knowing how to manage the shapes of that dimension no time no space and then you leave time and space in the third dimension. So all the parts that you have created, now they become real. They manifest and they will live in a certain time, in a certain space. What makes that? That everything that before was part of one thing, now is divided in different things. So you can tell the difference between this and that. Mm -hmm. But you cannot remember that they were the same thing. So this hand here, the right hand, will fight against the left hand all the time because they say, I know you look like the same, but you are the opposite to me. So that, that shouldn't be good because what is good is what is similar to me. Mm-hmm. So that's the mentality of the herd. Right. Um, what we so, see now in our culture. Exactly. So... You take one story, which is the sun, and you say, okay, there's the sun. Everyone can see the sun. North Pole, South Pole, Ecuador, everywhere everywhere in the planet you can see the sun. But it's not the same to see the sun from the desert in Arabia than to see it in the rainforest of the Amazon. The, The sun will be very different. The shapes of the sun, the heat of the sun, is different. So in the Amazon, the sun 
is not related to something that makes you suffer. In Arabia, it is. Mm-hmm. You see the difference? Yeah. So it creates a tradition that the Lord can make you suffer. Make you suffer if you don't do right. In the Amazon, the Lord would never make you suffer because it makes growth the plants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it gives food. Yeah. So it's a willing and giving and and, and all that. So why why would God want me to get hurt mm-hmm. if it's giving me everything? But in the desert, in Sahara and Arabia desert, it will hurt you. Because if you don't take care of what the people say, with the water, with people, if you don't take care of your animals, yeah, you if you don't follow any rules, you will die in the desert. The sun will kill you. So God will kill you if you don't follow the laws. Mm-hmm. So all the Semitic people now call uh, Islam, Jewish, and and Christians. They, we, they, they were all Semitic. They was the same people that lived in the desert. Mm-hmm. They all had that tradition of living in Babylonia, Mesopotamia, in all that, that region. So all of them had this knowledge that the sun can hurt you if you don't follow the rules. Yeah. So God, Yahweh, would kill you if you don't follow the rules. So they create a statements of culture, of all that, and how every archangel, every, every potentiality of God can be good or bad according to how you behave. Right. And that's how you form a religion that unifies villages. Yeah. And they create one Semitic village called the Jew, one Semitic village called the Islam, one Semitic village called the Christians. Christians. It was not exactly like that, but I'm yeah, making sure. a summary of that. Um, but um, if you create, they, they create uh, this, and the most ancient one, the Jews, they said, um, we understood first what it means, the power of the universe, and we know that the word is the one that does this. So the word, the vibration, is the one that changed life. And that, that connects you to the divine. So they use the um, Kabbalah, the word, the letters, to work with the powers of God. So the archangels. The other ones, Islam said, no, God doesn't have any word. God is geometry. So the only way you can understand God is through mathematics and geometry. Which is why you see in the mosques there's such exactly. beautiful fractal So geometry. no words, no images of anyone, because for them, the powers of God are geometry. Mm-hmm. For the Islam, it's not an archangel as a person, is a concept of a divine. Uh, and then we have the Christians, which is a different story that came from, not Islam, that came from the Semitic people. Mm-hmm. They took the information from all the different villages, mainly from the Jews. They took all the ancient traditions, but without the, uh, the deeper understanding and meaning of what they really came from. So they took the ideas of this 
um, because Jesus was Jew, so they they took the the images, the ideas of the past from that tradition. But the people that start to follow the Christianism was not really students of the ancient texts. They were just followers of someone new with an old tradition. Mm-hmm. So that's why there's a cut because there is something very different in between the Jews and the Christians. The Jews doubt. The main, the, not, not the Jews, the, the, the ancient Jews, the mm-hmm. ancient tradition, Kabbalah, Sephirot, is about the question. What do you think? What do you think is God? I don't know. What do you think? It's, it's all about questions, mm-hmm. questioning. Question, question, question to find the answers. And when you find the answer, ask another question. Mm-hmm. The Christians, not. Christians is, this is the truth. Don't talk anymore. So that's why archangels are angels that they've, one of them fell down. Why? No, you should not question that. Mm-hmm. And that's how for 2000 years, many religions in Christianity, like Catholic, Protestant, and many others, were based in ancient old stories that no one never explained them because they said, you should not ask. This is God's word. Right. And now here I am, blasphemer as I am, <laughs> asking, asking the question of, of, okay, all right. So we have this story that Lucifer, the fallen angel, is all things that are evil mm-hmm. and is is the one to be resisted and is only evil. But you started telling a story that, no, no, this is a seraphim from the seventh dimension that actually enabled creation. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a very, it's a very, it's a like, very it's, it's a flip. So, but I just want to, I just want to go through that one more time. Maybe yeah, sure. it's because my mind is so conditioned by the world that we live in. It happened, yeah. That, that, like, it was like, whoa. I didn't, so explain that again. What happened in the seventh dimension and what this being, you know, that they call Satan or Lucifer, what, what that being actually did. And then why was it that the stories of the Christians made that thing evil? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, um, um, let's say, like, imagine that in the, in the eighth dimension or ninth, eighth dimension, there is, God, this Lord of the house that has many kids living in the same house and they are running out of room and, um, and they are all so powerful that they are all occupying a very important spot in the house. But there are kids born in every time because the mother matrix, uh, it's, it's very fertile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, there are many kids, but the house is always the same. Is There were seven rooms, but now there are like 12 kids. And they are all sharing beds and mm-hmm. chaotic. So there was one of them, Samuel, that said, what if we make the house bigger? What if we create something different so we could all live in a different way? So in the seventh dimension, they are the happy family where they all sit around the table and they said, we love so much to each other that we doesn't care about the space we have. Yeah. Okay. So there was one in the table that said, 
I care. <laughs> I care about because because I need my space. I have too much power inside, and I'm sharing this space with people that is not allowing me to grow. So the, so God said, okay, what would you do? And He said, well, I would get rid of that wall. I would throw that away. If you give me a hammer, I will destroy it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I will create another room. So he created another room. But the other says, I want, I want another one. I want my own room. So he started to break all the walls to make the house bigger. And then they had kids and family. So they had to do the same thing, breaking the walls, creating more, blah, blah, blah. blah. So the family grew and the universe grew, of course, in to fractal, mm-hmm. tiny fractal. So in, in a way, in a way, that being, that being that was the one who ultimately led to polarity, right? Because polarity was necessary to create all of the, it took the unity of the happy family and brought it all the way into the fractal, yeah. you know, perspectives that we see now and all of the world that we have now, but it created mm-hmm. polarity. And so maybe that's why, is that why it was attributed with evil? Because it took the one unified family of the divine and, and broke it in family. and divided the family. And now there's the possibility of evil because of the possibility of dividing of, more families. Of dividing more but families. what people doesn't realize is that there are more families because of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it makes sense. To, it makes sense to me now. It's the, because you take something that was just, just this pure, like, love, pure, like you said, I love your metaphor, like mm-hmm. one family unified completely, but it was, it was stable. It was kind mm-hmm. of stuck. And then just goes, boom, no, we're going to have everything. But as part of everything, there's going to be bad shit too. Cause that's the, that's the necessity. Well, imagine for everything. if we take the story of uh, Adam and Eve, um, you have, Adam and Eve only, and they are happy forever. Boring. <laughs> Again, yeah. it's like, really? So why? So um, it had to happen something to make them know that there is another way, that there are m- many more possibilities of, of creating new, new kids, new families, new, you know, um, just as an example, um, but um, what what happened? I don't know if it happens to you, but usually you grow in your life when you have a crisis, when something breaks, when yeah. when something falls apart, and you realize, oh, it was not that. It was because of that break, that that broken relations, that now I have the opportunity to live something different. Something transcendental. Mm-hmm. And maybe you are living, uh, this happy life now because you had many breaks before. Of course. Of course. So every crisis is an opportunity, they say in China, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, well, that's how the universe is. The crisis of the fallen angel was the one that allowed the universe to create mm-hmm. what we enjoy now. Um, there are many stories like this in the in in history, like horrible things that happen that made possible to something greater, like something amazing. Uh, and for, for example, um, if um, if Europe uh, wouldn't have um, uh, fight to each other for new lands, 
um, we wouldn't be here talking to each other. Mm-hmm. If there was not that competition between Spain and England, um, we wouldn't have all the Americas connected with just two languages. Yeah. And so and many some people, people will say that's good and some people will say that's bad. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I, I used to see the bright side of everything because, um, because, uh, I am here because of that. Yeah. I am here because in, in all the, all the things that happened were, were horrible, of course. But what we have now that no we are all much more connected in, in information, in technology, it was because of that stupid competition they had in Europe mm-hmm. a few thousand, a few hundred years ago. Um, so all these horrible things like the Second World War, uh, everyone is, oh, it, it was terrible. But that allowed the European Union. If it wouldn't be because of that, we wouldn't have the EU. It's part of the. It's part of this growth process. Exactly. It's like horror yeah. and death and destruction and then new creation and this mm-hmm. is just this is just the way. Israel yeah. wouldn't exist because of that. Yeah, and, I, <laughs> so, and so, but I, it all it all makes sense because you can look at the dark side of it and say, mm-hmm. yeah, fucking Satan's work, you know. And certainly, you could look at World War II and be like, yeah, there's mm-hmm. there's the devil yeah. in that work. And you can feel the evil of that. But yep. then you can also see like, well, then there's the result of the creation that's happened and, the, and these other things. It's all entangled. It's and it, it's very, all very, it's, it's, it's yeah. just, and we can look at it from one side or the other. We can look at it through polarity lens or we can look at it through like a, a higher purview, a divine perspective, <laughs> still recognizing that certain things are horrible in the, mm-hmm. in that present moment and certain things are not horrible, but it's just interesting to see, and, and it helps me to understand why the one that created the possibility for all of this was cast out and, and is is considered evil. But really, yeah. it was just it was a possibility creator. But within that possibility was the possibility of some the, really the thing, bad the shit. The thing is that um, you know, in Mesopotamia, Egypt, uh, Africa in general, in Asia with the dragons. Uh, Never in history the cultures really took the bad side or the dark side as against. For example, uh, in Egyptian mythology, you have the bad gods, the bad spirits that make chaos. But all the people give, build temples for them, uh, and, and give, uh, offers to them, like, uh, like the cultures from Africa, also they give offers to the demons. And you say, why? For the European way of thinking, is like weird. Not the European, the ancient European, but right. the Christian uh, um, culture. Because um, they know that day and, light, day and night, they are good for the universe. Mm-hmm. And that each one of them have good things to do. For example, when you go to Egypt, there's snakes everywhere, cobras, like the, the snake. And you say, if they are bad, bad for people, so why they, they take it as, as, in, as so sacred? Well, they took the bad things and made it into good things. For example, the cobra, the goddess of uh, cobra is the protector of the field, of the fields. 
is not the one that can kill the farmer. Mm. Is the one that protects the fields. Yeah, it's just a different perspective. It's the it's understanding the necessity of chaos and exactly. order. Yeah, you know, if you're on a ship, chaos of the storm is a bad thing because you don't want to drown you. Yeah. And your perspective. Exactly. But storms are important. You know, they move the, the tides. They move the, yeah, like, so exactly. it's just like, can you, can you get past your own perspective, which decides whether something is good or evil? Exactly. Yeah. And look at a different perspective and understanding that good and evil is both necessary and, for the whole game. And the thing that had these cultures was that whenever someone sees a, a good thing into something that is, uh, that is wrong, has the opportunity to solve a problem. Because when you have a problem and you have many minds in the table trying to solve a problem, the different points of view are the ones that makes better the solution. But what happened in Christianity, they followed only one God and only one God has the answer. There is no other answer possible for any problem. The only answer is Jesus. So when you have that, that the only answer is someone that lived 2,000 years ago and it's not related to today, what happened is that every answer possible will be like 2,000 years ago. Well, and it was also highly manipulated through all of those years for different purposes. Yes. So that's why that's why in that answer, um, they needed that change and other options to be called evil. Because if someone said mm -hmm. there is another option, that would be bad for the religion. Mm -hmm. So that's why they needed to take all the other options as something bad. And they created the image of the devil. And that, that was for me was awesome when I knew this, that the devil wasn't created until the Middle Ages. Did you know? Mm -hmm. the, the image of it? The, the, one the, with the image with the horns? The... Yes. Yeah. Because in Europe... The tradition was fertilization for the women. The women were the powerful. Uh, it was a matriarchal society. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the feminine were ruling everything. So the women used to do something that in Spain they call aquilare. It's, it's like a, like a, uh, how do you say, it? a group of witches. Mm -hmm. uh, so this a circle. Yeah. So. Coven. It was a circle of healing of, of, of women that they gathered to, to make the womb fertile, to make services to, to men, to like, like this. So they were, they would reunite in the stone circles and, and so on. And the image of that was the goat. Why? Because the goat gives the milk, gives the, um, sign of fertility. The, how do you say it? The wood, Skin. um, the world, the, uh, everything for life, the, the horn to call, the people, uh, meat to eat. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, everything was there. And, um, so it was a symbol of fertility. So they used to honor the goat, uh, in the, in those circles. And in Greece and in Middle East, they call the god of, of fertility, uh, Baphomet. Baphomet is the god of wisdom and fertility. Is the one that gives the possibility of creation and to question the reality so you can create new things. Uh, and that's the symbol of what we now call the demon, the devil. And it's incredible how Christianity in Europe start to call that the devil so people go, would, would go away from that tradition in Europe 
and follow the church. Mm-hmm. And that's why we believe that the demon has horns. <laughs> but, but it's not related with the, yeah. with the hell, basically. Um, if you go to hell, it's very similar to here. <laughs> yeah, it feels like this is, this is our opportunity for both heaven and hell, depending on our perspective, right? Like, yeah, so going through all the, the possibilities and realities, we usually get stuck in what we have been told as a family. In, in religion, we project that into the entire universe. But actually, when you look down into what holds the universe, it's just vibration in between mm-hmm. particles that decided to behave as particles. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm going to take a quick restroom break. And then let's try and wrap this whole thing up. Sure. After, thank you so much for getting us this far. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Well, that was a mind-blowing exploration of the universe. And <laughs> what I really want to dive into are some of the practical ways that we can access some of this information that comes from us expressed through these, this nine dimensional reality. And obviously I've mentioned, you know, one of the tools that I've used has been plant medicines. And in the break, I asked you if you'd had any experiences and you said that you got some pretty specific instructions that you needed to do some ayahuasca. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was doing a project in 2015, I guess. No, or 2014. And, um, I was so, um, on that project that was, very earthy <laughs> and mm. and it was not supposed to be that way uh, I, I had to be much more in my own things connected but I lost the connection because I was trying to control many things from this reality and I got lost everything was going wrong everything was so it's very much about financial and, and production and, yeah, and all so, of the different yeah. you know normal mundane things that yeah are, I wanted yeah. to do a documentary about some stuff and, and work for um uh, things related to education and society and so on. Mm-hmm. And my guides uh, from the fifth dimension used to say, it's not your time, it's not now, it's, uh, now you have to do another thing. And I said, no, but I want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, you will, but not now. And <laughs> so this discussion, uh, te- teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I... And, and there was one day that I was really, really lost and, and they said, look, the only way you can reconnect to, uh, to us in a better way is, uh, is using a tool from the world you are so attached to now, which is a plant. Yeah. And they mentioned ayahuasca and I said, no, no, no way, no way, <laughs> yeah. no way. I don't want to do that. I, 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 I was always, um, not against, but um, myself, I, I, I was afraid of losing control. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, because you had a lot going on in your mind already. Yeah, and I, I explained these things. I, I worked doing this kind of pedagogical trying explanations of, of the universe. But my real job is to be a portal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so whenever I go, I sometimes things happen that goes through me. And if I lose the control, uh, I don't know what is going through me. So I thought that with that things, 
I would lost the control and things would be uh, heavy for for the people around. Mm-hmm. And um, so I said, no, 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 I don't want, I don't want this. And so when I uh, I came back to, I was in the States and then I came back to Argentina and I said, it's no, never, I just have to say, I can't bear it any longer. There's never a podcast in history where someone would say, my real job is a portal and I wouldn't stop the whole podcast <laughs> immediately. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I just let that roll. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll take. I just gotta take a couple breaths. I'm gonna take a couple breaths here. Let it go. Okay, let it go. Carry on with your story, Mr. We'll let let that one pass for now. Yeah. That's why it's difficult to get a visa. (laughs) Occupation. Yeah. Portal. Yeah. Come on, bro. Yeah, I I have to do that. I have a story. Um, so the thing is that I, I went to Argentina uh, back home and I lost my path. I had no idea where to go. And and I was robbed uh, in Chile. I was crossing the border to Chile and and I got anything. And they said, this is it. And they said, this is it. Now you have to start again from zero. So they took me everything that I had, the the... The recordings that I did for the documentary, the, <laughs> everything. So I had nothing. I had no money, anything. So I said, let me ask no, a quick. Go. Let me ask a quick question because it seems like your guides are guiding you to this situation. It seemed like your guides had something to do with you getting robbed, even in the way that you're telling yeah, the story, did, right? They, they, they Which means it. that your guides are influencing, and I believe this. So I don't right. think that I'm because I feel like there's there's forces that are acting in coherence with other beings and other things like the reason, like how myself and Vailana, my wife met, there's a lot of things that had to happen. Yeah. Like we got a lot of help. When you pay attention to find the way. And, and so, so in this instance, you know, you're kind of confirming this inherent belief. Like this is, it's, it's just so implausible that these connections would have made this connection. And I would have met her at Burning Man at this time. And, and many, I can give countless examples of these strange occurrences but it seems like in this occurrence, there was even for a thief, you know, there was some subtle influence where they were like, oh, this guy, let's rob yeah, this guy. Th- this, they didn't yeah. understand that that was coming from an actually a benevolent force from you that was telling them yeah. to do something that they were going to do, which, well, you know, they probably got your stuff. Yeah, and and them. The, the people that is not guided by their own self, that they are lost in the, in the unconscious, which is not bad. It's not a bad thing to be unconscious, but the people that usually live in unconscious are really easier to to modify to mo- to modify to to, yeah. to say you go do that. It's like because uh, they have less choice. Yeah, less yeah. choices. Yeah. So when you become aware, it's more difficult. So that's why you see so many signals because they are trying to move all around because they not they cannot move you. Mm. So yeah, it's like you. They were trying to tell you to do something all the time, and you're like, no, no, I, I'm not. <laughs> yes, I, I, I always disagree. But the thief, they were like, go steal this stuff, and they're like, okay, we will steal this stuff. I will steal this stuff. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's as you Yeah. So, um, so um, I ended up there in Chile uh, making the ceremony, and I, and I was really worried. But when I had uh, the ayahuasca in my hands, I said, okay. I, I will, 
I talked to the plant and I said, I will let you get inside my very last cell. So one won't go against you anywhere. And when it went inside, suddenly uh, there was this voice of a old lady that said, there's two ways to do this. One from the, your belly down and the other one from your belly up. And it was like, ayahuasca tells me, we're going to do it both ways at the same <laughs> both time. Ways. Yeah. Now, I, I, we will mix it. But okay, you know, you yeah. got, you got to so choice. I said, so I up. said, mm, from the belly up, and I said, uh, and I said, and she says, okay. And suddenly I stopped feeling from my belly down. I, I had no feelings at all. Like if there was no legs, no genitals, no. Mm. Nothing, no intestines, nothing. And I start to go everywhere. And, and I've been like nine hours talking to different aspects of myself, going deeper and deeper and deeper until I got to the point where I, where I got like a seed of um, a crystal seed and it took me into a position of meditation that I stood there like for hours. It just looked like you were doing a mudra, what they would yeah. call a mudra. I took that and, and, and it was in that disposition like this, uh-huh. like a mudra. And, and I, I was there like for hours and asking questions and, and sometimes the answers came before I finished my question. Yeah. And, and for me it was very, I, and it was incredible because my friends were puking around and I only could see the colors of the sounds. Like, mm, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had never a bad experience in the ayahuasca. Ne- yeah. I had never, you never, nothing. Like, nobody. Mm. And, and what happened to me was like a reconnection with myself entirely. Um, like, uh, this is what you are supposed to do to be, and but it was myself telling telling that. Yeah. And um, they showed me what was the next step. The, the the inside showed me what was the next step, where I was supposed to be, that do that, expect or whatever. So it was like perfect. And I just woke up like like if nothing happened, and I said, okay, let's go. So I went to all the places that. I felt, did everything that I have to do. And one year after that, or two years after that, I did ayahuasca ceremony again in Peru, in Cusco. And, um, and when I started, when I drank and just closed my eyes, I suddenly saw the same spot of the time before and a voice saying, okay, let's start from the very beginning again. <laughs> like, like, like it started from where it ended in the in the previous one. Wow! So it didn't make me time. It didn't give me the time to to prepare for a new kind of experience or something. No, it was like, okay, let's start from where we stopped before. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so it was incredible, uh, amazing. Wow. So um, I was really afraid of, of that, but I guess that I was afraid because of losing control more than what would happen. I think most people are afraid of losing control. Yes, that's yes, the fear, right? Yeah, of course. And 
losing control uh, of myself and uh, I don't know. And uh, but for me it was completely the, the best thing uh, that yeah. that I ever that I ever did. Of course, I wouldn't recommend to do this as the first step to give <laughs> when you are trying to to start a path of awakening mm-hmm. because I guess that you have to be in touch with what is the spirit of the plant what is the what's your intention what is the intention it's not like mm-hmm. go to Disneyland uh, yeah. is 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 a is a hard work with a spirit that have been awakening people for thousands of years and the information that the plant has is is for that so i felt once uh, one of my friends had smoked marijuana before uh, the ayahuasca ceremony and the plant basically took took him from the neck and said don't you ever do this with me again like <laughs> like and make him puke a lot and 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 said like don't 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 bring this child to this to this temple you know like <laughs> it was like wow <laughs> so so i would work before yeah, <laughs> on, sure. on, on prepare um and i always say that um the best preparation for everyone um in order to become a process with anything in your life to change your life into a, a much more aware um consciousness or something um i i always say that there are only three things from which we can start and then you can do whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and the three things I, I used to say that there's one for the body, another for the soul and the other one for, for the spirit. The first one, which is for the body is to change the way you eat. Um, is the most easy and difficult thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not about changing the way you eat according to be more spiritual. It's not that. It's about acknowledging what your body is really asking for. Mm. And sometimes the body asks for meat. It's yeah, not like intuitive eating. Yeah. Like really listening to your body. Exactly. So it's it's not uh it's not that being much more aware or spiritual you have to be vegetarian or vegan. Uh this is a completely different thing. When we talk about the consciousness of the universe, uh it doesn't really matter. What really matters is to do what your body is asking for. Mm-hmm. And if you're working for your awakening and, and awareness, your body will stop asking for meat and will start to ask for fruits, plants, seeds. Why? Because to become aware, you need light. Yeah. And the best beings that can manifest light into matter are the plants. Uh-huh. So that's why, <laughs> basically. You know, it's funny. The f- one of the first times I did ayahuasca, he gave me very specific dietary instructions <laughs> that I didn't listen to. No. And, and it said, eat foods that are filled with light. Oh. Like, eat foods that are filled with light. And it told me that super clearly and showed me all the foods. It was plants and fruits and, yeah. and actually even some... You know, like the densest, the densest foods, like the cheeses and things that had to be like mm-hmm. in a cave, like cave age Gruyere, uh-huh. it's delicious. Mm-hmm. But like, there's no light in that yeah. anymore, you know, or like dense meats and, yeah. and like the heavy, the heavy aspect. 
And I was like, yeah, cool. And yeah. never did it. <laughs> I mean, I eat those things like I, but I, yeah. you know, but I also have the intention of building a lot of muscle and being a, you know, a, an athlete and all of these different things. And so my body for that purpose will ask for other things, but I do, yeah. I do listen, but ayahuasca in the, when I was intending to become more aware, gave me a very specific diet and the diet was like, it's a diet of light. Yeah. Like eat, diet of light. Eat yeah. light. Mm-hmm. You know, eat things that have been really touched by light. Yeah. And uh, animals are also light, but distorted in uh, with emotions, with their own history, with their own biology, mm-hmm. uh, their own uh, point of view <laughs> also. Um, and plants doesn't have that. Plants simply are, and they just breathe light. So if you are trying to make more clear your memory to awaken and enlighten your DNA, so you need things that... Uh, manifest light. Right. That. So, um, so that. Okay, we didn't quite finish, but we will finish the finale after we do what we're going to do now. We're going to take a break. I am so thankful uh, to our brother here, um, Matthias de Stefano. And um, we will take this break, and then we'll take a look at the stars with our brother Richard and Kay Pacha and Tanya Gabrielle. In the meantime, take a break, whatever is necessary. We'll see you very, very soon. So much love. Happy New Year, everyone. What a wonderful, what a wonderful uh, gift we have here. Thank you, everyone, for the listening ears. Satnam for a moment now. See you soon. That's the talking stick to you, Richard. Why are you getting your booster shot? <laughs> okay, then. Happy New Year. It's hey. January 1st, 2022, yeah. and it's uh, 9.02 p.m., and we got an interesting chart, very powerful chart tonight, because Mercury is still in Capricorn for a few more hours, which puts five planets in Capricorn. Moon is at two Capricorn, the sun's at 12 tonight. Venus at 23 and Pluto at uh, 26 and Mercury at 29, 30, 30, 30. And all of those guys, well, the sun and the moon are trying Uranus. And Uranus is trying Saturn. And Saturn is sextile Mars at 13 Sag, which is... Oh, getting ready to square Neptune, which is still at 21 Pisces. And what else we got going on here? Oh, that uh, Venus conjunct Pluto is sextile Neptune. And the whole thing is squeezed into about 140... Seven degrees of arc. 
those. This time of day on the East Coast, Uranus is overhead. Jupiter is getting ready to set in the West with uh, Neptune and, uh, and Chiron in the, in the South, in the Southwest. Everything else is in the evening quarter. So you got, you got, uh, Saturn, Saturn at, uh, 13. Aquarius, and that pretty much covers everything. Uh, Chiron is still at nine Aries. So that's the setup. Tomorrow is the full the new moon, and the new moon chart is just about like tonight's chart, except the moon has moved up to be conjunct sun. And that's going to happen at 1.30 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. Is the exact, uh, exact new moon. And that will put, uh, that will put everything overhead. So the, so this, this new moon is going to happen. All the planets are going to be in the overhead sky. Except for Uranus, which will be rising shortly after 1.30. So, uh, give it, let's see, uh, Uranus, uh, let's see, okay, ascendant 8 Taurus. Yeah. Uranus just below the horizon, rising in the east tomorrow. So by 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, all the planets are going to be overhead and doing their full influence thing on the daylight part of the earth. And very, very, very double double conjunctions. Venus Pluto, Sun Moon in the uh in the ninth house and on the on at my location. So um I expect to feel good because my moon is in Capricorn. All right, let's go listen to Kai Pacha and see what he was thinking back on Wednesday. And I'll talk to you in a bit. All right, here we go. It's Kai Pacha with the Weekly Pele Report. <laughs> Walking in a winter wonderland. Yeah. Oh, poor Dios. <laughs> this ain't no Costa Rica, baby. No. Oh, man. Anyway, I didn't think it was raining, but uh, it snowed last night, and then now, now it's kind of turned into rain. This was going to be a lot lighter. Anyway, it's uh, Wednesday. That's Paleo Report Day is Wednesday, December 29th, the last Paleo Report of the great year of 2021 in preparation for the great year of 2022. 
Oh, that's right. I was going to come up with the uh, acronym for uh, 2022. I'm going to need to do that. Maybe it'll be down in the notes below or in uh, this week's newsletter or something. But look at there is a creek there. But you can hardly... Oh, there it is. I haven't been down here before, so I don't know what is going on. But uh, The moon is in Scorpio, so I am uh, going to find out, dig down deep into the mysteries, share the mysteries with you today. She is definitely waning... In, uh, the last quarter, going down, 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 getting approach, approaching the sun closer and closer by the day until we have the new moon in Capricorn, 12 degrees, 20 minutes on Sunday. So she's in Scorpio. She's going to go into Sagittarius on Thursday, enter Capricorn on Saturday, crash into that sun. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you hear the Sabian symbol for the new moon. Yeah. Hallelujah. The other big thing I want to talk about today is Jupiter in square to the moon's nodes. So that does not happen very often. Okay, you know, that's like every six years or so that we have a Jupiter square the nodes. Um, very, very powerful. Just went into Pisces. You know, the nodes are in Gemini, Sagittarius. And it's a Planet squaring the nodes is always very important. I'm going to read you the saving symbol for that, which is another killer. Wow. <laughs> I fall in love with these saving symbols more and more the more I use them. Anyway, um, in addition to all these different things, Mercury is cruising along. Okay, you know, conjoins with Venus like right now as we speak. And, and then comes and hits uh, Pluto tomorrow and goes into Aquarius on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, shoot, a little bit of a shift, change in energy on Saturday with that uh, Mercury changing signs. And in addition to that, the sun is moving along, you know, uh, uh, just prior to 12 degrees. It's going to square Chiron today. The wounded warrior over there in, uh, in Aries. Yeah, Capricorn to Aries. And... What? Last but not least, just kind of, you know, as that moon cruises along. Oh, yeah. The interesting thing now is with with uh, Chiron and Uranus, they are traveling along at just about the same speed through just about the same degrees. So whenever something squares Chiron, you know, it's going to come into a trine with Uranus. Unless it's on the other side, it'll square Uranus and trine Chiron. But there is this 30-degree... Uh, you know, aspect happening here, uh, semi-sextile between uh, uh, Uranus and Chiron, which is very interesting that they're always getting triggered at the same time in different ways. Boy, this is such an interesting landscape. It's very gnarly, isn't it? I mean, look at this. Look at this gnarly. Those are those are dead blackberries up there. Didn't quite make it before the freeze. Well, anyway, I don't know where I'm going to do this report, but I'll find someplace. I don't think I'm going to be sitting down. <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, well, 
just give you a little bit of a short Pele report uh, uh, out here in the weather. It's a little rainy. I, I hope the sound is good enough. But let's talk a little bit about, well, first of all, you know, the sea goat. Interesting to have half dolphin, half mountain goat. You know, the whole symbol of this uh, sea goat is coming from the depths. The symbolism is the depths of the oceans and waters of feelings. You could even think of cancer as the opposite of Capricorn. Is this water sign, you know, emerging out of this emotion of subjective, intuitive, innocence, and childhood up to the tops of the mountain for the objective... Elder wisdom view over the whole valley, over the whole mountainside. So there is this, you know, emerging, you know, and that tail, interesting, the tail of the dolphin, like propelling, right, you know, the goat up the mountain. And uh, it's, a, it's a very powerful uh, symbol of maturity and of time. And space, which is, of course, Saturn, Kronos, the ruler of Capricorn. And, you know, this really brings in not only authority, external authority, parents, governments, churches, institutions, employers, uh, you know, anyone who is an authority in your life, teachers, could be a movie star, whoever you look up to. Uh, you know, becomes, you know, an authority for you. But ultimately, it does have to do with the ultimate authority. And the ultimate authority is an, an intelligence, right, that is uh, above, outside, beyond, higher up the mountain, <laughs> and with a greater view than our own personal perspective, personal point of view, ego point of view. So this is where, you know, we really come into society, the social order, and the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few, and uh, hopefully those in positions of authority follow natural laws discovered in Sagittarius, implement these natural laws for the well-being and expansion of the entire society and of all the individuals within it. And sometimes that can happen and sometimes that can't. Uh, now Pluto, we know, has been going through there. It's got a couple more years transforming our understanding and our view of authority, authoritarianism, totalitarianism. We're getting a big taste of patriarchal domination, and I think we're in what we call the balsamic phase, which is the closing phase that the moon does every, right? These are the, just the phasal relationships of, you know, two planetary bodies to each other. It's called the phasal relationship, but also just whenever you come to the end, it's like, you know, bedtime. We're putting to sleep, you know, we're, we're, we're closing the age of Pisces. And, and, and so this age of Pisces, which has so much to do with Neptune, the 12th house Pisces, is the collective unconscious. 
I've talked about with Tico and this collective remote mind, okay, that, you know, we all kind of share that is unconscious, but still within, and this is where psychosis and neurosis and fashion and movies and, you know, so many things emerge out of this collective unconscious into this age of Aquarius, the age of collective consciousness, right? So here we have, right now, Jupiter, zero degrees of Pisces, right on that edge between Aquarius and Pisces. This is like, you know, right where, <laughs> you know, the, the zero point of the sign Aries, the spring equinox, is now kind of moving, pointing right towards this cusp of Aquarius and Pisces. And of course, we know Saturn is in Aquarius, co-ruler of Aquarius. Jupiter is in Pisces now, the co-ruler of Pisces for the next four months. But right now, this week, and I'm going to say, you know, Happy New Year. If we do a chart, you know, a birth chart for the year of 2022, it will have Jupiter squaring the moon's nodes. And, you know, Jeffrey Green in Evolutionary Astrology calls these planets skipped steps. I like to call them detours, <laughs> missing pieces to the puzzle, something that really needs to be done before you can let go of the past and move fully into the future. Mm -hmm. South node, north node. Mm -hmm. And so I want to read to you this Sabian symbol. And, you know, it's, uh, it is a little challenging, but let's, let, let's, uh, I'm gonna develop it further, but we really wanna understand that this, you know, it's necessary for us all now, you know, to do Jupiter. And Jupiter in Pisces is expand our spiritual awareness. Open the crown chakra. Call in spiritual forces, soul forces, non-mental, non-intellectual, non-physical, non-emotional. We're talking the refined, subtle, divine energies. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a disturbing uh, uh, symbol. I find it so amazing for what is, you know, what I've already seen coming in 2022, but... The symbol is a squirrel hiding from hunters. The individual's need both to ensure his future substance and to protect himself from aggressive social elements. The squirrel not only has to hide and store food for the winter, but to be on the lookout for the dangers involved in gathering this food supply. Social processes always cast strong shadows. The individual is never certain of being safe among his fellow men. Once the process of individualization with its negative aspects, competition, social aggressivity, and greed forces the breakdown of the organic tribal state of mankind during the archaic ages. 
I mean, uh, yeah, it's it warns of the dangers of life in society during an era of exacerbated individualism when violence is a possibility never to be dismissed. The need for self-protection and caution is ever-present. This is probably one of the more alarming or disturbing Sabian symbols that I've ever uh, encountered. Usually, Dane gives a really, you know, upbeat, positive uh, interpretation, and, and most of the symbols themselves are very, uh, you know, eye-opening, third eye-opening, heart-opening. So this does give us, you know, this this idea, and I just think of the squirrel gathering nuts. It is time, and you know, Jupiter, Pisces, twelfth house. The twelfth house is the house of isolation, seclusion. Ruling ashrams, convents, monasteries, hospitals, prisons. It's meditation, mysticism. You know, where we, you know, where we tune in. We come inward. And, 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 and necessarily, you know, they build these ashrams on mountaintops. <laughs> A lot of times, you know, they're, you know, they're in. You know, these, uh, the Sacred Valley, I'm going down to the Kundalini Yoga Retreat in the Sacred Valley. It's in, it's in the mountains, right, of Peru. And that's where Machu Picchu, and, you know, you think of, you know, uh, so many of these temples and everything. Tiger's Nest over there in Bhutan, you know, built right into the side of a cliff, right? They have these, so, but there is this kind of withdrawal in some ways from the lower elevation, you know, like, you know, the cities are built in the valleys or on the shores by the ocean at the lower elevations. And there's, you know, there's more concentrations of people and psychic energy and all this. So, you know, I, I would say that, you know, this year is a time where it's important for each and every one of us to, you know, to be that dolphin and propel ourselves to the mountain goat top of the mountain. And, 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 and to really kind of leave behind lower frequency, lower elevation, lower, uh, you know, dynamics and ascend into this higher stage of awakened awareness. It's really, uh, it's really, uh, beautiful that the day after New Year's, January 2nd, we have a new moon. I mean, that does say that the, the, the chart for the 2022 is a balsamic moon, a closing, you know, so it's, it's like 2022 is really kind of a gateway. The way I see it, it's a lot of letting go, mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, releasing the past. Mm-hmm. And as much of the past as does not want to be released oh. or does not want to go. <laughs> and, and does not want to allow. Just thinking about this, there's this so many images of the maiden giving birth with a dragon or King Herod or some dark energy that wants to snatch away the baby. You know, this is. Uh, 
Well, speaking of getting to the mountaintop, I need to get to the mountaintop myself, man. I just got busted. <laughs> oh, you did. You can see the creek runs right next to this road. So I was like down at the creek and this lady, you know, comes along and says, this is private property. Get your bleep bleep out of here. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, okay, I mean, sorry. I was like two meters away from the road. Anyway, <clears throat> aggressive, uh, you know, private property and private possessions and separation. And this is all part of Kronos third dimensional Saturn boundaries and limits. And uh, yeah, I guess if I was on her property, right, you know, it's uh, this is, yeah, it's all this, this intermingling of we are all one and we are all separate. And, uh, you know, we are all connected and we are all individual. And so this whole age of Aquarius is this unity in diversity. And uh, I think we are finding uh, these days just how diverse opinions are, people are, cultures are, fears are. Uh, and then we're also seeing some things that, you know, that we have in common. And you know, and, and and so many people. So we're we're birthing. You know, we're birthing this age, and there is there, there's this dragon wanting to you know snatch that new age. So you know, we really need to kind of uh, step into and stand up to. Not only Jupiter is squaring the moon's nodes, but Saturn will be coming up to square the moon's nodes. I did a whole video on that for uh, the New Paradigm School of Astrology. If you want to check that out uh, through taking it through the houses uh, all year 2022 Saturn squaring the moon's nodes um, big necessity for holding uh, healthy boundaries and of course that is also your immune system is a boundary that uh, you know we really all want to be taking our uh, vitamin D vitamin C coercidin and zinc I'm taking a little nap along with that. Um, yes, anyway, yes, yes. To get on with, uh, you know, you know, this astrology is also. I have to read you, to you the new moon, January second, Sunday. You know, this new moon comes around, and it's gonna, you know, it's gonna bring in a new vibe, a new energy, and I'm, I, this is, this is beautiful. A fire worshiper meditates on the ultimate realities of existence. The subjective quest for ultimates beyond the interplay of life and death processes. Beyond cultural enjoyment and the passion for accumulation of often unusable data of sense knowledge stands the willful and determined in quotes adventure of consciousness <laughs> of the occultist the yogi the mystic the mystery of fire has always captured man's imagination because it is the mystery of all transformations wrapped in the enigma of death. 
in times when collective, perhaps total death could be in store for mankind, the process of subjective meditation is fascinating an ever greater number of people. It brings us to a stage beyond life itself. Are we ready to take this step which the masters of yoga claim to have taken? To experience death and return to the same body? Are we ready to demonstrate our will to transcendence? So that sets the tone. This, this is the, this is the moon joining together. So there's a direct alignment, right? You know, the moon coming right in between, you know, earth, moon, sun, right? Right into an alignment. And it sets the tone for this whole lunar cycle, for this whole next month. So it is a, it's a very powerful time signature, you know? That with this Jupiter in Pisces, this new moon calling each and every one of us to not get so tangled up in the dramas. There's so many things beyond our personal control. Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces are the three final archetypes, the three final signs, least personal, least controllable, social and spiritual forces, and a lot of it is going to play itself out. So we need to know where to stand, when to stand, how to stand, what to stand for, and this is where astrology comes in, and this is where our spiritual practice comes in, and this is where opening the crown chakra and opening the heart, these all come in to guide us as instruments, as swords of the new age, you know, protecting the birth of the baby from the dragon, <laughs> whatever, you know. So that is the mantra for today. The sun, the moon, and the stars tell me that there is a plan for me and you and what to do and when to take a stand. There will be times to have boundaries, to make the stand for our families, for our children, for our future generations. And, you know, the stars are telling us, right? You know, the, 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 the whole universe, the whole oneness, the law of one, is acting through each one of us. So tune in to your own rhythm and your own individual expression and your own personal, you know, limits. Find those limits. Hold those limits. Hold those boundaries. Not so much in an aggressive way, but definitely in an assertive way. Yeah? That's the, and then watch out for the hunters. <laughs> We're all little squirrels watching out for hunters these days. Oh my God. <laughs> Ow! 
man, oh man, you got to dodge those bullets, man. <laughs> anyway, one more time. The sun, the moon, and the stars tell me there is a plan for me and you and what to do and when to take a stand. Stand tall, stand strong, stand firm, namaste, aloha, so much love. Richard, we can't hear you. Are you talking and thinking we can hear you? Boss is das. Um, uh, Richard Dust. is there. Richard is there. I just don't know where he's at. Well, maybe he had to to do something. So I guess what we will do is we will proceed. And uh, I just dropped him, and we'll try to bring him back. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll wait. Thank you, Commander. We will wait. Um. Yeah, I was going to say the Wicca people they celebrate. New Year's on winter solstice. Yes. As the sun starts to become more light by one minute every day. <laughs> so in that that uh, tradition, this is the 13th day of Christmas already. Yes. Yes. It's the 13th. That's pretty interesting. Well. There you are. Okay. Pass the talk, Stu. All, right. All right. I don't know what's going on. You know, it's Verizon. I'm, I'm, uh, and it's and it's raining, and it's been raining. It's been a, a cloudy all week. It's rained every day the last four days. Uh, very boring and warm, 65 degrees. Oh, uh, my gosh. In the afternoon, it's 65 degrees. But that's all going to change tomorrow night when the northern wind comes in here and it's going to stop us 30 degrees. So we'll be back into normal. But anyway, uh, I will talk to you after Tanya. Okay. Okay. That's uh, my intuition was right. All right. Let's do Tanya. Here we go. This is Tanya Gabrielle, World Astrologist, and this is the forecast where we look at the astrology and numerology of an upcoming major event. In this case, the Capricorn New Moon, the first lunation 
of 2022. And if you're watching this around the early January days, the first or second, Happy New Year. If you're watching this closer to Christmas, Merry Christmas. It's just one of those periods where there's just so much going on. And fortunately, this Capricorn new moon brings a lot of blessings. There's an incredible code to accompany it. It's happening on the 2nd of January, 2022. That means there are four twos in the code. And four is about integration, manifestation. And Capricorn is also very much because it's ruled by Saturn about manifestation as well. So there's a really wonderful opportunity to focus on the frequencies that you want to manifest and not just for the year, but right now. So let's look more closely. The Capricorn new moon happens at 6.33 p.m. Universal Time in London, and that's 1.33 p.m. Eastern Time New York and 10.33 a.m. in L.A. Pacific Time. And, of course, you don't need to be a Capricorn to benefit from this forecast. You have Capricorn somewhere in your chart. So this new moon, sun and moon together at 12 degrees Capricorn is happening somewhere in one of your 12 houses and may even be impacting one of your natal planets. Now, any new moon signifies a fresh start. And of course, since it's coming so early on in the new year, when we celebrate new beginnings, the fresh start energy is magnified. So Capricorn is very reliable and it is focused on tremendous dedication to something. So this new moon represents a birth of you dedicating yourself to something very, very meaningful. And so let's look at the degree number, 12 degrees. Now we've had two new moons. The last two moons of 2021 were also at 12 degrees. And we have several consecutive new moons in 2022 that continue the 12 degree message. And so we want to look at that number. 12 is the number of the student, the number of growth, learning. And so it allows you to focus on the fact that every moment is an opportunity for self-growth. Now, the flip side, the shadow side of 12 is to feel either like a victim or a perpetrator, a victimizer. And so we are moving away from this idea that things happen to us and rather are claiming our divinity because we are all divine. We're divine beings of light. And so this new moon is a birth of that understanding, a reminder that we are all capable of rising above that victimization mindset right? Where we don't have a choice. We have to comply. We have to do this. No, we actually do have incredible powers and incredible means internally that can create the life that we always have dreamed about. And this year, 2022, is going to ask you to tune in because the two itself, that number is the number of your relationships. And it's not just relationships to others, which of course will play a big role, but it is your relationship to source. So it is your ability to listen. It is your ability to be aligned with the divine. 
So all of that will be in the forefront. And the other thing is because 2022 adds up to six, two plus zero plus two plus two equals six, six is the number of love and nurturing and abundance. So there's a lot of beautiful energy this year. So the 12 degrees is coming in and saying, okay, you're an eternal student. You're here to always learn something new. You're always growing. You're never static, right? That would be really boring to think that, you know, we know everything and there's nothing else to discover. So we are, we're riding that wave. And then the other thing is, is the new moon is trying to Uranus and Uranus actually precipitates the learning because Uranus always wants to discover something new. Uranus is the adventurer and Uranus really loves to set free through new discoveries. Now, the awesome thing is January 1st, the day before this new moon, the sun is exactly trying to Uranus. So the first of the year is a sign of how the year unfolds. And in this case, it's going to unfold in many surprising ways, meaning there's going to be more options, more fluidity, more ways to feel like you have openings here and and ways to move in this direction, far more than last year. So it this trine to the sun, which represents our inner light, represents that liberation, that sense of greater awareness. And it's so beautiful because you, you are being freed from confinement in a sense. And you're opening up with this new moon and with the sun and moon trine Uranus to fresh new energy right at the beginning of 2022. So that means you're also open to the unusual or to the, what you would consider formally odd, weird, strange, right? These are, these are heart centered breakthroughs that take you beyond the old paradigm. So it may feel strange, odd, weird, just because it's not familiar. And so everything on this discovery is going to elevate you and move you out of the fear programming, which is aligned with the shadow side of the number 12. And instead align you with your heart center, where when you're centered in your heart, there actually is no fear because you actually have the direct line to the divine. You feel exactly in tune with who you truly are, a divine being of light. So Uranus trying this new moon enhances these positive, exciting discoveries, very stimulating situations, stimulating relationships and encounters with others. So since Uranus governs the higher mind, the inspirational mind, your awareness to something greater, right? And also that you have a greater journey is very powerful as well. So you'll notice increased intuition and your ability to trust that intuition will be enhanced as well. And that brings wonderful downloads and flashes of insights and a lot more self-confidence as a result. So you're owning who you are as an individual and as a a participant in this collective awakening that we are in. So the personal freedom message is absolutely huge. To start the year this way means that freedom is one of the key frequencies in 2022. 
Now, in my ultimate yearly forecast, which I hosted in December, which you can watch the replay for on my website, tanyagabrielle.com, I revealed that we are actually entering the year of resonance. And that's because resonance is aligned to discovering that everything or all we need to do is resonate to the frequency of our choice as opposed to imposing the ego and asking for certain results to go the way we want to because we don't know what's for our highest good. The ego doesn't. The ego thinks it does, right? But really all we need to do is to resonate to the frequency that we want to resonate to. So that's why being very keenly aware of numbers as they show up or any synchronicities in your life, they activate that intuitive heart-centered part of you and allow you to make very easy changes because when you surrender to the fact that the universe will supply what you need as long as you resonate with it first, everything flows. And so this is exciting that the planet of change and innovation and also the planet, and I'm talking about Uranus now, the planet that rules Aquarius and the new age that we're entering is so prevalent right as we begin the new year. Now, this new moon also creates a wide conjunction to Venus. It's about 10 degrees apart. And Venus is in retrograde and conjunct Pluto for several weeks. And that signifies a very deep transformation regarding really anything like things that we haven't seen coming to the surface with Pluto uh, affecting us very personally. Venus is a personal planet. And also everything regarding love, intimate relationships, what we value, like which beliefs we choose to align with. And all of that is being purged because Pluto empowers through us letting go in every moment. So there's a very big intensity as well, very personal one regarding our relationships and our relationship to abundance as well, because Venus governs pleasure and abundance. Now, the last transit I want to mention doesn't involve the new moon. It involves two other planets. Mars is sextile to Saturn. Saturn rules Capricorn, so this is an important one. And Saturn and Mars, when they get together in this harmonious way, there is a strong surge of energy. And the energy is, the Mars energy is being used to remind you of your responsibilities. And it gives you tremendous powers of concentration and perseverance. So this transit is helping you step out of the victim mode and into I am a living example of the life that I wish to see around me. So you're taking your life seriously. You're taking your divine mission seriously because Saturn represents the career side of things. And if you're dating, it's a great time to commit. You have tremendous patience and discipline and dedication with this transit. And that is also beginning our year because it's part of this Capricorn new moon on January 2nd. So if we apply this in terms of governments and institutions, it's important for all of us to stand for what it is that we want to see in the world. This is another interpretation of Capricorn and 
getting on the other side of the number 12 degrees, not the victim shadow side. So it's not a time to abdicate our power. It's time to stand for something. But that doesn't mean we fight. It doesn't mean we take sides. And this is where we move now from the old paradigm into the new one, where there is no, like, you know, I'm on this side, you're on that side, I'm right, you're wrong. It's not to fight against something. It's just to stand for something that you want to create and focus on creating that, right? So you want to start living the energy you want to see. If you start fighting the energy that you don't like, you've actually joined that energy. You're not rising above it whatsoever. You need to live in the energy that you want to see as if it was your reality already. And that's how the energy will come to be. So it's really, really important and the message of this Capricorn New Moon, really the main message is for you to start listening to the key themes in your life that are high vibrational that you want to partake in, those frequencies, and be a living example of those. And also not to judge people, not to go down vibrationally and judge people. Know that everybody's doing the best they can based on the programs that they're currently running. So they are choosing to have certain experiences and we can't judge those experiences. It's it's not for us to be the judge of others, right? So saying that somebody's wrong or not doing the right thing or they're on the wrong side is really partaking again in that old paradigm where it's one side versus the other. So it keeps you in that loop, and, and in order to step out of the loop, you need to choose a frequency and just keep staying on that frequency throughout the day. You know, check in. Am I in fear programming? Is fear uh, deciding how I respond or do something? Or am I feeling the frequency of joy, for example? So this is the time to rise above it, and Capricorn takes responsibility for that. It creates a different kind of reality and, and the reality that you want to create, hopefully, is very high vibrational and then that creates the process of ascension because you're transcending the old paradigm now of judgment. And as we move into February, when we have that major Pluto return for the U.S., that is really going to be a culmination between mid and February until the equinox in March there's going to be uh, really a culmination effect of this energy. And so we want to be very aware of when our programming shows up and that it shows up in our mind and that when we connect to our heart, we connect to the divine, to the multidimensional that Uranus also represents, that Aquarius represents, the true divine part of who we really are. It is not limited. There is no limitation there. The heart understands that abundance is infinite. So when you're standing in that place of tremendous courage, you're standing in your heart-centered space. There are no fear programs there, and there is no judgment there. So if you want to be happy, then feel happy right now. If you want to feel abundant, then go and feel abundant. That's really how easy it is. It's not that difficult. We make it difficult because we are in that old paradigm of fear. Like, 
I'm not going to be able to do it. Or there's old programming that's telling you you can't, but you can. And that's what we're transcending now. So moving back into that heart-centered space is going to be really imperative as you as you have the courage to step into the unknown, which Uranus represents. And the next lunation in January on the 17th will be the Cancer full moon, which is very heart-centered because the moon, our feelings, is the ruler of Cancer. So we're really being asked to move in that direction, like full-time now. So keep coming back to the frequencies that you would like to see reflected in your life and keep coming back to the frequencies that you'd like to see reflected in the world around you. And that way you can be that beacon of light in the chaos, right? In the darkness. And that's truly what this first new moon in Capricorn is sharing with you is to choose freedom and liberation from fear, stand in your light and be the messenger of light and love. Be the messenger of joy and compassion and gratitude. All those lovely frequencies that we have at our disposal at any time. So tune into those things that lift you up, that make you smile Have a way to access those when you're feeling down or feeling overwhelmed, which, of course, happens, right? So we have these resources that can easily take us out of those emotional moods or mental, you know, uh, frustrations. And they're, they're there. We just have to have a plan, like have to have known, and Capricorn helps with planning, right? Know where you need to turn when you're feeling a little low. Have something that you can turn to that immediately will put a smile on your face and just relax your heart, right? And take you out of the mind, because the mind is where the fear programs are. And those fear programs, with Uranus starting off the year, are being addressed now. Mm -hmm. So if you move into decision-making processes that are based on fear, or connections to others emotionally that are that are that are coming from a sense of I'm afraid if this person doesn't do this, right? So there's there's many different ways we activate fear, then we will be really confronted now because we're meant to release that. We're meant to be liberated from that. So have your way of accessing joy and put a smile to your face because Laughing and, and smiling is an instant way to move out of fear because it moves you directly into your heart. There's nothing to think about. It's just a feeling of joy. So move into that place and remember you are a beacon of light. And we're all coming together now and lighting up the world with that joy, that love, that compassion. So have an amazing new moon in Capricorn And remember your own star code blueprint. It is amazing. It shows you the light being that you are, your gifts, your destiny, your life purpose. And you can discover yours in a free masterclass at starcodeclass.com. So enjoy that and enjoy how it helps you understand the people in your life as well. All you need is your birthday. And if you want to do the astrology part, you'll need your birth time and birthplace. So enjoy that class at starcodeclass.com and have a wonderful 
Capricorn, new moon on January 2nd. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye for now. Happy New Year. That's a talking stick. Back to you, Richard. Hello. <laughs> okay, yeah. Rama had a little frog in his throat, but he's passing the talking stick back to you, Richard. Well, that's all right. All right. Pick one of these. Russia, China, India, or the European Union. Just pick one. Russia. All right. Because I have all four of those charts. For the Russian chart, we're, I'm using 12-12-1992, uh, Moscow, and noon. That chart has Neptune conjunct Uranus and Capricorn, Sun and Sagittarius conjunct Mars, and Venus, Mercury, and the Moon also in Sagittarius. And Pluto in the end of Scorpio. So, for Russia, we have currently Pluto conjunct Venus is sitting on Russia's Neptune conjunct Uranus. My. All right, and it's got, <clears throat> Russia's got Saturn in Aquarius, and Jupiter in Scorpio. It's a very lopsided chart. Very, very, very lopsided. All right, now. China. The date I'm using for China is, uh, 1949. Now, uh, most of this chart is in Cancer, Leo, Virgo, and Libra. It's got uh, some Mercury conjunct in Libra. Mercury conjunct Neptune type. One one half to depart, and it's got Jupiter at twenty three Capricorn, and Moon at three Aquarius, Venus and Scorpio, Pluto conjunct Mars in Leo. Back in nineteen forty nine, when modern China had come around. Our next chart, India. India is India's interesting because all of India's planets are between Gemini and Scorpio. Mm-hmm. So all of the current planets are opposite India's planets. It's got... Uh, uh, this is interesting because uh, this is a moon chart. 
sun, uh, new moon in Champs chart for India. Uh, Saturn conjunct Pluto in Leo. And Venus conjunct Mercury in Cancer along with that, with that sun. And all of those guys, Venus, Mercury, Sun and Moon, uh, Trine, Jupiter in Scorpio. This is for India. And Neptune in Libra. So we're in Mars, Mars on that one end in Gemini, with Uranus Gemini. And that's all the time we've got for now, except we'll say real quick here, United, uh, European Union has got, uh, Uranus, Venus, Neptune, and Mars all in Capricorn. Wow. Saturn, Mercury, and Sun in the Corpus. With a Virgo, Jupiter. So, there's, there's an idea. Uh, European Union heavily hit, uh, India hit by oppositions, China, uh, hit by, uh, mostly oppositions, mm -hmm. and good old Russia there, uh, which has all got most everything in, uh, Sagittarius, except for that very curious Uranus conjunction. Yes. Um, yeah. Thank you, so, Richard, uh, so much. I, I think these, these charts are very interesting. So I will talk to you all next week. Yes, on this 13th day of the new year. Until then, we'll see you again, Commander. Yeah. All right. Namaste. I think we're going into the year of the tiger coming up here not too far down the road too in the What's Chinese. Be? I think the tiger, if I'm not mistaken. We're going All right. into, Yeah. Okay. All right, everybody. So it's time to get the phone number from our brother Ra Rama here for our conference call. Uh seven two zero. Seven one six seven three zero one, and the pin code is three five three eight six three pound. Okay, and we'll we'll see everybody there for this next hour, and then we will be right back here at BBS Radio Station Two, the best radio in the universe, in the galaxy, and. Uh, uh, on this planet and off of it. And, uh, let us begin a new day here. Let the trumpets, uh, call in, uh, miracles. Miracles are coming. I've been told. So namaste. See you on that conference call, everyone. Aloha. Okay, Rama, let's finish our, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Rama. Beautiful music. Uh, let's finish our little section at the end of our brother Matthias here. This is about another half hour or less. Oh, I don't think so. Hmm. 
It wasn't that long, was it? Was that an hour and 59 minutes? No, what I'm saying is that there wasn't that much left at the end. I thought there was just a little bit at the end. Yeah. Is that exactly where it was? Uh-huh. Okay. Get busy. Let's do it. We're going to do it both ways. <laughs> at the same <laughs> time. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I, we were mixed. Okay. You know, you yeah. got to start. So I said, from the belly up, and I said, uh, and I said, and no, no, she says, we did okay. Already. Yeah, we go a little further. Yeah, quite a bit further. We weren't huh? that far along to the end. Huh? At least that far. Okay. Well, no, as soon as you turn it back on. And the best beings that can manifest light into matter are the plants. Yeah. Uh, the plants. What happened? Just an ad, oh, just a moment. Oh, we didn't have an ad for a second. I know, but it... There's a story to extraordinary, especially if it's true. And it all started in the desert. We were pretty... Are the plants. Uh-huh. So... That's why, basically. You know, it's funny. The, one of the first times I did ayahuasca, it gave me very specific dietary instructions that I didn't listen to. <laughs> no, and it said, eat foods that are filled with light. Oh. Like, eat foods that are filled with light. And it told me that super clearly and showed me all the foods. It was plants and fruits. And, yeah. And actually even some... You know, like the densest, the densest foods, like the cheeses and things that had to be like mm-hmm. in a cave, like cave age gruyere, uh-huh. it's delicious. Mm-hmm. But like, there's no light in that yeah. anymore, you know, or like dense meats and, yeah. and like the heavy, the heavy aspect. And I was like, yeah, cool. And yeah. never did it. <laughs> I mean, I eat those things, like I, but I, yeah. you know, but I also have the intention of building a lot of muscle and being a, you know, a, an athlete and all of these different things. And so my body, for that purpose will ask for other things. But I do, yeah. I do listen, but ayahuasca in the, when I was intending to become more aware, gave me a very specific diet and the diet was like, it's a diet of light. Yeah. Like eat, diet of light. Eat yeah. light. Mm-hmm. You know, eat things that have been really touched by light. Yeah. And, uh, animals are also light, but distorted in, uh, with emotions, with their own history, with their own biology, mm-hmm. uh, their own, uh, point of view <laughs> also. Um, and plants doesn't have that. Plants simply are and they just breathe light. So if you are trying to make more clear your memory to awaken and enlighten your DNA, so you need things that, uh, manifest light. Right. That. So, um, so that would be the first one. The other one is breathing for the soul. Uh, um, all the hormones of the body mm-hmm. are controlled by how you breathe, basically, and, and how uh, your um, uh, endocrine system works. So you need to oxygen your blood, your body, mm-hmm. uh, everything. And the best way to do it is um, taking deep breath and not by the mouth. The mouth was meant to be for eating, not breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, bre- uh, breathing is... Only through the nose, in and out from the nose, and they receive from below, from um, from the lower part of the lungs, not from <gasps> like this, in, mm-hmm. but belly breathing, not yeah. chest breathing. Mm-hmm. Belly breathing, yeah. So that would 
uh, calm the hormones that would calm the emotions. So organized information of the soul. So pay attention to how you breathe. There's a lot of techniques that teach how yeah, to we breathe. We never really describe, we never use the word soul so far. What do you mean exactly by soul? Soul for me is energy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know from where the word soul comes in English, but in Spanish is uh, alma, uh, which is anima. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it comes from, from the Latin animated, animal. Mm-hmm. So the things that move. Yeah, the animus. Yeah. Yeah. So the things that move. So is the energy that moves you. That's the soul, mm-hmm. basically. And breathing is, 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 um, I, I love to say that, well, in Spanish it has more, more sense, but because breathe uh, is another etymology, but, um, uh, in Latin, uh, uh, to breathe, you may say, uh, spirare, mm-hmm. spira. And that's the origin of the word spirit. So what is a spirit? A spirit is someone that breathes properly. So a spiritual person is the one that knows how to breathe. That's what it means. So it's not about beings in the universe or whatever. A spiritual person is the one that knows how to breathe. And that connects with the entire universe. Mm -hmm. So that's the second one. Pay attention to how you breathe to order your chakras, to order your energy, everything. And the third one, which is for the spiritual realm, uh, the higher self, is to laugh more. Uh, <laughs> laughter is a key of high vibration. Mm-hmm. So when you laugh, the vibration goes higher. So anything that is down, you cannot feel it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to feel better in your life, you have to laugh more about the bad things <laughs> and to be in a higher uh, resonance all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so eat better, breathe better, and laugh more. Yeah. And if you've spent your whole life not doing those things very well, then go maybe tap some ayahuasca. <laughs> yeah. Help, help you, you, you will have it for sure. You'll, you'll, you'll start that to clear the, out some of the that problems. That would be the crisis. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be the, the, the crisis way. Yeah. <laughs> Which reveals why I've had to do it so much, because probably I've been none of those things yeah. that well. But it makes absolute perfect sense. And, um, you know, all of these, <clears throat> all of these plant medicines and the, the Quechua word and, and, you know, the great maestro that I'm working with, Maestro Orlando Chuandama, he's from the Quechua tradition. They have a word called, it's Chakaruna, which means bridge. Mm-hmm. And these medicines are bridges to, these other aspects of ourself or other aspects of consciousness. And that's what they understand them as. Mm-hmm. That's what ayahuasca is. It's a bridge that, mm-hmm. that brings you to something else. Mm-hmm. I just have to ask in any of your, um, in any of your past lives, were there plant medicine sacraments like in chem? Was, yes, was there plant medicines that people were doing then? Yes, of course. What was of it course. like? Not ayahuasca, of course, because yeah. it was in Africa. Egypt. Uh, yes. Uh, but, um, I don't know how it's say in English. Amapol. Amapola. I don't know the word. In well, whatever. Use the chem word. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a red flower. Um, it grows in Middle East and Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, that, uh, also other plants from, from Ethiopia today. I don't know the names, uh, of them. But they were, they were used in, in like many a ceremonies. Yeah. 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 And what was it used for? What was the purpose? 
It was all to, uh, some of them was to clean the body, uh-huh. to clean up the whole body. And other one, uh, for, uh, connection completely with your higher self. In every temple in, in, along the Nile, uh, we had to work for a connection with a specific part of our body. Mm-hmm. So for each one, there was a plant, a flower or something like that, that worked specifically with certain emotion or certain things. So, uh, so it was like a journey. It was like a journey through your own chakras, purifying each one, exactly. connecting with each yeah. one. That was the initiative path. And that's why the, in different temples for each purpose. I mean, what, what brilliance that we've forgotten, right? You know, that's yeah. one thing you must think. Like, obviously, we've done some amazing things. There weren't cell phones back then, but <laughs> yeah. we've done some cool shit, but we've forgotten so much. Yeah, I said before we, we build the pyramids, but now we have internet. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. And this is a whole other thing that maybe, you know, hopefully, uh, as I said, you know, I'll make the snacks really good and, you know, you'll like hanging out with me and we'll do a lot of these podcasts because there's a whole lot of corollary between you know, what you've learned about Atlantis mm-hmm. and the fall of that civilization mm-hmm. and where we are now, how they used, you know, different structures mm-hmm. to create communication globally and how their hunger for power created and, mm-hmm. and, and all of these different corollaries to what we're experiencing now. We've just done it in a different way, but, um, that's for another, that's for, for another, another show. And another about time. this, it's important to know also because sometimes we compare, uh, like, uh, if what we have now is not that good as what we had in that time, uh, it's important to, to remember that 12,000 years ago, they also took a lot of time until they figure out how to build a pyramid or how to do what they were doing. They, um, they also were lost trying yeah. to figure out, uh, and uh, they had tools to do great things as we have tools to do great things. And we are still trying to figure out what are those great things? So, um, but it's a complete different story because now we are entering the age of Aquarius. Uh, since a hundred years ago, we are in the transition to Aquarius, which is technology, innovation. So technology like this is the key for this new time. We are not going to not build going pyramids yeah. because th- this is not for the next 2,000 years. Mm. Maybe it will take 10,000 years to rebuild pyramids again because it is more aligned with the purpose of that age. But for this age, our sacred matrix is called internet and we need to learn how to use it. Mm. That's inspiring actually to just think like, all right, we got these tools. These are Mm -hmm. our tools for now. We can still use some of those old tools. Like, yeah, I'm I'm probably trying to figure out what flowers you're talking about. (laughs) Opium. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. So, well, that one, we, that one is, is familiar, of course. But, you know, ultimately, like, finding out all of the different ways so that, yeah, we can use this technology of communication. That's what we're doing right now. We're doing a podcast. We're yeah. reaching people. This is going to go through a bunch of different machines and go through different cables and get beamed out and, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, this conversation would be for maybe 10 people. Exactly. Exactly. Now it's so 4,000. There's advantages to, uh, mm-hmm. to all of these things. Is there any, is there any, you gave some very practical, is there any practical advice? And I guess maybe as a teaser for something else or if there's something that comes to mind. In all of your experiences, there must have been some very magical things that happened with sound, with 
frequency with people's ability to use aspects of themselves, of what they were capable of, to do sexual energy perhaps, like to use things. Are, are there resources that we collectively are dramatically underestimating, you know, that we have internally? And maybe that's, you know, any of those things that, that I mentioned, like sound or our ability to, you know, harness sexual energy, things that you knew from your other existences that you're like, yeah, you know, pay attention to this because there's a lot of potential with these resources that we're not really utilizing. Mm, I, I don't know exactly. Um, I guess that what you're saying is about some, some things that we take for granted or? Yeah, things that we don't, things that we take for granted, things that you saw in the temples that were like amazing. Like I saw, I experienced or I knew that people could sing in this tone, in this resonance, with this intention oh. and create this powerful effect. Or people could utilize their sexual energy in the, in the process of creation and create things oh, yes, that would yes. manifest, right? Things that we say, okay, yeah, we have sex and we sing, hmm. but we don't understand that if we use sound or we use sexuality, and these are just two ideas, but let's stick with those. Oh, yes, yes. Of course, uh, uh, the, the, power, the power that we have inside, the, the ability to create, manifest. Um, as I said, the pyramids were built with people that were working, but also singing. Without the specific sounds and singings, there wouldn't be pyramids today. Mm. Um, the, the power that we can um, awake in certain frequencies uh, moves stones. But uh, in order to do that, the person that moves them should be very aligned with itself in every cell, like completely, like in a very deep um uh, connection with itself. That's why we're the higher priests in that time that were doing the architectural uh, works. Um, in in we work like a battery. So uh, everything that we do normally in our life, like eating, like having sex, like uh, talking, um, are so powerful that we are still like kids trying to play with something that is really important. Mm -hmm. um, talking. Talking is something that uh, is, is um, unique in our, uh, in, in our existence. And it's the way in which you can create by frequency, by resonance. The universe creates everything through vibration. Mm -hmm. So we have the ability to create with this. And sometimes it's, it's really amazing how um, a lot of people um, get all the information that I am saying, even if they don't understand a word that I am saying, mm -hmm. uh, because maybe it's another culture or whatever, and they capture the information uh, beyond the words or the language, just because vibration. So the power that we have inside is infinite. It's just that we are playing with it right now. We are just trying to figure out how to use it properly. Yeah. Um, so I would say as a practical thing that in order to awaken that potential, we should not 
try to imitate others' potential. So, like, not try to imitate what they did in the past, but create our own. Or what others are doing. For example,、uh-huh. myself trying to do what you do. Right. You know, there are some people that that told me, "I want to remember like like you remember," but maybe they do something that is amazing, and they are losing their time trying to do something that is right the potential of others.、Uh, so, I encourage everyone to always look into what. They love the most to do. So, what is what you like the most? What is what you are good at? And sometimes、um, we don't even think that that thing could change many lives.、Yeah. Like maybe some someone is I don't know.、Uh, I'm really good in cooking a specific thing,、mm-hmm. for example. And maybe that specific thing is what a whole country in other co- in other continent needs.、Mm-hmm. And you are just losing time saying that is it doesn't work. Yeah, but just because you didn't open your mind to see where your potential is needed.、Um, so beautiful, beautiful reminder. It's very enticing though to think like you know someone like my wife Ilana, you know, who's an amazing singer. You know, I'm and I don't want to say that she's thinking about this, but I imagine when you said people were building the pyramids by singing with the rocks. I imagine that at some point you're like, I wonder if I can sing the rocks, <laughs> and I could just see her outside in her yard, singing to our boulders and moving rocks. But, it wouldn't you know, take much more than singing. <laughs> but yeah, but it's such good advice. Like, like listen to what you're drawn to, and listen.、Mm-hmm. And、um, and yes, there was amazing things that happened. You know, in the past, and our possibilities、mm-hmm. are pot. But I guess the big message is. Our possibilities are incredible and、mm-hmm. vast, and things that we think are are impossible are actually possible.、Mm-hmm. But follow your your love, your passion, your genius. You know what you're really drawn to, and just open your mind to the possibility of what you can create. And a reminder also for myself is that there's no rush, because when you rush to go to the future, you reach the fourth dimension, which is eternity. <laughs> so、mm-hmm. you will be always doing the same. Uh, so there's no rush because the universe is not about heading to somewhere; it's about moving on. And there's no place to go, no place from where we came from. It's a constant. That's the universe, a constant of time and space. So there's no end to this. So if we do everything what we do. In order to finish something or to reach a point, we will never be happy because there is no point、mm-hmm. in the universe. <laughs> I need that as like a ringtone. <laughs> Every time someone texts me, there is no rush. Ah <laughs>、uh, no、yes, I'll get back to you sometime. There is no point. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. This is a, a beautiful, enlightening podcast, and hopefully,、uh, I know we get to talk to the Fit for Service community tomorrow. I'm really excited about that. And、uh, yeah, just thank you for for sharing this as your、uh, as your second job, first job being Portal. <laughs> we'll talk about that at some point. Your second job is pretty great too. Okay, I appreciate、okay. your teaching. And,、uh, <laughs> um, is there anything that you want people to be aware of? Any projects that you're working on?、Um, Any、uh, any any help with your portal that you need? <laughs> well, yes, I actually do.、Um, well, we、uh, I have been、um, since from 2020 and 
I've I've been 365 days uh, every day going to the pyramid to the Great Pyramid of Egypt. I was living there, mm-hmm. and um, I was doing explanations every day. You can see it in YouTube. They are free. They are there every day. I did, but you have to be patient because I I translate myself every sentence into mm-hmm. Spanish and English. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that, that was the only way I could do it in that moment. Um, so I explained. Every day, different topic that I was downloading in the pyramid uh, regarding the I am. What is the I am? Mm. And this is the project that started uh, in February 2nd, 2020, and will end in February 22nd, uh, 2022. Mm. So uh, we are, um, I finished one stage, which was going every day for one year, uh, doing these um, explanations and, and channelings in the pyramid and so on. Now, this is what we call the path of the dragon, uh, traveling to certain places to connect with specific dots of the planet. Uh, that will be until uh, January uh, 2022. And in 2020, and, and, and in February 2022, we do a big gathering in Giza, in Egypt. Mm-hmm. We expect more than 2,000 people, and uh, and we are offering different types of ways to to be part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who uh, are willing to do many things, and for those who just want to go to the meditations, um, so it will be a four-day event. Um, cool. In Giza, cool. Uh, so you can. Look for that in, in internet. The website is Yo Soy. It's I am in Spanish. Yo mm-hmm. <laughs> Soy 2022.org. Yo Soy 2022.org. Yeah. Cool. And of course, I found out about you on the initiation show on Gaia. And, oh, yeah. Uh, probably lots of other places. Mm-hmm. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Much love. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks for tuning into this video. Make sure you hit subscribe. Follow me at Aubrey Marcus. Check out the Aubrey Marcus podcast available everywhere and leave a comment. Let me know if this video resonated or what else you would like to hear from me in the future. Thank you so much. That was Bundabar. Okay, Ram is going to check and see how long uh, um, Brian had something to say here here this afternoon. It's going to take me a moment. It's going to take you a moment. Yeah, you got to talk. I got to talk. Well, I mean, our sister uh, Cheryl wanted me to read a little, at least some of Patty Cota Robles, so I will. She's got here a Something called Bursting the New Year 2022. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, here. It says, we have God victoriously completed uh, the most complex purging process humanity and the company of heaven have ever attempted. That's we got that right. This purging involved the dismantling of the matrices for the myriad social structures 
that have manipulated, controlled, and oppressed the masses of humanity for eons of time. These painful structures were held in place by the fear-based consciousness of separation and duality, which have manifested in human behavior patterns as greed, corruption, and abuse of power, hatred, ignorance, and the willingness to respond with violence, all of the above. All of these behaviors are totally void of love. The beings of light have assured us that there are no longer matrices or foundational structures vibrating at the discordant frequency necessary to sustain the obsolete paradigms that we have successfully dismantled. This means that even though there are people who are still desperately trying to maintain their power and the ability to oppress, what? I can't play it. It's not here. What do you mean it's not there? Uh, It says, sorry, this video does not exist. (laughs) Well, we were watching it this afternoon. I know. I think it'll come out later on. (sighs) Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, is there another crime? Is there something somewhere we can play? He didn't. He, he must have done something on Wednesday or Friday or. I gotta look. Yeah, I'll keep reading. I keep reading. This is good. Let's go to the next page, everybody. Where were we? All right. The beings of light have assured us that there are no longer matrices or foundational structures vibrating at the discordant frequency necessary to sustain the obsolete paradigms that we have successfully dismantled. This means that even though there are people who are still desperately trying to maintain their power and the ability to oppress, manipulate and control the masses of humanity. There is no matrix to sustain their nefarious efforts and they will fail. Through myriad activities of light since the birth of, you know what, if we don't want to do that, maybe we'll go do Meredith. How about that, Rama? Um, this came uh, two days ago. Healing Wednesday. What is it? What's the topic? It will make you question your existence. How long? 31 minutes. All right. Let's do it. Okay. All right. This is from Wednesday. Cry on from Wednesday. Tell it loudly. What's the title again, Rama? Uh, it will make you question your existence. Good idea. All right, let's do that. Question our existence. Here we go. 
What if you could make a full-time living online, getting paid for your advice? You might not know this, but there is a surge of people launching. Greetings, dear ones. I'm Cryon uh, of Magnetic Service. Dear ones, one of the most profound processes, systems, whatever you want to call it, that human beings share together all over the planet is something you're going to call reincarnation. This begins a four-lesson series on reincarnation. This is the first of the four. The other three are available to everyone. And they're on my partner's website where you can find them all. And they will be posted eventually for all to see. In these four lessons, we're going to give you the attributes of reincarnation. Some of you have heard this. Some of you have not. Some of them are controversial because you believe you know the way it works. We're going to say it yet again in other lessons in the series. And that is this. Things change as you change. As this planet ascends in so many ways, as there's more light in so many ways, it gives you a new toolkit, a new toolkit, if you want to say, of your soul. You have one soul and half for eternity. And that one soul has expressions that come to the earth, human beings, past lives. That's reincarnation. We'll say it yet again, because we always give a review, but let me tell you that this particular process was the first one to think, to be intuitive, to those who would have any kind of belief systems or beliefs at all on the planet. You come and you go. You come and you go. It's even present in many of the indigenists and their beliefs. There are more people on the planet right now who believe in this particular system than not, in case you wondered about that. It is a beautiful system, and I'm going to even rename reincarnation a system of family. If you get nothing else from this discussion, I want you to understand it's done in love. This is not a random system. There are so many who would wonder, well, what happens when you go to the other side in this this planning session or whatever it is that happens and, and you come back? Is someone up there rolling the dice to figure out where you'll be? Or, or is there some kind of a system where, where what you didn't experience, you must experience? Or, or what you didn't learn, you have to come back and relearn or relearn? In other words, is it a punishment system? <laughs> you got that from those systems today who have God punishing you because you didn't do something right. It is not a punishing system. It's a love system. Mm-hmm. Here is the whole premise, dear ones. You're in a school of energy, of light and dark. You come into the planet in the best way possible, in the most loving, comfortable way possible in order to continue the school. On this planet, there is a reincarnate system. But there are other systems from other planets that you have been. But this one that we talk about in these four lessons are for you 
on this planet. We'll even tell you about the cave of creation. That comes later. We'll tell you where your crystal is stored. That comes later. We'll tell you that it's unique to this planet. Your past life energy is part of Earth. And when you pass to the other side, the next incarnate, the next expression is planned by you and others around you for comfort. And others, so you'll come back in and either continue what you were doing or you'll be learning a lesson, perhaps, that would be the next one for you. And the whole purpose of it is so that lesson after lesson and expression after expression, you can then develop a higher consciousness through learning. Figure a a big school of some kind where you come and come and go and and you, you move to different awarenesses and different grades when you come back because that's what you need. You may have accelerated in the first incarnation you had to a level where you'll come in and in many grades higher than another one would come in because you've learned things. You've been perhaps to a culture that was more comfortable and you learned from them. You perhaps were in a culture that knew nothing and you still had to come and learn with them. I'm going to give you a couple of attributes, both of them controversial. And I'm doing it because these are the ones that I have told many crowds over the years that you don't expect, that which surprise you. And it's not the minutiae at all of reincarnation. These are some revelations of, of, of reincarnation. Revelations. Things that you'll go, what? Really? And some will say, I don't believe it. Some may even think that it's controversial what I'm about to tell you. But we're going to start here. What would be the most comfortable thing that spirit could give to you when you reincarnate? What's the most comfortable thing as you arrive back into this this world? And that would be to be the same gender. Think about it. Whatever gender you are, Whatever I guarantee, as you look, perhaps, at when you're going to come back, you don't want to be the other gender. That's most of you. You're comfortable in your body, thinking the way you think with the gender that you have. And you're used to it. Especially those who have been here many, many times. So the idea that perhaps there's a random system of changing genders is not so. It isn't so. This is for family. This is for, this is, this is for you out of love. So here is the system. This is one of two things I want to tell you about reincarnation. Before we give you any of the timing or any of those things coming in the other lessons. Number one. In the gender situation, You come in the same gender over and over and over and over and over until it's time to change. In other words, you don't just go from one to the other. This makes it not only comfortable in your body, but it assists your consciousness learning. You're not here to learn about another gender. When you come into another gender, you'll have the idea, of course, of sharing and knowing and being, the knowledge of what it will be like, and then you'll stay in that gender 
over and over and over and over. Also, you have been both genders. Yeah. But usually the lifetimes that you live, many of them, 10, 15, maybe more, one gender. But here is the information you should hear that many don't want to hear <laughs> because of the stigmas of your culture, because of misinformation, because of what you've been told. When you make the switch from one gender to another, there often are two or three genders, two or three lifetimes expressions where you still carry attributes of the other, other, other gender. So you may go through 15 lifetimes as one gender and then you change and there are two to three expressions of you coming and going on this planet where you have attributes of both. Does that make sense to you? Because this carries from lifetime to lifetime. It's this past life experience. And in those two or three years, there's an expression people have. You're gay. You like it so far. It is absolutely, totally, completely normal. Up to 10% of this planet is always in that condition of gender shift. Beautiful. It is normal. It is. And it means that absolutely every old soul I'm talking to who has been here lifetime after lifetime has had this experience. You've all been gay. And there will be those who will shake their head because they're still in an old energy concept of what they were told or don't like that. That's the way it works. I'll give you another one. And this one is the most positive I could ever give you about what's going on on this planet right now that has everything to do with your next expression. Old souls in particular who are going through this shift, if I ask you right now, would you like to come back? Most of you will say, no. <laughs> I'm not coming back. They'll say, I've done it. Not coming back. Here's what I'd like to tell you. Yes, you are. But more than that, why? Energy has shifted so much on this planet since 2012 and even before that. That old souls in particular have gained what we will call and tell you about even later, a new toolkit. Things are different when you return because the earth is different. This is so difficult for some to understand because they're stuck in an old idea of what karma is, what this is all about, what reincarnation truly is. And here's the information. In this new energy, dear ones, when you return and you're born, and you start to grow up. Are you ready? You will carry in with you what you learned so far on this planet. Ready for that? You never have to go through the same problems again. The energy is so much higher, believe it or not. And light is starting to occur, believe it or not. So that when you return, young again, 
You never have to make the same mistakes. Whether it's in love and relationships, jobs, whatever, you never have to because you will be aware, you will know. Can you imagine the acceleration of your growth spiritually without having to go through these issues? That's a promise. Does that change anything when I say, do you want to come back? You become a super soul, if you want to call it that. Now, there's another super soul coming. And I'll tell you that in the fourth lesson that's completely and totally apart from that. But you are a soul who hits the ground running. And that is to say that you don't have to relearn anything. It all sticks. That's new. You needed to hear that today. And that, my dear ones, is a system of love and family. Blessed are those human beings who go through this willingly, knowingly, and come back with so much to offer this planet. And so it is. Greetings, dear ones, I am Cryon. Come a little closer. There are so many things to be said about the energies that almost every single one of you carry that came not from this life, but from one you've lived before. This entire month, we speak of reincarnation. We talk about the things that are important, the things that you've known, the things that perhaps you did not. The system itself that's based in love. Not a process, not something that is random, but something that is carefully designed for each and every single one of you. But dear ones, things change, and we mentioned this earlier in the channel. We'll say it yet again, just for emphasis during the lessons. There are those who still will say, that the processes, if you wish to, wish to call it that, of spirit, the things that, that are energetic and the way things work with spirit will always work the same way because God is the same forever. We repeat it so that all of you can hear it if you've never heard it before. That statement is absolutely true, dear ones. The same forever. God is love. But what has changed and what can change is you and especially the energy on the planet and how it affects these systems we've told you many times some of the new tools that you have as light workers and what it means to you now that has changed over the years especially these last few years since the shift reincarnation is one of those processes one of those systems that has changed because of that. You continue to come and go. It's indeed still a school of energy. But what has changed is what you can do with it, what it means to you, but especially some of the attributes. That's what we dealt with today. Speaking of that which is new, 
that no one ever told you before, perhaps that you could do now and you could not before. And one of those things we're going to study today, and we're going to take it right to the circle of 12. It is perhaps one of the best things that you will ever experience about your relationship to your past lives today, if you wish. Dimensionality. We speak of it often. We'll speak of it again. We've started telling you that indeed the circle of 12 is a dimensional shift. It's a study in shifting dimensions. The circle of 12 is you going from the dimensionality that you recognize and know and work with into one you don't. And the irony is that the one you don't know is home. It is the one you spend more time than anything else because it represents your soul. Your soul is indeed eternal, dear ones, and just a reminder, this soul of yours is one energy. It's not a thing. It has no, no measurements, you might say, no quantifiable shape. It just is. It relates to that which you would think about God. It just is. But when you go into this energy, if you really were to sit and realize what was there, is you. The essence of you is this soul. And this one soul represents every single expression on earth you've ever had. It does not change. Earth is so linear and so singular. And so many of the belief systems from the very beginning they just echo what's on earth and they apply it to all the heavens and the way everything works, not understanding anything about dimensionality. You get that idea that you come in with a soul and it's just this soul for this earth and, and when you leave it doesn't go anywhere, it just gets tortured later. Or perhaps it does go someplace, but it doesn't then, then come back. Another soul perhaps comes back and it's called you again and you reincarnate. And that's not the way it works. If you start to look at the spiritual logic of it and make sense of it, this school that you're in, this planet, as you go from one level to another and you reincarnate and you come again and you come in and you learn more and you learn more and your consciousness starts to raise, then you start applying it to the planet, then you learn about Gaia, all of these things. It takes one center to do this. You come from one place and continue from that one place, coming and going from one platform, if you want to call it that. A multidimensional thing called your soul. We're going to go there yet again today. We're going to do something different. In this culture that I'm speaking to you from now, this is a holiday of giving. And in so many cultures, there are times when they stop and give gifts. More this, more than just a celebration perhaps of your birth, but a season that they'll set aside. Sometimes they'll set aside a season and just have lights and, and, 
and dancing and these kinds of things or, or special foods. In this culture, it's gift-giving. Every child knows what this holiday is about. And so we're going to echo that principle. And we're going to do something. You're going to get a great gift today if you choose. You're going to get a lot of gifts today if you choose. But I want you to cognize their reality. More than an exercise, dear ones. This can be real. This exercise, if you wish to call it that, and if you see it as an exercise, is something that you can imagine, because we're putting it in a linear fashion. We have done this now two other times, never in a circle of 12, in front of a group. The circle of 12 that we give you now is the one that we present on the Wednesdays. But the circle of 12 that they experienced was given live for the first time, not too long ago, in Sedona, Arizona. I'm going to repeat that so that the thousands who watch this broadcast can participate as well. Profound it can be if you participate. I want you to cross that bridge with me in just a moment. From this known dimensionality to the unknown dimensionality of your soul. A multi-dimensionality which encompasses so many things, but the main factor there is there is no time. Now, we've said this again. Mm -hmm. Time is a linear construct for you here. Mm -hmm. And physicists will agree with that and say there are dimensionalities that do not have that time construct. It can go faster, slower, or even suspend itself with different realities. In your soul, there is no construct at all. No time at all. It doesn't go slower or faster. It just isn't there. That means that everything that ever existed exists at the same time. And the potentials of what will be created are also there. Hard for you to imagine such a thing. But that's the beauty of your soul. I want you to prepare to cross that bridge and come someplace with me right now where something's going to happen you didn't expect. Take my hand. Let's cross the bridge together. Move across the bridge into that area, that energy which is your soul and feel first of all the peace and the love where all problems drop away. This is an eternal space, dear ones. It represents you long after the problems are gone on the planet. Even long after the planet's gone, you're still here. It represents you before the planet was ever made. It represents you before you were ever a human. That's where you are, home. In this eternal place, dear ones, I want you to go into that theater in the round through that door, which we always go through. And I want you to take your place on that stage. Only the stage looks a lot different this time. A lot different. In front of the chair that you will sit on right now, that beautiful, comfortable chair, 
is a pit that is filled with embers that are burning. Embers that will consume anything that even goes near them. It's not too hot for you. In fact, you don't even feel heat because that's a linear sensation. But the perspective and the perception is this. Whatever goes into those embers never comes out. In front of you, dear ones, you have seen before. It's a group of individuals numbering into the hundreds or thousands, depending upon how long you've lived, because every single one of those individuals is you. It's the expressions you have had on earth sitting in the chairs. We have done something like this before, but not exactly this. How can this be? How can, how can you see the many yous there? Crying, there's only one of me as a human, and so on and so forth. This is a multidimensional place. Every single time you're a human, you have a specific, unique consciousness. They're all there. Is that hard for you to understand? That you can go back and look at yourself when you were not yourself, but the soul is the same? It's a collection of yous. It's the school that you've gone through. It's the yous that are there. Every single one sitting in the chair and every single one is holding a gift. And some of those gifts, larger than others, some of them are small. They're all wrapped. And that, dear ones, is a, a metaphor of something they're about to give you. And you are sitting in the chair and all is quiet. This is not a celebration. It's not a ritual. This is very different. One by one, as long as it takes, they're going to come up and each one is going to give you something. What they're about to give you, dear ones, is what you don't need anymore. Carry it around. Right now in your psyche, in your consciousness, from past lives. The first one comes up onto the stage and they look at you and you look at them and you realize you're looking at yourself from another lifetime. In some way you make a connection with every single one of them because you've lived it and it's in your body now. It's your past life experience and they take that gift and they don't give it to you. They throw it in the embers and they make a statement, every single one. Depending upon the past life, they will say, here are the things that have bothered you from this life. Here's the time that you came in and these things happened that were inappropriate and that, that bother you. Here, here are the things you experience that you carry around that create the fears and they toss it into the fire. And they put their hands into a prayer position and say, let it be gone forever in your life. In the audience, there are some very unusual-looking individuals. One of them is three months old. Three-month-old, in this scenario, comes on stage and looks at you and hands the gift and says, here is when we came in and died. On purpose, by design, so your parents 
would do something they wouldn't have done otherwise. Otherwise, this, this is this is the sacrifice you made. You remember that? Do you remember that? And you carry that around with you. Here's when you didn't even make it, and they throw it into the embers and say, "Let this be gone. Any fear of death." of early that you would carry for any of your children or potential children. It's gone now. And the, and, and the little one who is not even supposed to be able to walk walks back into the stage. Here comes another one. Here comes the one that's obviously a big fellow. Even if you're a woman, you can appreciate the big fellow. He says, this is when you drowned. And it wasn't pleasant. And we were at sea. Do you remember that? We were at seas. Why you don't like to go to the ocean anymore? Perhaps. Maybe this isn't you. And they have the gift in their hand and they throw it in the fire and say, let the fear that this created in your life be gone forever. One by one, all of these past life experiences which may haunt you, keep you awake, affect your subconscious, keep you from getting well, having fears of death or relationships or even abundance. One by one, they come on stage and you connect and they throw them into the fire. Can you see this? This is the new energy of the planet. This is what you have earned. This is what you deserve. This is your lineage at this time. And the reason this is happening today is for you to get through this. So that when you get finished with all of this ember gift burning, you can get on with why you came here without the burdens that interrupt the things that really are you, your magnificence, what you have to give others, the love you have. Don't let the things that bother you stop from now on. They're gone, if you wish. They're gone. I want you to stay there and just picture. One by one, they keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Anytime you wish or doubt this, you can return to this place and let them continue, for there may be a thousand lives here for you. And every single one of them are still inside you, and in some way they affect you. But they don't have to any longer. This is the gift that is given to you this day in this circle of twelve that may be the most profound one you've ever received. I am crying. Stay. Stay. And so it is. Now we're going to return to our sister, uh, Regina Meredith. Uh, this one is called Legacy of the Denisovian, the Denisovans race and the origins of human civilization, the Cygnus key. 
Greg Braden had touched on it for five minutes on Thursday. Mm. Watch over 400 though-provoking interviews featuring cutting-edge visionaries and tireless Mm. researchers who provide crucial information to awaken viewers to new perspectives that spark awareness, understanding, and ultimately transformation. Many people have accepted two prominent theories concerning the original, the origin of humanity, Atlantis and extraterrestrial seeding. A third option, let me finish the sentence, okay, honey, um, comes forth as we look to the far-reaching spread of Denisovan DNA and artifacts. Andrew Collins traces the legacy of the Denisovans through mishistory and archaeology across the ancient world, leading to the origins of human civilization. What we find... Drinking water before bed burns 46 pounds in two weeks. If you are struggling to lose weight and you're over 25... Oh, dear. (laughs) Um, Okay, Uh, one more sentence, darling. Um, Andrew Collins traces the legacy of the the Denisovans through mishistory and archaeology across the ancient world, leading to the origins of human civilization. What we find is a civilization more than 40,000 years old with an advanced intellect and technology merging with modern humans. This interview was filmed on location in London, England. Okay, we heard Greg say 200,000 years ago and exactly, totally cognizant in the same way as right now. As a matter of fact, in probably better shape because we did a little, oh, a little shenanigan here and uh, another one there. Okay, are you ready, honey? Mm-hmm. Okay. 21 minutes. That's not the one. Yeah, it is. Oh, well, then you gave me the wrong amount. Okay, that's okay. Fine. Let's do it. Okay. You said this one was 39 minutes, darling. Oh. Yeah, that's what I got written down. Okay. According to my guest, Andrew Collins, there was a race of people who predated all modern humans, the Denisovans or Denisovans, depending on how you pronounce it. They lived in southern Turkey all the way through Siberia and dated back 300 to 400,000 years ago. And... Although we've actually only got four pieces of fossil remains, um, which is actually one uh, finger bone and uh, three teeth, mm-hmm. um, we, that can tell us a hell of a lot about these people. Um, it can tell us, for instance, that they're incredibly large because all of the, the items found so far of extreme size. Um, but more importantly, the extraction of the genome in 2012 tells us so much more about who they were, when they lived, their relationships to ourselves and to Neanderthals, and how far they reached um, in the old world and into the new world. And the fact that a large percentage of modern human populations uh, also carry the genes Mm -hmm. of the Denisovans, um, just in the same way that many people in the Western world have the genes of Neanderthals, 
many people in the eastern part of the uh, the old world and in the Americas contain the Denisovan genes. And this is quite significant because all these genes have given us something important, whether it be the ability to exist at high altitudes. Uh, this requires a particular gene and it's there amongst the Sherpas and Tibetans of the Himalayas or indeed the Inuit peoples of, of Canada and Greenland. Uh, they have genes relating to uh, bulking up so that they can exist in extreme cold. Both of these genes were given to us by the Denisovans. And what, what I mean by that is that we interbred with them when they were still around, probably between around 55 and 45,000 years ago. Um, and because of that interbreeding, these genes were passed on to human populations. Um, and that allowed us to, you know, subsist and to, to thrive in areas that we couldn't previously have done. Well, all the way around the world, we have uh, stories of giants. Yes. Um, and, you know, these can be anything from sort of seven feet up to 12 feet. Uh, and I would think that many of these stories are exaggerations, um, that we probably are talking about the memory of uh, human individuals, groups, even populations that existed around the world that were of um, increased size, let's say, both in, in, in width and also in height. Um, but the trouble is, is that up until now, we've had this idea of almost like a sort of fairy storybook, you know, view of giants, you know, like Jack in the Beanstalk or something right. like this. Um, and we haven't really taken it seriously. But everywhere around the world, particularly in North America, um, there are many hundreds, if not thousands of examples of uh, giant bones being yes. found, particularly in things like Native American mounds. Um, associated with a culture known as the Adena, um, who existed during the first millennia BC um, in many parts of the United States. Um, and it would seem as if their elites, the elite group in charge of, of the different clans and tribes, were very often of increased size, seven to seven and a half feet tall. Um, and we're now looking at these as possibly the descendants of the Denisovans, what we call the Denisovan hybrids. Uh, and these are remembered in various different Native American traditions under a number of names, the most popular of which would seem to be the Thunder People. Um, they had the ability to call upon uh, lightning and um, thunder and rain, um, and they were said to wear feather cloaks and they were said to be shapeshifters um, and the, the Native American peoples were dead scared of them. They're incredibly scared of, of them because of their height and their abilities and their magical powers. Um, and this was, these stories are particularly strong amongst the, um, the Algonquin speaking peoples mm -hmm. of uh, the Great Lakes and St. Lawrence River areas. Um, and they called them the, the, the Anamiki, um, which is a word very similar to the Anunnaki. Uh, and in fact, it's probably even the same root of some of the, you know. The if you've got a pack of hot dogs in the kitchen, toss them in the trash. Do this instead. See, breakfast literally means break fast. It's the first food activating the digestive system after the overnight hours when nothing was eaten for a while. So it actually doesn't matter when you eat. You can even break your fast at noon or 2 p.m. 
It's really what you eat that is important. Because you know, the components of that word. Uh, and these were the thunder people, the thunder men, the thunderbirds, because that's ultimately the way that they've been remembered in Native American tradition as the thunderbird, these giant birds that could shapeshift into human form, could even mate with humans and produce families. I mean, clearly these were not normal birds. Uh, and I think these are an abstract memory of shamans and shamanic groups of these individuals who we would now see and identify with Denisovan hybrids who probably existed uh, in North America from as much as 45,000 years ago down almost to the point of, of historical contact in the, the 16th, 17th century. It is interesting. When you say hybrids, what are you talking about? Hybridization between what and what to create the, these beings? The hybridization um, is between our own ancestors, that's you know modern humans, homo sapiens, um, and Denisovans themselves. Mm -hmm. I see. Um, and the way that this happened initially was when we came out of Africa uh, in waves um, from around 200,000 years ago, you know, down to anything of around 40,000 years ago, we, we were coming out of Africa. We were going either westwards into Europe or we were going eastwards through uh, southwest Asia into Central Asia and it would seem as if we encountered the Denisovans along a line. They didn't seem to be any further west than a certain point. Um, and it's what I call the Denisovan line. And it runs from the Arctic north, where obviously there wouldn't have been an awful lot of activity, you know, human or otherwise, down through the Altai uh, mountains of Siberia, down through Central Asia and the Pamir mountains, um, Afghanistan, then through the Indus Valley of Pakistan, down to the, the, the coast of Pakistan in the area of Karachi. This is a line of activity. And it seems as if, as we were passing that line, going ever eastwards, we encountered the Denisovans, we mated with them, and we continued on, taking their, their genes, their DNA with us, their ancestry, as we went further into East Asia, Southeast Asia, Melanesia, Australia, and eventually, obviously, across into North America. And then finally, the Denisovans died off around 40,000 years ago, but we still continued our course eastwards. And now we had much less, if not any, Denisovan DNA with us. So that almost whitewashed a lot of what had gone in advance of us, which meant that there were only isolated areas that now retain really high levels of Denisovan DNA. Right, and we know that through many people's work, we understand now that we've had, humanity has had fairly sophisticated artwork for at least the last 40,000 years, but not all tribes demonstrated this level of sophistication in their rendering of art, for example, but that one of the key features in art, and this certainly goes into Egyptology, is that the rulers are often proportionally out of size to the rest of the people, and I personally don't believe that that was um, just symbolic. I think they were capturing something beyond symbolism. And we're going to talk about the Egyptian part of the story in a little bit. But they would have passed on, these Thunderbird people would have passed on this knowledge and their abilities with those that they encountered and mated with as well, because they had to be of a very advanced level of knowledge to be able to master the forces and such, the weather and so forth. Absolutely. And all the way around the world, we have stories of 
the gods, the forerunners of us as mere mortals, uh, whether they are the Watchers, the Nephilim, the Anunnaki of Mesopotamian tradition, you know, quite literally, all of these forerunners were of increased size generally. generally. It was from them that we get the knowledge and wisdom of civilization, all the rudiments that allowed us to evolve into what we are today. And I do think that this is a memory of the hybridization between ourselves and the Denisovans and to a degree also the Neanderthals, because um, virtually everybody in the Western world, everybody that came out of Africa, encountered also the Neanderthals we mated with uh-huh. them. So we have a small amount of DNA of Neanderthals as well. I mean, it's around 2% generally. Uh, but within the Denisovan uh, populations, the modern peoples that, that continue, that contain Denisovan DNA, it's up to 5 to 6%. Um, I mean, for instance, in Melanesia and Australia, you know, amongst the, the original people there, uh, they have, you know, this high amount of, of, of Denisovan DNA. No, if, you had, if they had their DNA done through Ancestry or whatever the, one of these DNA companies are, 23andMe, what would it come up as? It could easily come up. Well, but as, would it say yeah, that? Yeah, That's I mean, what they're labeling it I mean, as now. With, with 23andMe and Ancestry.com yeah. and similar uh, sites like this, what they will do is they will tell you your human ancestry, what part of the world that you come from, um, but they will also tell you whether you have got what level of Neanderthal or Denisovan DNA. And I mean, I've had people write to me okay. and say, look, you know, I found I've got Denisovan DNA. What does that mean? Where, you know, and I just say to them, well, tell me also what your human ancestry is. I say, well, I was brought up in Melanesia. Well, there you go. Yeah. You know, because we know that the populations of Melanesia uh, have high levels of, of, of Denisovan DNA. But what's more important is the impact of this Denisovan DNA. What does it actually mean? Yeah, what does it mean to the human? How does it express itself in a human being? Now? Well, it's, um, it can come out, for instance, among the Inuit, Inuit um, as previously mentioned, that they've got uh, a gene that allows them, in fact, two, that allows them to exist in extremely cold conditions. It allows mm-hmm. them to bulk up mm-hmm. um, and exist uh, where you know, most you know, other people could not possibly subsist for any length of time. Um, the Sherpas, Tibetans have this high attitude gene. That's also been passed on mm-hmm. to the Nisabans. Uh, there are certain um, resistances to diseases uh, that have been passed on to the Han Chinese, uh, people of China, that also came from the Denisovans. But when we start finding out that the Denisovans had a gene, or maybe even more than one, relating to autism, then it starts becoming really, really interesting because our views of, of autism are obviously quite biased today. Yes. You know, um, through what we understand. We're only now, for the first time, beginning to, to see autism as, as a particularly important type of, 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 of human thinking that although different to other people has its own special qualities and its own importance. Well, uh, along that line, perhaps telepathic communication was more prevalent in that time. So you didn't have the need to have to kind of settle in, articulate, slow down, that it was more instantaneous types of transfers of information. It's extremely likely. I mean, just this week, a paper's been published 
uh, talking about autism and its effects upon not just early forms of communication between humans, but also um, our ability to, um, to to be creative, you know, within art, within technology, to develop stunt yes. tools and things like this. And kind of non-linear thinking, putting pieces together in an interesting it way. Is, but it all came through isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, isolation at the time of the last ice age. Well, we know that these same genes relate to the Denisovans and they also would appear, by virtue of the other genes that we know that they've got, to have lived in isolation and at high altitudes and in extremely cold climates. Um, So this autistic gene that they had could start explaining why, and this is where it starts getting incredibly interesting, why as early as 60 to 70,000 years ago, they were creating the most beautiful jewellery that you, you can imagine. Why they may well, well have been riding horses, why they uh, uh, created the earliest bone needles in the world so they were wearing tailored clothing, um, why they were making musical instruments, um, the earliest instruments anywhere in the world, and that may well have given them an understanding of sound acoustics, and also why they may well have taken an interest in the sun and the moon and eclipse cycles to generate incredible sequences of numbers that have been passed down to various cultures around the world with key numbers that clearly come from some primeval source, numbers like 54, 108, 432, um, which crop up again and again in different cultures from Southeast Asia to Still wearing enough layers to insulate an iceberg? It's time for a new hoodie. Meet the Bearskin Tactical Hoodie, designed with six pockets. It's loved by thousands of men across the world. Why? Because it's 100% windproof, water-resistant, and ready to tackle the wild outdoors or the couch. Available in four colors to suit any adventure. This is the last hoodie you ever need to buy. Click the link below to choose your size. And- yes, that's that, that's that. To Mesopotamia, to Northern Europe, to Egypt, India, as time cycles and cyclic time. Um, and, I mean, many of my colleagues have been looking for the source of these numbers. Where do they come from? Right. Now we have an answer. They came from the Denisovans who had this incredible autistic or savant-like mindset that allowed them to remember number sequences in a way which we have just not really had the need to do in our own modern human existence. Let's move on in the story to Gobekli Tepe, because this is where you feel some of their uh, knowledge was continuing to express itself. Absolutely. I mean, Gobekli Tepe is arguably the most important archaeological site in the world at this time. Uncovered, absolutely. Yeah, I mean... It was first um, uncovered in the mid-1990s um, by a German archaeologist named Professor Klaus Schmidt, who's sadly no longer with us, and he recognised the importance of the site. Uh, and what they found were a series of stone enclosures with standing stones that were T-shaped in appearance uh, that were in this form because they were uh, abstract humans, that the, t- the T-shaped termination was actually the, the head of the individuals, the bodies. Uh, many of the stones had arms in relief coming around the yes. side, ending in these long spindly fingers at the front. Yes, very interesting. They were set like in the spokes of a wheel, pointing towards the centre 
of these enclosures where there were two massive great monoliths, also with T-shaped uh, terminations that were also anthropomorphic in appearance. And many of the stones are carved with beautiful animals. Um, and the important thing is that the earliest of these, these enclosures is 11,500 years in age. Um, and what's significant is that the most sophisticated, the largest and the most intriguing of these enclosures are the oldest. And although building continued at Quebec Tepe for around 1,500 years, the enclosures got smaller and smaller, yes. more and more simpler. Their orientation got less and less uh, until it almost looked like they were just going through the motions. And then they just stopped, buried what was left and cleared off to some other part of the ancient world. But what we know about these um, incredible enclosures at Quebec Tepe is that they're astronomically aligned. Um, they're aligned uh, to a bright star in the constellation of Cygnus, um, the, the cosmic bird, also known as the Northern Cross, uh, which was situated on the Milky Way, where the Milky Way splits in two um, and forms a point in the centre of the heavens that was always seen as an entrance and exit to the sky world, the land of the dead or the afterlife, as, as you might want Are you talking about the, the, the holes of the soul, the soul holes? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, uh, what you're referring to here is Gavakli Tepe, directly in line with the orientation of the central pillars, um, is this this stone, we call it a porthole stone, it's got mm -hmm. a little hole in it, not big enough for anybody to get through, that would allow somebody standing in the middle of the enclosure between the two huge megaliths, which stand almost like a stargate, you know, towards the cosmos itself, that you would be able to look through this hole, whether this was actual or symbolic, we don't know, towards the setting of the bright star Deneb uh, in the constellation of, of Cygnus, uh, also known as the Northern Cross. Um, and... This was purposeful. I mean, quite clearly what the shamans that were using these structures were doing was projecting their minds, most likely in altered states of consciousness or trance states, into the other world that they perceived as existing in the direction of the constellation of Cygnus. Cygnus is a bird, and it's no coincidence that the human soul was seen to take the form of a bird to travel from the physical world into the other world. Uh, and that's a universal principle. It's it's in the, the, the ancient world, it's in, you know, the, the Americas. It's a universal idea that the, the type of bird changes. At Quebec Tepe, the soul bird was the vulture. Uh, in North America, for instance, it's the, 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 the eagle, the hawk. Um, and in other parts of Eurasia, it's the swan or goose, who are important symbols not only of the soul, but the Cygnus constellation. Um but in addition to this, the enclosures at Gobekli Tepe are all perfectly constructed uh, to maximise sound acoustics. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a 4-3 ratio uh, in a perfect ellipse that is unquestionably done with the idea that there was some purpose in using sound, perhaps the human voice um, or musical instruments, to increase not just tones, but what's known as musical intervals, um, you know, the perfect fourth, perfect fifth, um, to create the perfect note, the perfect sound to induce altered states of consciousness. Uh, and we find this, these, these same proportions, four, three or three, two, which relate to the perfect fourth or perfect fifth, 
uh, in megalithic or neolithic uh, constructions all the way around the world. And it's also there, certainly in symbolic form, um, on the, the pyramid field at Giza, where obviously we find the Great Pyramid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe that all of these ideas are a legacy that have come from the Denisovans. Uh, we can trace a route from Gobekli Tepe, 11,500 BC, back through the Russian steppes, through the Ural Mountains that mm-hmm. divide Europe with Asia into southern Siberia and the Altai Mountains, where, of course, the Denisovans were found right the way through to 40,000 BC. Uh, and their successors, their hybrid descendants, continued their legacy after this time spreading into different parts of the ancient world. To learn more about this esoteric understanding of our early development, you can pick up a copy of the Cygnus Key at all major booksellers. You can also visit Andrew's site at andrewcollins.com. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Open Minds in London. Okay, so now what? Okay, all right, we're going to do the concert. We are on that page. Okay, here we just, one moment here. After a light supper in her private chambers, she bid the emperor good night and withdrew to her exercise and dressing room. She had her servants undress her as usual and went to bed, pretending to sleep. When the servants had left her, a trusted lady-in-waiting slipped into her room with a magnificent fancy dress costume, a red blonde wig, a yellow domino mask to cover her face, and a cloak. Down a back stair, and out of the palace they went. Spotting a young man on the dance floor, she instructed her confidant to fetch him. This might have been the closest the beautiful, unattainable empress ever came to flirting. Fritz Pacher. A young government employee soon suspected who his companion in disguise might be. For several years, the Empress would secretly send him letters, including this poem, Song of the Yellow Domino, their last correspondence. Do you remember that night in the glowing ballroom, long, long ago, where two souls once met? Where our odd friendship began, do you think of the words so intimately trusting that we exchanged by the loud dance music? Only too fast our time dwindled away. I pressed the hand, yet I had to fly. I did not dare unveil my face to you, but I did... Sh- I definitely wasn't feeling like myself. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. Please forgive me. They did something here. Something went... Oh, miss. Oh, let me just see what what became of our uh, our lovely concert. <laughs> um, okay, we will we will be with you in a moment. Something became of it. Oh, well, uh, that means it's over. (laughs) Okay, well, 
Uh, Rama, did you find a lovely little closing? Uh, did you find a little closing? Uh, oh. And and a, a something from. And yeah. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's do that. Uh, the thing is, is that. Uh, Commander Doug, uh, can we have an early arrival of our sister Raybird? <laughs> Hello, sister Raybird. Hello. <laughs> um, um, okay, well, let's see if you can, um, uh, have a, um, Commander Doug. Can you hear us? Hello? All right, well, the, uh, do you have something on there, Rama? I said we're still on. I understand, I'm just asking you. This is Alan Watts. There's a kitty that needs a little direction over there. <laughs> okay. Um, what shall we do, Rama? Did, um, Uh, maybe you should go call. Go call our brother. I know what we will do in the meantime. Rama's going to go call. Okay. Okay. Well, we have <laughs> our sister Raybird with us. <laughs> Yeah, I hope you are call me. Okay. Well, Rainbird, uh, we're going to have an early evening. Uh, okay. Yeah. That sounds good. I, I don't mind getting an extra 30 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. And uh, I'm going to um, pass the talking stick to our sister, Rainbird. There is good words coming for all of us, I'm sure. So here it comes with the angels, the fairies, the feathers, the rainbows, the crystals, the hobbits, the fairies, the, 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 the elves, the dwarfs, the, the, um, 
Did I miss something? The Menahumi. And all good, all good ones that may be willing to add themselves to this list. Here it comes. And okay, that Emerald, I got it. ML Serpent Feathered One is with us too tonight. Here we go. Okay, I like it. Beautiful talking stick and beautiful show. What a good way to bring in the new year. We just did so many wonderful things and listened to good music again. Again. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's all good. And, um, I think, I think collectively I feel the the energy of 2022 is just, yeah, it's going to be like we don't have to think about 21 anymore. (laughs) We're just moving on. Just really picking it up the stick and see where we go, see where we fly. <laughs> and uh, so I'm enthusiastic about the new year, and I think we all are. So lots of gratitude for you guys and all that you brought forward and everybody else with us. So much gratitude for our family here. And if I pass this talking stick over to you, Mama, if you got something ready? Yeah. Well, tell us what you have. This is Alan Watts. Who am I? <laughs> All right. Pass Since it to uh, Matthias is bringing up, um, I am. <laughs> and I am. Yeah. Here we go. And so it is, everyone. This is a, a new year we will not want to forget. That's uh, unlike the one we just finished. Two, two, Lessons. Two. Hmm? What drama? Two, two, two. Two, two, two. <laughs> um, that is the dance. Of, yeah, it's the dance of love, it's the dance of peace, it's the dance of truth, it's the dance of freedom, it's the dance of justice, and it's the dance of beauty. Beauty is with us all in the transformation of the inside. And the result is a pristine planet. We all came here to make sure that's the nature of how it it works. So, there's a new divine plan. uh, A unified field of heaven on earth. And you might say we're in the changing of the guard. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, I might even say that, uh, as Patty Robles says, the influence of the old guard and the powers that be who are responsible for the catastrophic deg- degradation of Mother Earth, humanity, and the elemental kingdom 
will be replaced by a new generation that has been uniquely prepared to become stewards of this sweet earth as she heals and is transfigured into the perfection of the new earth. The vast majority of the sons and daughters of God, Goddess, all that is, who have been born since Harmonic Convergence in 1987, are known throughout the heavenly realms as the Holy Innocents. These are the souls who have had not yet begun their evolutionary journey on earth as we tragically fell off the spiral of evolution and onto the wheel of karma. Once that happened, our Father Mother God issued a cosmic edict to protect these new souls from being trapped on the wheel of karma, which humanity inadvertently miscreated as we fell into the abyss of separation and duality. While waiting in the inner realms, these precious sons and daughters of God were trained in unique ways that would empower them to help the earth and all her life to transcend that pain and that suffering of the old earth, which they were embodied, uh, were embodied in the physical plane. This training was downloaded by their I am presence into unique consciousness codes that are imprinted within their DNA. The divine intent of the consciousness codes was to provide these enlightened souls once they were embodied with easy access to the sacred knowledge they accumulated while they were waiting in the temples, in the inner planes. There are literally billions of souls who have been born on earth since 1987. They have incarnated in every country and every condition and situation existing in this world. The vast majority of these precious sons and daughters of God are now standing in readiness to assume their place as transformational leaders. This is true whether or not, whether or not. They were and or are aware of this just yet on a conscious level. Those of us who were born before 1987 are being called to help these precious ones to remember who they are and why they are here. In 2022, these young people will begin coming to the fore all over the world. And they will bring with them innovative ideas and heart-based solutions as they replace the old guard and the obsolete paradigms they have now been dismantled. So won't it be. They will gradually assume leadership for all of the various social structures existing on earth. And they will develop new heart-based social structures that will improve the quality of life for all 
for all of humanity, the elemental kingdom and Mother Earth. What the beings of light want each and every one of us to comprehend at this moment in time is that with the success of the dismantling of the obsolete paradigms, all of us have now been freed from the oppressive grip and the mind control and deceptive programmings that has manipulated us and kept us stuck for myriad of lifetimes. In the past, the interference from the forces of, of imbalance have been able to prevent us from hearing the most imp- and most importantly from trusting the inner guidance of our I am presence. Now all of that has changed. In order to prove that to ourselves, all we have to do is act out of that knowing as we will withdraw our attention from the chaos manifesting in the outer world and instead go within. Go within to the divinity of our heart flame where our I am presence now abides. We will experience this truth for ourselves. The company of heaven said this generational shift will affect every part of life belonging to our to 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 or serving mother earth in the most positive and life transforming ways so pay attention and listen to the intuitive inner guidance of our mighty i am presence all is well i wish you a glorious 2022 patricia coderos all right so inshallah sat nam dot nam di Ah, Thirteen thank yous, honey in the heart, no evil, and live long and prosper. Namaste, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Sat Nam. Sat Nam Ki. <laughs> Aloha, everyone. Mahalo Nui Loa. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Namaste.